it is time for uh, a couple of my favorite shows of the year, the Breeders' Cup preview shows. Thanks for tuning in, folks. We are going to go through Breeders' Cup Friday for you on this episode of That's What G Said Podcast that is presented by Better Than Dot Vegas. We are going to get through all of the Friday Breeders' Cup races. In fact, we're even going to talk about the undercard races for the Friday Breeders' Cup. Ryan Dickey will join me to talk races one through three on the Friday undercard. Then Chase Sessoms discusses races four and five with me. Barry Spears, the sniper, he jumps on to chat race number six, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint. We get to race number seven with Scott Shapiro, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. In race number eight, Dave Weaver, ice cold Dave Weaver, joins to talk Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies turf. Race nine is the TVG Breeders' Cup Juvenile, so Christina Blacker from TVG joins us. We get a couple of of our friends from TVG with Dave and Christina there back-to-back talking uh, Juvenile Phillies turf and Juvenile. Then we get into race number ten, the feature on the Friday Breeders' Cup card. It's the Juvenile Turf. Ren Carruthers joins, and uh, we spend uh, over 50 minutes talking about that race horse by horse and what you're going to get in each of these Breeders' Cup races. Every single horse and every single race is discussed with a different guest. We have a different guest for every Breeders' Cup race over Friday and Saturday, except for the Dirt Mile. That's the one that I'm handling myself. And I'll go horse by horse for you uh, on that one on Saturday. On this particular episode, you're going to get all the Friday stuff as we set you up in the Friday undercard. And then race by race, deep dives. If you need help with a particular horse, a particular race, maybe you just want to tune in to see who one of the particular guests likes. You can tune right to that race and uh, hopefully we help you out throughout these couple episodes. I am pumped. And this episode is presented by Better Than Dot Vegas. If you follow them on Twitter at BTV Bets, they are a website that helps you become a better gambler by giving you free information, free analysis via videos from all sorts of different handicappers and gamblers around the world. It doesn't cost you anything to subscribe and to register over at BTV. You don't even have to register to check everyone's videos out and to watch and and just to go and look. Once you register an account, you get involved in the monthly showdown. So when you start posting your own videos and some of your own selections, they score everything. They automatically calculate all the, uh, the games and what happens with the bets that you place. And then there's a standings list. The person at the top of the standings at the end of every month wins $1,000 for nothing. Doesn't cost you a cent to get involved. Better than dot Vegas is the website and the Twitter handle at BTV bets. Every single night they do what's called the public prop giveaway. They pick a game and they wager on that game and they give it away to one of you out there. All you have to do is follow retweet and help share the posts since you help them share everything they're going to give you a, a little something back and they're going to pick one person out that ends up winning sometimes 100 200 400 500 bucks depending on the bet btv bets give them a listen give them a look a uh, really good place to go and uh, and check out a lot of sports betting information we do live streams that i host uh, before all the football games monday night football games at 7 eastern time talk for about 20 minutes to 30 minutes or so about the, uh, the the spread for the game the total and some individual player props that we may be playing or team props there do the same thing every thursday night for the thursday night football games you can find those live streams right on twitter at btv bets Everything is free. All that content is free to help you out. 
And uh, we're going to try to help you out right away as we get into races one, two, and three for Friday. We're going to get right into the Breeders' Cup undercard with Ryan Dickey. Before we do, we have to let you know how you're going to be playing the races this weekend and where we want to go to play the races first. I'm talking about DRF.com. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is... Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf past performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com right now you want to get to drf.com and check out all the different options they have for breeders cup and past performances they've got the breeders cup players package for 44.99 you get all the breeders cup essentials Uh, you get the final past performances for friday and for saturday formulator or classic you get the breeders cup two-day betting strategies and the player's guide from drf and from timeform us you can go Timeform US package for $39.95. You get the entries, the two day betting strategies, and the guide from Daily Racing Form and Timeform US. And these are the uh, the Timeform US past performances. Or you go VIP for $62.99. You get the final past performances for Friday, Saturday, Formulator, or Classic. You get the two day betting strategies. You get the two day clocker reports. And you get the player's guide from Daily Racing Form and from Timeform US. That's the one that gives you everything. DRF.com. 
I got the past performances in that VIP package myself. I have been uh, digging into the past performances over the last few days, looking at the pre-entries prior to that, and now ready to rock. Get to drf.com. Here we go. We're on that journey, folks. We have uh, a ton to discuss. So many guests over the uh, to discuss the Friday and Saturday Breeders' Cup. It all starts with Ryan Dickey, race number one on Friday at Del Mar. Okay, let's get on into it, folks. We're going to jump right into Friday, and we're going to go through the undercard races. We're going to go to races one through and three with our next guest here. This is a gentleman who you've heard on this show before, but it's been been way too long since the last time that Ryan Dickey has been back aboard. He's helped me out many times, talk uh, races here. We've talked some sports with him before, and Ryan's back to help us. Open up the Friday portion of the Breeders' Cup undercard. Couple of the best days to be a racing fan, and um, you know this year some of the races are a little shorter than we'd like, Ryan. But there are actually some good undercard races we can sink our teeth into. A couple good ones, and uh, and maybe make some money right off the bat. How the heck you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. Thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate it. Ah, so uh, what have you been up to lately? Tell everybody what's going on. I've been uh, seeing you on, on social media a little bit. You're over uh, in Vegas right now, over at Circa. Is that right? That's correct. Uh, I landed here about oh, a little over a year ago, and I've been with Circa about a year, and uh, I love it. It's great. Uh, it's my second stint living here in Vegas, and uh, I guess we're gonna just keep rocking and rolling here for a while. Right in the middle of all the action, and uh, this, so you're getting you're getting to experience the action day in day out for you know everything that's happening, everything that you can wager on. This weekend, it's a, a very horse racing centric weekend with uh, a major focus over at Del Mar, and uh, you know two days of Breeders' Cup. As uh, I mentioned, we did get a couple small fields smaller than normal this year, and there's going to be some controversy with uh, some of the horses that are mentioned. And it is a little funny as we jump right in. To you know the first race that we're going to talk about And that one of those gentlemen who has A couple horses the, that are going to be Running in the Breeders' Cup this weekend Baffert who uh, has you know obviously Gamine who's one of the smaller fields I think as we are recording um, That's another thing I appreciate You're helping me out very early in the week We're recording this on Tuesday so as of Right now when we're recording I think that Philly and Mayor Sprint is down to five Five, yeah. five horse field which is a, a Major bummer but yeah. One thing we see on some of these um, undercard races, Ryan, on big days, we see it, I think, on Breeders' Cup, sometimes on Derby days, or maybe it's like a Santa Anita Derby or a Florida Derby day. You can tell that, you know, some of the maiden special weight or allowance races, like this opener, the purses will be a little bigger and you'll get many good barns that are sending in horses that they ship with their other Breeders' Cup horses or big horses. And some of these races are kind of like a, I call them sort of like a show-off race You know, it's like yeah. you, you can tell That there are some horses that I think They've waited for these big spots When there might be a lot of eyeballs on This race kind of feels like it with the horse that we're When I'm mentioning, uh, Triple Tap And and even more than him, there's a couple others In here, there are a few that that uh, Were really impressive Winning the last time that we saw them The problem is, we haven't seen them In a while, talking about Triple Tap Vittorio and uh, Run Snappy All come off of Big, pretty nice wins, but they were what thirteen months. But uh, it's nine, sixteen months ago, and and Triple Tap was uh back in March, so they don't have a whole lot of recency. That's what makes this race a little bit intriguing. The 
The horses that may end up being the best horses in this race in a month or two months or three months, they may not be the most ready to rock in this spot. Uh, I agree 100%. And as a horse owner, I will tell you that when you get the condition book that that contains a big racing day, or in this case, two big racing days in a row, you want to see if you have a horse that can fit in one of these undercard races. Because even though you might not have a Breeders' Cup eligible horse, if you have a horse that can run in one of these first three races on a Friday, you're going to want to put him in there. Because mm-hmm. you can say, hey, I'm here. I'm at Del Mar for the Breeders' Cup, and I got a horse in. It doesn't have to be in the Breeders' Cup race, but, uh, you know... I, I would be fine winning. It's a, nice. A, a, yeah, oh, heck, I, I, it's cool. I'd love winning a, a race like this on a Breeders' Cup day. Oh, this added incentive. This is a hundred thousand dollar purse. Yeah. This is a little stakes race here for yeah. a first level allowance horse for some of these horses that have only broke their maiden. And from a talking standpoint, um, Triple Tap, the uh, the number four in here. He won his debut back in March for Bob Baffert Now he did it really impressively There was a lot of buzz on him It was only a field of four And he is the half brother to American Pharaoh Um, He is the full brother to a grade one winner Named Chasing Yesterday And he's he's one of those right? You sort of feel like he could have run a couple weeks ago at some point He was probably <laughs> ready But they probably decided You know, we like this horse a little bit It's American Pharaoh's brother We'd love to have him show up and win To, to kick everything off on Friday And get everybody smiling, right? It feels like someone is thumbing their nose In the general direction <laughs> of the uh, horse players um, that's, that's all I'm going to say about that What I will say that's interesting about this race is this race is configured the same way as the sprint, the Breeders' Cup sprint will be. It's uh, six furlongs over the dirt. When you look at the first three races on Friday, um, the second race is going to be a a mile on the turf, which sets up exactly the same way as the juvenile turf races, both the Phillies and the the juvenile turf, and then also the mile. Then when you look at the third race on the card, that's seven furlongs. It's going to be for two-year-old Phillies. But that sets up the same way as the Philly and Mare Sprint. So these three races, although they're not exactly the the big draw, you might want to watch these races yep. pretty intently so you can see how how the track is 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 set up for for these uh, coming races on Friday and Saturday. Yeah, then we'll uh, we'll start talking about race one. So Triple Tap, we you know yep. we start with him. He obviously he's got ability. He won nicely. He's got the pedigree. Baffert can get him ready to rock off of the layoff. He won going seven. But from a betting standpoint, he's not the most exciting horse in the world to bet. He's going to get bet on the, you know, he's going to get played even more than his morning line. He'll be a short price. And just off, you know, you know, glancing at this race, we've got Fratelli who draws the inside, who's pretty quick. You've got Silver Moon Road, who's drawn next to Triple Tap, who's pretty quick. You've got Vittorio, who showed good speed in his victory when sitting just off. You've got Notre Dame who's pretty quick. Run Snappy showed good speed in his only dirt start when he was uh was also winning and when also looked impressive. Red Valor is really really quick and Sumo was forwardly placed. I think they're going to be going pretty pretty quick early on in here. That may not help a horse like Triple Tap or either of the horses off of the long layoffs who if they're in some sort of a battle here, they could get weary late. I agree with you 100%, and that's why I'm going to take a horse that's coming off 48-day layoff, which is much better. So let's talk about uh, who you're looking at. Okay, I'm looking at Notre Dame uh, for Doug O'Neill. This is an into-mischief colt, and even though he lost his Silver Moon Moon Road last out, that was 48 days ago, I think he can turn the tables here. 
The only caveat is, is Silver Moon Road was claimed in that last race, and now he's being trained by Peter Miller. Peter Miller is uh, one of those trainers who happens to claim horses and gets them to perform a little bit better. So I'm a little skeptical uh, about Silver Moon Road. Uh, but like you said, I think this is going to be a really, really tough pace. And I think Silver Moon Road is going to be much more forwardly placed than and Notre the Dame. draw, right? Yeah. He's drawn yeah. down towards the inside. So right. he ends up getting caught up. He's he's right in between. Right. Fratelli's got some speed to his inside. And then right to his outside, you've got right. Triple Tap, Vittorio, and then Notre Dame and some others. So right. if anyone has the opportunity to sit a little bit more, which we've actually seen Notre Dame do, he can track off of a little bit and and maybe just get the jump on anyone who's trying to come from too far behind. That's correct. And what we're going to have to do here is we're going to get some some good odds here on, on Notre Dame's eight to one on the morning line. And you know that these Baffert horses are going to get bet. And uh, as I said, Silver Moon Road might might take some money. So we're going to have a, a nice little value here. We're going to have to rely on some racing luck and make sure he doesn't get caught in traffic. But uh, I think Notre Dame is is the play here because I don't want either of the Baffert horses. They're nope. going to be way, way over bet. And, and uh, Sumo, you know, a lot of times you get a big figure at Los Alamitos. I have, I got to wait and see sometimes that the level of competition over there at that Los Al meet isn't quite as strong. And that track will pay play very nicely. Sometimes the horses who get a good, easy win, he was only a field of five in that spot too. So I, I I'm going to make him prove it to me and triple tap. This is just, this feels like a situation where, yeah, I like, he, he's going to be a nice horse. Sumo will be a nice horse. There will be three or four others that are, Gonna be good in you know down the line, but in this spot, I I'm kind of with you, and I'm looking for I think the more experienced, more seasoned horses that seem like they have a little bit more bottom and a little more battle tested. A- absolutely, and you know O'Neill's been doing well lately, and uh, when he has horses that come off 36 to 60 days, uh, he's been pretty hot with those two. So I just I just really like. The value here of Notre Dame, I don't think there's any value in betting either those uh, Baffert horses coming off of short field wins. And like I said, the only horse I'm really kind of leery about is number three, Silver Moon Road. But for me, it's Notre Dame all day. Uh, A couple horses that I think are good horses to use in some of your underneath exotics and horses who I feel like they'll get the trip. But I don't know how good they are That's what concerns me But I'll still throw them in if you're playing like Some sort of early pick fives Because I'm, my approach is very much with you in that uh, The Baffert horses They can beat me The first, the last thing I want to do I'm going to do in the first race of the Breeders' Cup days Is be married to a couple short priced horses Who I don't love right off the bat When there are uh, other many more intriguing horses And, and ways to go in here So the two that I'm, I'm going to throw into some exotics Are the the two, all stand taller, who is a cowbred and, and is going to be stepping up into open company, but he he's solid and he just sort of could get the kind of trip that I'm thinking might be a good one also. Now, what worries me is he's drawn down towards the inside, so he could get caught up like we were saying and have to go a little faster and have to work a little more. The other one that's a, a long shot, and again, I don't know if he's quite good enough to win. He's going to be a massive price, but if you're telling me um, I'm I'm looking for horses that can you know run in the two, three, four spots and fill out your exactas or tries, El Diablo Rojo, who comes back to the dirt, uh, he's you know he's been on the turf in his last few. All of his best work has actually been on the dirt. He returns here. He's proven at Del Mar, and he's the type of horse who's going to get a really nice trip. Hernandez is an excellent rider out here in Southern California. He's become 
um, right up in that top tier And I think El Diablo Rojo could get a nice trip So, you know, some value underneath A horse, if you're playing exotics, throw him in at least in, uh, you know, in some of the, the spots for two, three, four And maybe in, and flop him into a pick five Because that'd be a, a great way to start your card if you could get a nice... Uh, you know, thirty or forty dollar winner right off the bat on uh, on Breeders' Cup weekend in, yeah, a race that definitely is a little better than a couple of the Breeders' Cup races that we have to discuss to kick things off. Uh, race number one, we both feel like we don't we don't need to to take a shot on the short price Bafferts right off this right off the bat. No, we don't we don't we don't have to we don't have to do that. It's funny that you mentioned the two and the eight because when I wrote down uh, how I would play this race, I wanted the six on top all by itself. That's Notre Dame, and then the two Baffert horses in the uh, under underneath four and eleven, and then for the third spot, I have two, three, and eight. So nice, nice. Um, I think we're on the same we're on yep. the same page here. I think there's a lot of value in both Al Taller and uh, El Diablo Rojo. So uh, I think we I think we pretty much agreed on this one. Yep, yep. We move along to race number two. We got the uh, the Cutter Golden Mile. So we have two year old. They're going to be going the mile on the turf course here. And uh, man, this is a another excellent betting race. I think I think I saw you t- you tweet out that <laughs> we've got a horse in here named No Balls, yep. who is a gelding. <laughs> no Balls is a gelding. It's, uh, horse <laughs> race horse naming done right. If you were writing the script for that comedy and you brought it to me, I'd say, ah, come in, that's a little obvious, right? Like, can we be more subtle with the comedy? That's some, like a slapstick. But that's what we're dealing with here. We, we, like, I wouldn't have believed it if I didn't see it myself right. that we got no balls. That's a gelding. But uh, right. here, here we go. As um, a, I thought this was a, one of the more fun races to handicap. Um, on Saturday, honestly, there are, I, I like races like this with young, Horses on the grass Some of them you've seen Maybe only going a little shorter or you haven't Seen going long all that much so there's So much room for upside In a race like this for horses to take steps Forward Uh, tell us some of the horses who You're looking at in the second well it's uh, Interesting that you bring that up because As I said earlier this is the same setup as Both the, the juvenile turf Races on Friday but More importantly in this race There are some horses who who have Been beaten by some uh, juvenile turf entrance. Uh, the horse that I think is going to be way out on the lead here is number two, 34 Coop. Uh, this this horse has been a table setter for McKinnon, who runs on uh, later on in the day in the juvenile turf. That one's a and, nice one. McKinnon yeah, is visually yeah. super impressive, too. Yeah, a- a- absolutely. And then the number three, Degree of Risk, um, he's run against a-, a couple of juvenile turf runners. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you you look at this race, this is going to be a really, really good way to gauge the juvenile turf, which is the the um, the featured race on Friday. Usually it's the juvenile, but yeah, this year it's the juvenile that around, turf. which is kind of weird because what's funny is the juvenile isn't one of the short, short races either. You know, the juvenile's yeah. fine. It's got a solid field and sure. it's, it's got some quality to it. I could understand if they would have flipped and they wouldn't have wanted, you know, the Phillies you know, because maybe it's a small field, it's a field of six, or maybe right. they wouldn't have wanted the Gamin race. That's now a field of five. It was only going to be a field of six, but that that was weird that they did that they did flip flop that. But a great point that this is a race where y- you keep an eye on what happens and and make sure to pay attention because you don't have to completely change your handicapping later. But horses that run well here, you may want to upgrade the horses who beat them or who they ran 
against in the horses that don't well if you're on the fences about them then maybe you, you kind of lower some of those horses that they faced absolutely if you if you have a, a runner who compliments a horse that you already like uh, a little bit later in the afternoon there's there's no reason that you shouldn't uh, maybe up your wager a little bit like maybe uh you know pre- press a little bit more if, if if things go in this race uh you know the compliments the one that you like then by all means, go ahead and uh, step out and, and get your opinion, make your opinion a little bit stronger. So you mentioned uh, 34 Coop. You mentioned yeah. degree of risk. They're both coming out of uh, races behind really, really nice ones. Were there any other horses uh, in this race you were looking at? Or what, what's sort of your approach to, to playing a race like this early on in the card? Well, this race is a little bit more uh, wide open for me as I really like Notre Dame in the first race. Uh, this one's a little harder for me to to find one. I think I would, would like to go three deep here. Um, I do like the degree of risk the best uh, just because I think he's a little bit more accomplished uh, than, than the others. But, I mean, Detroit City, the number five horse, um, came in fourth back in, in Keeneland. It was the, uh, let's see, what was that? It's probably the Indian Summer, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, Indian Summer came in fourth. But, I mean, if you look at who who won that race, it was Averly Jane, who's, yep. if you look at those past performances it's all ones just about and then coffee maker yeah coffee maker who's running here um detroit city has won um a five and a half furlong uh turf race before and i think he's gonna do better going longer as a dialed in uh dialed in horse so i really like the chance of detroit city and then we have to use no balls here i mean we have to we have to here's what's strange about no balls is how many horses do you know go from Presque Isle Downs to Del Mar? Right. And it's not something that you see often. No. And you know what? This horse was only four to one in that race at yeah. Kentucky behind Tiz yeah. the Bomb, who is another horse that you look at the form of Tiz the Bomb. And this is a horse who is comes out of that race to come back and win and is going to be having a uh, dealing with with bigger uh bigger things uh, a little later on this weekend i agree with you that's uh, another one to include um it, this is a, a really really fun betting race the i'm i'm even gonna get a little crazy and i'm gonna throw the the maiden the seven birth of cool into some of my exotics so <laughs> in his debut he was just a little bit slow. It was a mile going. It was you know going a mile first time out of the box, and then he closed pretty well. It wasn't bad at all. Career start number two. They throw him in the Zuma Beach, um, you know, and he's behind McKinnon, and he had a slow start. He was last. He was about eight lengths off or so, and he moved into contention. And at the top of the lane, he was just completely blocked on the inside. He had nowhere to go. He wasn't going to win that race against McKinnon. McKinnon was going to win easily. He might have finished third. Birth of Cool. With just a little bit of a of a smooth trip with any room down there on the inside, and I think it shows again that they're they're very confident in the horse by placing him in this spot. Look who jumps aboard to ride him. You get Detori jumping aboard, <laughs> one of the best riders in the world. And Patty Gallagher is not someone who cranks his horses first time out of the box to win. So generally. They start to improve a lot in career start number two and career start number three. Once he's figured them out a little bit, he doesn't have to go as hard on them in the mornings once they have a little bit of racing experience. And that can help get them a little more fit. And he doesn't because he's just not someone that goes hard on them in the morning. So he needs the races to help him. I think this is a horse who at a huge price is, again, another one who's at least worthy of throwing an underneath your exotics because – 
I'm pretty confident in here that he's going to pass some horses late. There are a couple that maybe get caught up in the pace or the way the race shapes up. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't um, fare well for them. But this horse will almost always pass horses. And if he gets the right kind of trip, he, you know, he could pass a, a couple more. He'll be a massive, massive price. We got Birth of Cool, who's probably going to be double digits. We've got No Balls, who's going to be. It's just great to say that, right? right. Like right. my my like ten year old self is just la- laughing so hard <laughs> right now, right? Just love it, loving right. this. And uh, uh, yeah, again, um, a, a fun way to kick off uh, with a couple of undercard races that are really intriguing. Like, what's wrong with the horse like optimizing that we didn't even mention? I mean, what, well, yeah, what about ready what, to perform? No, wouldn't be shocked at all to see that one take a second, another step forward, second time off the layoff, second time at Del Mar, second time for McCarthy. Plenty of of room for improvement there. Yeah, this is a race where you can make so many cases for any. We didn't even talk about ready to perform. You know, it was five to two two favorite, and and was an AE in in you know in uh, one of the the Breeders' Cup Juvenile races and won a stakes at Laurel and was really good in doing it. So. This is, uh, I think, the reason why we probably didn't talk as much about ready to perform is because these races are so uh, good and deep. These these couple that we've talked about that I- I'm just more intrigued by horses that are a little bit better prices. You know, I, if I think they've got a shot, I'd much prefer six, eight, ten to one than the five to two there with a, a very logical horse. If you're high on ready to perform, like I, he he wouldn't be one that I'm saying, oh, just completely toss out of everything. I just think there are a couple others that will probably offer you better value on top. Yeah, I think the horses that we talked about early on in this uh, analysis, they've faced much better than what Ready to Perform did. So I think they're uh, they're a little bit more seasoned. They have a little bit more class. So, hey, uh, I'm gonna not I'm gonna not bet the favorite in the first race, and I'm gonna not bet the favorite in the second race. What do you know? Let's move on to the Golden State Juvenile Phillies. We'll be having uh, we'll be going seven furlongs on the dirt here for Calbred two year old Phillies and. We have, uh, yeah, it's a lot of young, lightly raced horses here. Don't have a ton of experience, and some horses coming off of really nice efforts. At the Spa is a horse who didn't run well last time out, but that was going against Open Company. Now is back in with Calbreds. That was in the the Grade One Del Mar Debutante. You've got, you know, Big Novel who was real impressive winning. Big Switch who was a, a very nice winner last time out. Rose Maddox wheels back super quickly. V- Vivacious Vanessa was an impressive turf winner. Now tries to transfer it over to the dirt. This is um, a contentious race. A lot of horses that I don't think anyone's going to be an overwhelming favorite in here. I I think we'll probably get a little bit of support spread out a, a bit. So remember when I said I wasn't going to bet the favorite in the first race and the second race? This is the one where you like them. Yeah, I like Big Novel here. I think Big Novel is the best, uh, not by far, but I definitely. But he was good. She was good. And she, yeah, she ran into that Connie Swingle in her first couple, who was just super impressive in those. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, tell us a little bit more about Big Novel. Well, I mean, obviously she's you know she's running for Sadler. You know, she's a California bred by Mr. Big. I don't think that's the gr- the greatest uh, pedigree in the world, uh, but she looked like a pro. When you watch her last race, you you look at the uh, replay. You know, she had her ears back, and she just looked she just looked like a professional. She was a little bit off the pace, and she came up on the rail. And you know, those are things that you don't usually see from young fillies. And she just she looked much better than than. Um, than her than her age and and this point this part of the season so i really like the way that she looked um 
I think the only other horse in this race that, that looks as professional as her, but throughout a clunker last time was number five at the spa. Mm -hmm. If you go, two, if you go two back with that, the spa, she looks, you know, she, she went to the rail too. And she won, she held off a couple other horses at the wire. Yep. She looked great. But if you look at her last race, it was a clunker. I mean, big time clunker. And it's Don't always, know what happened there. And it's always tough. She came back and worked well, but it's always tough to wonder was it the company? Was it the seven furlongs? Was it a combination of both? And then you you have to, you know, you don't want to take a short price on her that with that with that variable. If she's in like a, a little bit better price, then yeah, then maybe you can, you know, you can get yourself to to sort of talk yourself into at the spa because she does have some very nice races. Um I I did think her and Big Novel kind of felt like they were the top tier to me. Big Switch was also super impressive, first time out of the box. Uh, wouldn't be a, a shock to see her run well I You know it's simple it was another one for Doug Who they tried the turf with last time out uh, But two back she was well defeated She did uh, by at the spot she did have a little bit Of trouble in there wouldn't be You know a shock to see her run bell, but well But she's going to have to improve a little bit Because big novel uh, Just like on numbers and speed figures was Much quicker than her last time out And um, as you mentioned It's it was a it's a fun Three races to open the card because we didn't have any really short fields. We have some horses that probably will take some money that do look vulnerable or at least worth trying to beat, and we'll get a good idea, sort of like you would at a you know at a track meet. You want to see how the everything's playing before the big races. You know, you want to see how the the courses are playing. We we do this with the Derby. We do this at the Belmont when you get the look at the prep going long on the main track. What what's the grass course like? So. It's um, you know, any anything that you can do early on to give yourself an advantage, you know, later on in the day on Friday and on Saturday, I think that's going to be a major positive. Absolutely, and here's a variable that we haven't talked about yet. Uh, what about Lasix? These these yes. races are all without Lasix, and yep. maybe at maybe at the spa spa bled maybe last time. Who knows? There's there's no way of knowing. And if that's the case, you definitely don't want a better coming back because. If uh, if that were the case last time and they can't use Lasix again, uh, that there's a propensity for that happening again. And um, even though <laughs> there's no way of knowing exactly what happened there, I think I would still use at the spa on top in multi races just in case that was just a one off last race. Yeah, and maybe because they're with the great with the race against Open Company and now back in versus Calbreds right. with the fact that. You know, maybe it was drawn down towards the rail and a little bit of, you know, like just not the not comfortable. It seemed like before the race even. So maybe there are two or three things we can cross out and say, okay, yeah, we can be a little forgiving and give her a shot back mm -hmm. in uh, in this spot, which is a nice little hundred and seventy five thousand dollar stakes race on the undercard for Del Mar Breeders Cup Friday. Ryan Dickey helping us out with races one through three. Uh, Ryan, before we uh, let you get out of here. Were, was there any opinion that you had uh, the rest of Breeders' Cup weekend? Either a horse you like, or uh, maybe a horse you're playing against, or anything at all that you're uh, early on? It's still very early. It's only Tuesday, so you know, you're not married to anything yet. But uh, if you have anything else you want to share with us, feel free. Well, um, Ed Rosa says you can't sweep the card if you don't win the first race. So here we I think, go. I think uh, I'd like to start the pick five on Friday, uh, singling the six Notre Dame, and then in the second leg. I'm going to have to go three deep and go with three, five, and six. And then in the third leg, go three and five. Uh, that's just the start of the pick five, and then you, you can figure out the rest. Um, if I were to write to bet a pick three here, and if I were to go single, 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 I would go six, 
three three to get it started um, on we're Saturday. That one. We're What's gonna that? Deck. We're going to cold deck that one. We're going to cold deck six three three to start the uh, festivities on Friday. I think Latruska gets beat in the distaff, and I think there's a horse in there that has a monster shot at big numbers, and that's Blue Stripe. I think she's thirty to one on the morning line. I think uh, that one has a chance to upset Latruska. And in the turf, I'm going to go with a 20-to-1 shot and acclimate. So if you want to play a ridiculous daily double because those races go back-to-back, if you, oh, you, got blue, to. you play, play blue strike you in the distance and acclimate right? in the turf, you can play it for $2, you're going to just you'll win balloons, like absolute balloons. And, and if this wins, you will have uh, some fans forever. <laughs> Absolutely. Even those people that hit, there will be a lot of times that Ryan can come on and give out some losers and they will never care because that will be the one that right. takes care of them for many, many times. So uh, if we ever wanted to come out uh, to Circa and, uh, and visit you, would we, uh, could we see you out there and let us know? Uh, I mean, probably a great time right now. We're in October with the, the world series we're recording this with the the world series coming up just a little bit later on we got the uh, nba and college basketball just starting we're right in the middle it's already week nine of the nfl coming up. i know it and college football obviously rolling along nhl is rolling along it's probably at this point and then maybe it maybe like april around is another good sports month but this this yeah. time when you get the football all in the mix and both footballs it just it's as good as a time of the year as it is i mean i get paid to watch sports eight hours a day so it's not <laughs> it's not, it's not, not so bad. tough you can find me on twitter at firehouse racing and then if you're gonna be in town you're gonna be in sin city just uh shoot me a little dm and uh i'll be happy to show you around it's good good time out here Ryan, man, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, and uh, I look forward to uh, talking to you this weekend. Let's uh, let's make a little money for the folks out there, and let's uh, let's do a, let's make a little for ourselves too. How's that sound? We can be we can be greedy and selfish. Sounds good. I'll take it. Six six three three to start it off. Six three three. Let's get a little ice cold pick three right off the bat on Friday, and we will have a ton of money for all the Breeders' Cup races coming up. Make sure to give Ryan Dickey a follow there on social media, and don't go anywhere, folks, as we have a lot more to come. We are just getting started. Great way to kick things off with Ryan. Now uh, we will continue along and jump into a couple more undercard races and then get to the Breeders' Cup. Big thank you to Ryan for helping us out there. And just a little recap uh, for those first couple races for me. Race number one, uh, All Stand Taller, El Diablo Rojo and the uh, the Baffert Triple Tap will probably be the three I end up using in most exotics. I do think I, I lean to all stand taller. El Diablo Rojo, sort of the price one Triple Tap, who I think is going to be there and super talented, but may not be easy coming off the bench in a pretty tough race. In that uh, Cutter Golden Mile, going a mile on the turf course, the seven horse was the one I mentioned, Birth of Cool who uh, I'm actually going to make my top selection. The four optimizing I have right uh, underneath. Degree of risk is very, very logical, who Ryan mentioned. And the uh, the eight ready to perform will come rolling. Some of the horses I'll be using in early exotics there. And then in the third race, the Golden State, Ju- the Golden State Juvenile Phillies. I did think it was a... Uh, f- I have four, you know... Bo- I'm stuttering here. Big novel at the spa, the super logicals. It's simple and big switch right in behind them. 
sort of having him stacked with at the spa as the horse to bet. Big novel right behind that. I had big switch third. It's simple fourth, bold choice, another logical. Nothing too creative for me or or anything outside the box there, really in uh, in race number three. We're going to move on and talk races four and five with Chase Sessoms in just a moment. But before we do, we want to let you know all about Stable Duel and everything happening over at Stable Duel. If you've never played Stable Duel, it is a horse racing contest game that is in, in, an, app. It's in an app. It's totally free to download the app. You can go to StableDuel.com or you can just go to the App Store and, and type in Stable Duel. Once you download... It will look like if, if you've ever played any sort of daily fantasy stuff, that's the format of Stable Duel where you build your lineup. You have to put a, a lineup of 10 horses together. You have a $50,000 salary cap, and you will pay for horses based off of their morning lines in the races at different tracks around the country. So give you an example of what the schedule looks like coming up for this week. On Thursday at Charlestown, there's a game that's $40 to enter. $400 prize pool More people that get involved There's more prize money There's a free ride at, at Charlestown So if you've never played Stable Duel This is a perfect opportunity For you to head on over Check it out at Charlestown Won't cost you anything Go download the app And build a lineup for free And they give prizes to the top finishers Actually cash prizes That money will go right back into your Stable Duel account You can put it into your bank accounts You can continue to play it back on Stable Duel Thursday, there's Charlestown. Gulfstream has a couple different options. There is a $10 top 10 game. There is a $50 game that's a triple up, which means if you finish in the top third, you'll triple your 50 bucks. One of the really, really great uh, gestures right now in a in a time that has been horrible. Uh, jockey Miguel Mena uh, has recently passed away, and it was... Uh, a shock for this uh, very young successful jockey who I believe was just about to turn 35 Stable Duel will be doing a Miguel Mena charity match in a Thursday game at Del Mar it costs $25 to get in some of the details here all of the entries are going to be donated to Miguel's family to help him through this terrible time so anyone who plays in this game your 25 bucks is going to this family and you have an opportunity to get involved, play in a, a horse racing game, and all of the money that you put for the entries will be heading to the Miguel Mena charity in order to match their stable duel. It will offer a charity match within the app, Delmar Racetrack. All of the entries donated to Miguel's family to help them through this terrible time. Contest will lock at first post. There will be no guarantee as the charity pool will grow and the entries donations will grow and that amount will be donated entries will be 25 and there will be no limit on how many players can enter i will put a few entries in for the thursday delmar contest and a, uh, a shout out to some of the uh, delmar or to some of the stable duel players who have some were, were a few people out there that actually suggested this and stable duel right away said that was a, a great suggestion let's give back anything that we can this very very sad situation so if you get an opportunity on thursday get involved in that charity match game for stable duel del mar uh, it's the 25 dollar game there are a couple other del mar options on thursday for you the three dollar game the 75 dollar and the hundred dollar game on Friday, you've got Charlestown with a $25 entry. You've got Woodbine with a $5 game and a $50 game. So one for the smaller players, one for the bigger players. Gulfstream with two different options and Penn National for Friday. Over on Saturday, you've got Charlestown, Golden Gate, 
Gulfstream, and a free game at Laurel Sunday to close the week out. We head back to Del Mar for wood woodbine racing. There's some Laurel. There's some Gulfstream. All different racetracks that have contests that you can play on Sunday. Full Stable Duel schedule is at StableDuel.com, or you can just check in the app each and every day and, and see what games are uh, are all set that you can enter in for Stable Duel. Get those entries in and play, race, win. We are going to head on over now and talk with Chase Sessoms. We're going to talk about the Senator Ken Matty, race number four for Friday, Del Mar on the Breeders' Cup undercard. We'll also talk about race number five, the Golden State Juvenile, and then we'll start getting into our race-by-race Breeders' Cup previews. Kick back and enjoy the final of the two undercard races on the Friday Breeders' Cup card. We are continuing on with these Friday Breeders' Cup undercard races. These are like the the appetizers. And the next man that I'm bringing on, I'm sure he he likes an appetizer or two. Are we going uh, Chase, the Wolf of Oaklawn, who joins me? Are we going Buffalo Wings, Mozzarella Sticks? You thinking maybe like some potato skins? Where are we going? Which appetizer? Oh, man, it kind of depends on where you are. If I could find an existing uh, and operating Bennigan's, then maybe I go I go with the uh, the potato skin. Um <laughs> I'm a, I'm a wing fan, though. Then they got to be actually, like, bone-in wings. Hey, Farva, what's that place that you love? Shenanigans? You talking yeah. about shenanigans? shenanigans? Crazy stuff on the wall. Shenanigans, shenanigans, right? I swear to God, if one of you says shenanigans again. That's the dude from Succession, I think. It's a total tangent before we even get it underway yeah, that's, here. That's right? Brian Cox. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, a Scottish treasure of the, of the silver screen. Beautiful. Well, uh, the wolf of Oaklawn, Chase Sessoms, joins me here. A good friend who I've been uh, doing a lot of work with over the last couple months over at Better Than Vegas, and Chase himself is a very sharp handicapper. He, you probably saw his face over the last month or so. We were doing some of these live streams. They were previewing the Santa Anita Pick'em contest. Those were a lot of fun. It actually feels weird. I'm so used to seeing that beautiful mug of yours right now, and we're recording this audio only. Like I'm, I'm, I'm having to use my imagination, which could get a little bit crazy. Let's be honest. Anna. And I even like I even had my beard lined up today and like got my hair cut too. You're you're missing me on a good day, I'll say that. Because you are heading out yourself to take in the Breeders' Cup live and in person. So uh you uh, I'd imagine are pretty pumped for that heading on out to SoCal. You'll be live at Del Mar. Yeah, yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. First actually, first time to California. Never uh I've never been and uh I have, you know, first time to, to Del Mar, obviously, which uh, I, I it's a track that I've always really wanted to really wanted to check out. So, you know, big thanks to uh, to America's Best Racing for getting me out there. Well, we're going to uh, try to make a little money and this is going to be early on in your Friday. So this will be bankroll building for some of the big Breeders Cup races. We actually have a couple. This is a really good undercard on both days, as you would expect on big days. The undercard races are really, really strong. And we have a couple uh, stakes races to discuss here. One of them to start, if you're following along with the past performances, we're going to be looking at Friday, November the 5th, races 4 and 5. We're starting with the 5 furlong turf sprint, the Senator Ken Matty. And this is a really strong race. What's cool about this race, just from a, a talking point right off the bat, there is a 2-year-old in here against older. Right. Thunder, Thunder Love, who is an import who wanted to get into some of the Breeders' Cup juvenile turf races, couldn't do so. And by entering in this race, you he gets a or she gets a crazy, crazy weight break here. So because she is a two year old, 
She gets she only has to carry 112 Where everybody else in here is carrying 125 We see this a lot more in international racing We never see this in, in, in the US Yeah, it just Seeing a two-year-old racing against older like is is enough to to just absolutely kind of blow your mind. Add in the fact that it's you know one that's been racing in in Group One and Group Two races in in Europe. Um, that's also kind of mind melting right there. And what's great about this horse is I have absolutely no idea what to do with it. Right? No clue. No clue in this spot. The horse could be completely distance and this type of a a sprint because. I don't know if she's ever kept had to deal with the kind of speed early that some of these fillies have. There are some quick horses in here. Horse like that with the different style of racing could just be completely out of their comfort zone early on right. and be in some trouble. And as you would expect with a five furlong turf sprint, it does look like there are a good amount of these fillies that want to be either on the lead or sitting really, really close. Right. So I, with this horse, I, even with the, the weight break and everything, I actually kind of ended up wanting, wanting to, to fade and say that that tw- no. 20 to one on the morning line seems pretty appropriate because I agree. It, it seems like, you know, and this is, I still need to do my due diligence and watch some of its replays. Cause that's really the only way that you, you figure out what a Euro likes to do based on whatever, you know, past performances you use. And uh, just based from based on the notes, I mean, it's telling me that the every time it's gotten out front and kind of pressed, or every time it's uh, it's uh, you know run kind of at the at the front of the pack, it seems like it, it seems like it wins. But when it has to come off the pace, and there seems to be a lot of pace, it does not run well at all. Or and you can't imagine that, that that one is going to be as fast as some of these horses with the American right. style running. So I think he's a, a she's a pass Thunder Love uh, for me. And just just a really cool story, though. Like you said, you just don't ever see the uh, the two year old show up and and try to face older. But we have, uh, like I said, a lot of a lot of speed in here. Who? So how were you kind of projecting this race? And who are some of the horses that you're looking to to use in exotics or uh, or to play in here? Sure. Yeah. With uh, when I when I did the uh my my pace set up here, I mean it looked like it looked like a log jam up front. I kind of figured uh, a horse like uh. Uh, Angel Sense might end up on the on the front. Uh, AG Indy has has a good chance to end up there as well. Uh, same with the uh, the seven Anna Fantastic. You know they all they all kind of have have been here and put up some pretty just kind of smoking fractions uh, early before. Uh, I I actually I had a hard time getting away from the from the chalk here with uh, Papa Mandela and uh, and Flavian Pratt with uh, Superstition. Like she's gonna be really tough. She is. It's just. Doesn't it look like the race is going to set up so well for her because she's got some she's got some tactical speed, but she's not going to be on the lead. She's not as fast as any as the she just more wants to to press. She's cutting right. back from a race that was just probably a little too long for her over a tough track. And it's not as if she ran poorly in that race at all. All of her success has been over this exact turf course. You know, like three wins at Del Mar. She's won four times, so she's perfect at Del Mar. She's won three of you know all of those wins have been going the five furlong trip at Del Mar. So going this trip, she hasn't lost here. She's real. I don't think you can play any early pick fours or fives or any kind of early exotics and throw her out. She's not a favorite that I'm trying to beat in here in any way, shape, or form. I mean, if if you were to say like, hey, you know, let me get you a just like a like a buffet plate of your some of your favorite angles like the superstition would hit them uh, i'm such a sucker for uh kentucky uh 
Kentucky Downs shippers, regardless of if they won or not. It just seems yep. like they always come back in, in just such great form. So, yeah, I mean, I saw that, like, the pace fits, and then I see that it's a, you know, it, it's a Kentucky Downs shipper from a, a trainer that I have just, like, the utmost trust in with the the best jock of the meet. So I, I'm all over it. Uh, if I consider another horse, it's going to be the other one that's going to be, I, I hope, is getting the same kind of trip, but maybe just kind of like the pocket trip down closer to the rail, which is the the four uh, Aqua Seaform Shame. So Aqua Seaform Shame, uh, we haven't seen since february but aqua sea form shame has performed very well on this five for a long turf trip at del mar and is a horse who like you said isn't going to be on the lead but has enough of the positional speed to where tyler can use some of that put her in a spot she's going to be a little bit fresh so you know hoping you can track in middle of the pack you know you don't want to be dead last but you, you, what's nice is she sort of fits exactly the same sort of running style that we were talking about with superstition, in that she's got the options of using a little sit, and then we know she can close, where some of these probably aren't going to be able to close. Right, and, and the, the thing with, especially when you you have a situation where it looks like, uh, you know, I, I do want a, a horse from off the pace. I don't see any problem with kind of taking, you know, especially from a horizontal standpoint. Uh, taking multiple horses from the same run style because uh, especially when it's off the pace because you're dependent you're so dependent on a clean trip you're really at the mercy of everyone else that's in the race so you know if I, that's i w- would think about singling that eight but i'm almost like i, I kind of want to double down on just the run style with that four and others that uh, i think are worth mentioning in here the the nine ambassador Luna. Now, to me, this is really going to come down to trip because she can sit a little bit. She has sat a little bit, and and she does, she showed some speed in her most recent race. But I think because of where she's drawn, she's drawn to the outside. That may give her the option to use some of that speed, kind of look over around and see. Okay, are they going really fast to the inside of me? I can sit off a little bit. I think she projects pretty well in here. I like Saez jumping aboard. He's always going to give a very aggressive ride. Doesn't always mean he's going to be on the lead, but he's going to give you a forwardly placed kind of trip. So Ambassador Luna for me, second time for the new barn. Feel like they maybe figured a thing out or two about her. I will uh, give her a look in some exotics. The other one that I just I like, but I hate the post, and that not and that concerns me is the one. Hear my prayer. Yeah. Because if, if she was drawn more towards the middle of the field or the outside, she's sort of got what we've been talking about where she's pretty quick, but she can definitely sit. The, the problem is she's not really going to have many options from down there. She it, With AG Indy and Angel Sense right next door to her, they're both quick. Time limit is also quick. Anna Fantastic is quick. She's got a She's got a gun just to keep herself from getting shuffled back and and just putting herself in a really bad spot. Yeah, I can I can honestly just see that horse kind of ridden into a vice right from the break with right? you know a blanket right in front of them, and you have the horses that I, that I'm anticipating tucking in behind, being like the 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 four, uh, the the six, the Euro Shipper, uh, Thunder Love, and the and the eight Superstition. So I kind of almost just see that that one just being like trapped in at the rail, waiting for waiting for for running room late. Which I mean, if it gets it, it's it's dangerous, but it's that's also it's also the gamble is that it gets it. Yep. So race number four, the Ken Maddie. We both do feel like superstition is a very, very logical 
favorite to use and and one that you don't want to necessarily try to beat in here um, and others to to mention to include. I thought the nine ambassador Luna will be one that I will be using along with superstition in some spots. Chase mentions the uh, the four aqua sea form shame as a player. And maybe in some underneath spots for the one, but unfortunately, I just I can't get too excited about the trip I'm envisioning for her on the win end. So, the senator Ken Matty is going to go as race number four on Friday as we continue along trying to make that money before we get to the Breeders' Cup races, which start in the sixth. So we get to the fifth, which is the Golden State Juvenile, seven furlongs on the main track here, and we have a big, big field. Tell us a little bit about some of the horses that you looked at in this one in uh, a race with many directions to go. So, fun fact, this one is actually uh, sponsored by the Golden State Killer uh, himself. Oh, is, look is, at uh, that. There we yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, it's rare. It's rare that, you know, psychotic serial killers ever get a chance to. Sponsor. So, shout out to the, uh, the, the Golden State Killer yeah. there for uh, the sponsorship. <laughs> That's right. Um, I Man, I, I I hate to to come on your show and just be uh, just a first class chalk eating weasel. Um, but I really had a hard time getting away from Phineas uh, because this once again seemed like another one where uh, where we might have a pretty hot pace. And I really liked uh, Phineas, especially dropping out of you know uh, open competition graded stakes races like the American Pharaoh last out was in the, the Delmar Futurity and the Best Pal. Uh, all at Del Mar, and I mean, is is multiple graded stakes placed, um, which is pretty tough to compare anybody else racing California bred racing to that. It is, um, it, it, it is, and th- like this is a horse who ran into Corniche last time out. He tried to go a little longer, and maybe that trip was just too too much for him. He's proven at seven furlongs, where he ran really well behind Pinehurst, who just got the lead that day. He's He's impossible for me to leave out of any exotics. Um, I'm gonna use one other horse with him. Like if I'm playing pick fives and stuff, I would use him and one other. And then there are a couple others that I think you can maybe use underneath, or if you want to play uh, this race as more of a spread race. The horse who I really liked, and I'm visually he was awesome. Do I have concerns about the way this race could shape up? And maybe he gets, you know, burned up with some of the other early pace. Yes, he set. He was sort of just kind of handled like a horse they thought very highly of, and I think highly of him now. The, I'm talking about the 11 slowdown Andy. He had a good start. He sat just off. He was kind of three deep and in between horses, and then he was just off the top two. He moved easily to the lead. They just shook him up a little bit, and he kicked on with ears perked. He was still a little green late and figuring it out, which I like. I think that there's even more upside to him. Just from a who impressed me from the races that I watched the most, I think it might have been him. And I think he might be a pretty nice horse. So I'll use the 11 and the 12. Phineas is my two kind of key horses in this race. The, you know, the one Joker boy, he'll take some money also. He's going to add the blinkers. He's another one who. Who was super impressive in his races against Calbreds, then tried open company. Now you're back in, you know, with Calbreds in a much, much better spot. But he does draw the rail with what looks to be a, a lot of other speed in the race. So while I respect him, Chase, I kind of hope that he does take some money because I don't like his chances all that much in here with a bunch of speed. Right. And then at that point, if I mean, if you have you, you can kind of make the decision of like, because I, I don't think you can use Joker Boy and 
that uh that 12 the Phineas. Yeah, I, agree. I agree yeah. i think one of the two of them they'll probably end up getting i think they'll end up both getting bet a little bit more than they are in here and so i think you're kind of right you kind of want to pick your poison with one of those two and then maybe you use a couple of the others or one of the others that may be a little bit better price and offer you more value i just i much prefer the where Phineas is like the draw doesn't really bother me for him with his running style. I think he can just kind of drop back and and pick up the pieces, and that's what he wants to do. And with Joker Boy, it's just again, if he was drawn more towards the outside, I would think okay, middle of the pack. You know, he's shown that he can come from off of it a little bit too. But now you just feel like where he's drawn, he's gonna have to go. Right. Yeah. I mean that that makes sense. I could. The the other horse that I'm really interested in, and and this literally comes directly from a mistrust of uh of a uh, uh, Joel Rosario not to take this horse, you know, not to take Phineas about 15, 20 lengths back, um, you know, for for sport, <laughs> um, just to the, show it's like the shortstop, you know, I, I kind of compare it a lot of the times the that have that incredible arm in baseball. And they right. get the ground ball hit to them, and they just kind of wait, 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 just to show everybody that they can uncork this rifle of a throw. It's a friend just beat someone by a half step, and they do that three or four times. And then, unfortunately, one of the times they end up throwing it in the dirt, and it's like, ah, oh, yeah, I could have just thrown it two seconds earlier. Sometimes we get that with Joel, but yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. That will be the strengths and the weaknesses that, like any any that uh, some riders will have. I think sometimes he'll just want to get a horse settled and take them a little bit too far back when it, it probably would have been fine if he was maybe a length or two closer before he tried to launch. Right. So to to hedge, you know, against that happening, uh, I actually like the five fast draw Munnings. Um, I feel like that's a horse uh, that, uh, unlike the 12, I, I have a hard time seeing uh, DVD actually, uh, you know, letting himself, letting this pace get too far out in front of him and leaving himself too much or, you know, leaving himself too much to do on fast draw Munnings. Uh, the horse has won from off the pace before at, yep. uh, at, uh, you know, at Los Alamitos race course, uh, was somewhat inwardly drawn, uh, for, you know, you know, a small field, but, uh, which I always kind of look for, for horses that were down on the inside and still managed to succeed or, um, you know, fade horses that were on the outside and succeeded at Los Alamitos, but smack dab in the middle of the field. So I don't, can't really say that that post position hurt it or helped it by any means. I'm also, it's just a sucker for Munnings babies too. It seems. I agree with it, him being a player in here. I have him in like the third and the fourth spots. Absolutely. Um, with the 11 and 12 on, on the, the top spots, some, you know, question marks about how you're going to want to use the one. If you do, I'll probably play a little more against Joker boy. And I guess one of the other ones I wanted to, uh, to mention was the, the eight love candy based on you know the fact that he's been facing open company now he hasn't been facing the same kind of open company that a horse like Phineas has where he's been in you know group 1 grade 1 company against you know some of the better 2 year olds but love candy is a multiple winner love candy has been facing open company in all four of his races he we really don't know a whole lot about if he wants the dirt and sometimes like his his lone race on the dirt was in an open stakes race and so you know it was only one race i don't know if that means he doesn't want the dirt i actually think seven furlongs is is a going to be a distance that he really likes that might hit him you know pretty well right between the eyes as he's been late on the scene going six in his last few and it did seem like it you know if they go a little too fast early or if he he gets races where there's not a whole lot of speed. He doesn't have much of a chance. He's sneaky to me, and he might be 
you know, in that eight ten to one ish range, he would be another one I'd want to throw in at least uh, under in some exotics uh, for race number five here. So I, I've got I've got a plus and or a pro and a con for for that eight love candy. One one is that it always seems to me that a horse coming off of uh, all weather um, seems to get a little a little pop in performance. Um, it's you know I, I'm not sure if it's just you know running on that all weather it kind of conditions them a little bit better to run on just regular dirt uh so that that would be the pro the con would be uh i mean i'm seeing that the horses buy dancing candy which is by twirling candy which is by candy ride and it seems like that entire candy ride line just absolutely loves all weather tracks and so when i look back at through the at the uh, at the past performances i see the wins and and the strong performances on the all weather but you know not necessarily in the uh the the uh fast dirt so it could be a con that that's just kind of like a I, I've got a really like dressed up all weather performance. But I mean, I, I don't disagree. I would still use it, too, um, especially at that, you know, that kind of price with uh, drawing a, a pretty decent jock, um, you know, sh- shipping it to Del Mar. Love candy is the number eight as we finish up with the Golden State Juvenile. So, Chase, um, you are someone who has been uh, doing some work over uh, with Better Than Vegas. You are part of the live streams on Saturday morning campus profits which cover all of the uh, the fo- the college football games that come up each Saturday morning you also uh, jump on the the gymnasium with XFL gym you guys have a lot of fun on there there's a pick show that that comes out and also just uh, basically everything crazy in the world um good bad you're going to hear about it or experience it watching that show it is a uh, it is a blast and then yeah. you do you do your own um uh your selections tell us a little bit about the wolf of Bel- uh, belmont stuff that you've got going on yeah sure uh i've been fortunate enough to hook up with uh horse racing nation and uh i uh, have a uh, tip sheet for uh the new york tracks and for also for oakland park that i i put out uh daily uh so right now we're on we're on belmont uh and uh it'll move to uh aqueduct and then oakland and it's 999 daily for uh full card you know full card analysis uh, i'll give you you know how i'm seeing the race you know my my picks for the race and even some just you know ideas for how to wager it uh and then you know uh i also got a, a 30 day subscription uh that i do through them for a 49.99 and uh yeah you uh you pay the 49.99 and i'm yours for 30 days and that means for many many ways uh, the wolf of oakland will be howling up those picks for you uh buddy thank you so much for uh, for taking a few minutes to help out i know you got a busy week you're gonna be heading out in, in not too long to uh, head over to del mar so if i get the chance to see you it'll be great if i don't and the schedules are too tight um we definitely have to uh, get a get a, a link update coming up soon it's been a lot of fun working with you and i really appreciate you helping out let's uh let's start in a, uh, a little bit, we're going to have Santa Anita back up. We're going to have Oakland starting. I'm going to be doing some Sam Houston stuff. We'll get a, some more of those horse racing live streams going. Uh, they've been a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you having me today. That is Chase Sessoms. Uh, Chase, where can we follow you on social media? You can always find me being abrasive on Twitter at of Oakland. That's O-F and the word Oakland. Oakland uh, starting even earlier. This year, right? Uh, yep. Not not long at all. Going to be getting ready for the Oakland meet. We're going to be following along with Chase as he uh, sees the ball so so well over at Oakland. Do not go anywhere, folks. Up next, we're going to jump into the Breeders' Cup races, and we will go race by race with some uh, analysis from a different guest for all of the Breeders' Cup races. A big thank you to Chase for helping us uh, set up and uh, make a little money before we get there. So you want to set the mood? For something all natural 
soy wax. It's non-toxic, baby. Scents for every season. Now don't be afraid, baby. Just spell it out. C-E-R-A candles. Dot com. And don't forget, promo code Gino gets you 10% off. Mmm. Mmm. Yeah, you want to head to sarahcandles.com, C-E-R-A candles.com for some of those all-natural soy wax candles. None of the toxins, none of those carcinogens, none of the pollutants that a lot of the other leading candle brands have. If you are someone who likes to burn candles or you know one of your family or friends do, tell them to take a look at sarahcandles.com. When they use the promo code G-I-N-O, it'll get them 10% off their purchase, and these are healthier for you. You'll have all those same scents and all the normal different options that you'd get, but just a better candle. The traditional soy wax will actually burn better for you and give you a fuller scent, and the wax will actually last a little bit longer. So these are more affordable. These are actually going to save you money and they are healthier for you you have your friends your family your kids your loved ones your animals out there you don't want them breathing in those toxins c-e-r-a candles.com check out sarahcandles.com big thank you to chase for helping us out with those two stakes races in the senator ken maddie the uh, the two that i'm going to build all of those exotics around are the uh, the nine ambassador luna and the eight superstition ambassador luna is quick she can sit a little bit. She's drawn outside of all the major speeds, and I hope that will give her an opportunity to to you know pick and choose what trip she wants. Hopefully, she doesn't get forced wide. Superstition feels like the one to beat, the one that they'll all, uh, all have to hold off. Hear my prayer. I do respect a little bit, but the post concerns me. And then in the Golden State Juvenile race number five, I uh, I really did love what I saw from Slow Down Andy, who was still green and figuring things out but he is a nice nice animal he's gonna have to be to deal with a horse like Phineas right next door who has more experience and has faced better Joker boy down to the inside is good and fast draw Munnings is another one that I'd want to include in some exotics that uh, the chase mess, mess, uh, mentioned love candy has been facing open company but I'm gonna put the 11 on top slow down Andy anything in the over seven to two is fine. Anything in seven to two or over is fine. I wouldn't want to take less than that, three to one or less, no. But seven to two or over, that's where I had slow down Andy stacked up. In the fifth on that Friday Breeders' Cup undercard, we're gonna jump on into the Breeders' Cup races now, and we get to the Breeders' Cup juvenile turf sprint with someone you've heard on the show many, many times. If you've been following along with some of our live streams, you've seen Barry Spears uh, over the last month or so, each and every Friday helping out. And now Barry's going to be Ricky Henderson. He's going to be leading things off in the Breeders' Cup races. He's been in this slot uh, for some of our uh, our shows re- uh, recently where we've had him be like leadoff hitter for some of the big ones. So once again, Barry going to come here and kick off the Breeders' Cup Portion of the Friday card. We've got the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint, then the Juvenile Phillies, the Juvenile Phillies Turf, uh, the Juvenile, and the Juvenile Turf. This is the continuation of Friday Breeders' Cup. We get to race number six on Del Mar's Friday card, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint with Barry Spears. It's Breeders' Cup time, folks. We are jumping into the first of the Breeders' Cup races and the gentleman who has become our leadoff hitter in these situations. He's become the Ricky Henderson for this show lately. <laughs> people, 
talk a lot of negative about social media sometimes, and there can be a lot of negative out there, but there is a lot of positive out there. One thing that's been positive over the last couple of years, uh, I've, I've become very good friends with uh, the next guest on this show. He's been on here many times with us. He's helped me out many, many weeks doing different live streams, stable dual stuff, covering Santa Anita, covering Keeneland. He himself is part of the Going in Circles podcast on Big Mondays with Chuck Simon, and uh, very, very lucky to have him on That's What G Said all the time. It is Barry Spears helping us out. My man, how we doing today, Barry? Hanging in there. You know, Ricky loves it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And uh, shout out to you again. I got to give you thanks because, you know, the last couple years for a lot of people, it's been crazy. Pandemic, things changed for everybody for about a year, year and a half. The world was put on hold. And and my show kind of continued because uh, horse racing kept going. Um, a lot of the sports that I covered were able to to kind of come back up and keep going. And I talked a lot about wrestling, and and that was something that kept it going on the podcast. But you uh, you started joining me a lot throughout that time, and it was you know a, a weird time for the world. But I feel like over the last like couple years, I definitely got to know you very well. You become a really good friend, and uh, we're always very happy and we're very thankful to have you here, man. So big shout out to you, uh, thank, uh, right off the bat, and. Uh, Let's uh, let's make this some money for the folks out there. Absolutely, thank you for the kind words. You know, it's 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 been you know as as the world has been crazy, you know, um, I, I've had a spot of good luck over the the past couple of years. You know, while all this craziness is going on, so it's 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 good to be blessed sometimes. I appreciate it. And uh, we're gonna try to uh, bless the pockets of some of the folks out there and ourselves this this weekend, right? That's what we're here for. So we're gonna talk about race number six, the first of the Breeders' Cup races. It's the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint. So we're talking about Friday, November the fifth, and we're looking at race number six. And we got a big field here. And is generally the case with a lot of these uh, juvenile races, and especially the juvenile turf races. You know, there, there's gonna be a, a Wesley Ward runner or two, right, Barry? Absolutely. In this case, I think three, right? Yeah, right. There's always a few. <laughs> They're always live. Um, Averly Jane is the filly who's undefeated. And she's four for four. She's been very good so far. She's done it on the dirt. She just uh, transitioned over and uh, and did it on the turf last time out. And then she'll see uh, if she can beat this group. And so I guess from sort of like a conversation point, she is fast and she's going to be a short price. So the race sort of starts with her as, you know, that one of the major major players in here. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I I think you know it's more because of the connections than it actually is the horse in this case. I agree. Uh, I agree with I, you. Yeah. I don't think you know th- this doesn't scream like the best spot for this horse. I mean, that that last race at Keeneland was was okay on the good turf. Um, just didn't get any pressure. It was the easiest kind of victory. You could ever want. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm not too high on that horse, you know, coming back and, and beating a, a world class field, you know, uh, on, on Friday. Agree with you. You know, it, it this just feels like you're gonna you're gonna have a much bigger field. You're gonna have to deal with some European horses that maybe maybe on the grass or have a little bit more foundation than you and. You're gonna have to deal with some some legitimate boys in here who are really really quick also, and it, especially right off the bat in the Breeders' Cup, I think we can we can get a little more exciting than the the, the five to two favorite <laughs> right off the bat, right? Like we're definitely looking for a little more to get things started. Well, you and, know, Ricky hits lead off homers. 
So. Exactly. Ricky's coming in to hit a home run right off the bat. That's come on, come on with uh, Averly Jane. That's not where we're gonna start. She's gonna be a factor in this race because of her speed. So she's at least gonna be involved early. She's at least gonna have a say. But I mean, you look around and you've got one timer who's really, really quick and is gonna be pretty close in here too. You've got Run Curtis Run who's in this race and is pretty quick too. And at least those two. And then. You know, in a five furlong turf sprint like this, everybody's pretty tactical. Like everybody's got the opportunity to show good positional speed. I just don't think she's going to get the kind of trip that she might need to win this race. Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at her races; it, it's just been you know easy lead after easy lead. I, I don't I don't know what this horse would do if if uh, if she got challenged, and and it looks like that's going to happen. We're going to find out real quick. Time to parties also in this race too. That's another one. Um, yeah. I mean, there's 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 tons of speed. Even even one of the Euros might show some speed, and mm-hmm. it's kind of a horse that I like a little bit is the uh, the three Go Bears Go. I think you know I saw I watched a couple of those races uh, going back to uh, June of this year, and that horse likes to be kind of close, close, right yeah. up on pressing, like right up three D pressing last time out. Yeah, and, and what really I like about this horse is um, picking up Johnny V, because Johnny V understands the the, the pace dynamics of the, of the shorter races here on the turf. The American versus the European, the difference too, and like that. That's a great point. Is that you have a horse, and sometimes you have a horse and a rider who will come over, and maybe. They will be a, sometimes you go a little too slow early, or maybe you're covered up a little bit too much. That doesn't always work in American racing, right? Sometimes you have to make that early move or the middle move, or you have to be a little bit closer up. And Johnny is as as good of anyone at judging that kind of a thing. Exactly, and that 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 really is is what piqued my attention on that horse. I, I know the last race on in October on the ninth, um, you could kind of put a line through that. The horse just inexplicably just didn't show up <laughs> you know even the comment in the in the form is, is a close-up drop back about one- seven furlongs to going on a good track like this is a major cutback too it- and just a different ball game for that horse that just maybe didn't want to go that long maybe it was the style of turf course sometimes those turf courses are just they're deep they're heavy you know that's much different than it's going to be over here where, it, where it's firm out in del mar Exactly, and and you know the other thing is that race at Ascot, the Norfolk Stakes was this was a pretty good race, and that horse ran ran as good as anybody I've seen um, out of all of these horses in that particular race going back to June. So I don't think it's far fetched that ho- that horse could come back on a on a firm ground and and run pretty good here. I I you know I'm the only thing I didn't you the reason why I didn't use this horse on top was because of the post position. Mm. That was the only thing I didn't like. I thought being kind of buried inside you get kind of caught down and maybe forced a little bit more than if he was towards the outside he could press a little bit more. Exactly. And that that kind of brings me to the horse I do like and I did pick on top is Dairy Name. Nice. Uh, We're together on Dairy Name too. Yes, absolutely. I, I just think this horse gets a great trip from that post. Um, the last race really showed a lot of improvement. Um, Heck, right, know. and and she we don't know who she beat, but damn, she looked good doing it. Absolutely, she and, looked good doing it. And you know what? Like, I think she is the type that can step right up and get the trip she needs. Uh, 
Yeah, keep going a little bit more with the with Darian Ann. Yeah, I, I just thought you know having this outside post is really going to be to her advantage with all with all this speed uh, to the inside. Um, you know, it, it's just like a tailor made trip. Now, whether she's good enough in the lane is is another story. Mm-hmm. But she ran awfully fast that last time out. Um, you know, just motoring home, and and I I think that's this is this is the right kind of course for that kind of trip. She she looked really good in here to me. Just another like small thing. It's like with a with a filly like her who's going to be coming from off the pace. I wouldn't want anyone other than Joelle. Yeah, oh, finishing yeah. Right? right. It's like the perfect match here with the horse who's going to be coming from out of it. Who you need someone in that last you know eighth of a mile to just. Finish and just give you everything that that this Philly has left and uh, come flying and and I think that's that's what we're gonna get here from Derry Nain. Um, couple others that I wanted to mention and we'll get to some of the others that are uh, on your radar um, of the Euros. The Seven Armor. He he was a step slow. Um, he was inside, kind of towards the uh, towards the rear. He was in a little bit of tight and he tried to angle off the rail. He got a little bit of a seam three deep and in between, and he moved really nice. I like when I see ho- some of these horses, um, like we were saying in the European horses that are kind of push button that that because I think that'll translate over well to the u s racing in that, okay, some some of them take a little while to get going. And in a sprint like this, you know, I don't know if that's the best. I did think that Armor has the opportunity to kind of be pretty, pretty like versatile if if need be, or be able to kind of. I think they want to come from out of it, but I don't think it's one that has to take forever to get going. I think they can ask and respond pretty well. So I thought he was one that I'm probably going to throw into a lot of my exotics. Uh, also, Armor. So you mentioned Dairy Nane. You mentioned Go Bears Go. Um, we're both a little cold on Averly Jane. Uh, anyone else in here that you're looking at Either using in some exotics Or uh, uh, other horse that you Any others that you want to mention in here maybe um, Hierarchy Another uh, Euro coming over Yep. Um, if you Take out the, the two synthetic races And just look at uh, His his turf races They're, they're very good Yeah. I, I think he's going to get overlooked A little bit only because he's lightly raced Mm-hmm that doesn't mean he can't win here. And he missed that break last time, and he rushed up yeah. and ran really, really well, going six furlongs. He's another who's like, he doesn't, he doesn't have to be dead last in here. He does not have to be too far out of it. Um, I don't think he's going to be quite as quick as maybe a couple of the American sprinters, but he doesn't need to be, you know, de- double digit behind or or way, way out of it. Well, I kind of don't want. Somebody who's going to be really right up Really close the- you want to be at least mid-pack to, Yeah to, to the back yeah I, I I like the fact that I just don't think he's slow More than anything Um, And and he won't be as quick as some of the others So he's definitely in in on my radar In the um, hierarchy Who was a uh, uh, multiple group stakes placed And who was a very good runner up Last time out um, over at uh, What at Newberry He looks like a horse that's really going to benefit From the firm ground Yep. So that's the number. That's the number five hierarchy. Uh, there was this, a horse that was going to be pre-entered that ends up being a pretty big scratch. Quick Susie was a horse who was going to be in this race, and and that one would have taken some money, no doubt. Uh, Slipstream was a horse who's going to end up running uh, in uh, the uh, the route race. And looking uh, at others in this field that I thought were were sort of uh, worth a mention. The the nine we did mention uh, one timer no knocks 
just I think just has to prove it versus a little bit better. That's just my main concern with one timer. He beat time to party last time out. I think they'll both probably be forwardly placed in here. I just, you know, this is what happens in a lot of these Breeders' Cup races. You have really nice horses that you just no no real issue with. I just like a few others more. Right, exactly. And and you know, one thing about one timer, you know, early on in, in a couple races, that horse had to kind of fight a little bit. More than Averly Jane and, and mm-hmm. Time to Party, as um, even though Time to Party just didn't get a good start last time, and that that could have hurt um, his chances. But you know, um, I really, honestly, don't like One Timer at all. I, I yeah, just, I don't either. I don't either. I think he's honest. He showed <laughs> up. I just it's, it just feels like a really tough spot for him. Right. Just, it, yeah. It, he's not as quick. I, I nope. believe as, as nope. Averly Jane. I mean, right. maybe. May be kind of like a fly in the ointment And bother her a little bit But just not as fast And and time to party I think can go But again it's another one Of those you know the the race Shape just doesn't fit that horse It, it does show you they didn't get a very Good figure for that race Last time out because they went really really Quick and then very slow to finish Right late and so went. in a race Like this if they go it's going to be similar. You, you already have a couple of top contenders. So if they go even close to as quick, I just can't imagine them, you know, the couple of the horses that were up front like that hanging around late, like, uh, like one timer or, you know, time to party who are probably going to be, uh, in that mix there with each other. Um, how about the, the, tw- the 11, we mentioned the 10 time, the party we've got through most of this field now to the outside, We've got Run Curtis Run, who's just another, uh, I think, another pace player in here. So I think for me, when I when I look at how I'm going to approach this race from uh, like a gambling standpoint, the uh, the other award I thought was was kind of worth mentioning, Twilight Gleaming, who she now you know what what do you do with her? Is she going to end up being part of the pace in here too? She goes over to um, to Ascot. She runs second in a field of 21. So she runs great that day and and then wins a, a stakes in France. and it it's just so difficult with these award runners, you know, it's like yeah. and, of course she could be good and and show up big in here, but I don't I, I I don't I have no clue really what to do with her right. It, it's it's that one's like a crapshoot, and I don't want to take a short price on a horse like no, that. no. And it seems like, you know, honestly, I was thinking that that horse might end up being favored me too. Um, and, I, I well, I think well, I guess we're both getting at that. I like her more than Averly Jane. Yeah. If I if I had you know if I was going to pick one of the two of them or who I thought had a better chance to win the race because I think I do get the feeling that maybe Twilight Gleaming can sit a little or maybe she's just better from she's she's done more so far. I've been more impressed with the races that I've seen from her and the company that she's kept. But but where where's she been? Yeah. I mean. August 7th I know you can take some time But um, I, I know I would like to see at least one race before this one uh, Yeah Not impossible to do But you know it, it's, it's a little you know I just didn't think that they couldn't find a spot For that horse to run <laughs> Get a prep to get a race under your right. belt At least get, go get an easy race at Belmont Or something they'll write they'll write one for you You know Yeah that's yeah. what I Thinking, but you know he's getting top rider, and you know it's going to attract a lot of attention. Hopefully, more than you know even we even imagine. And 
hopefully she's not the goods. <laughs> yeah, some of the others that we uh, we didn't really hit on, but the the one Twilight Jet had a good start last time out. Won a, a group three. The the problem that I have with her though, I just think or with him, um, it it just in looking at his races and looking at his form, that that group just seemed a little bit softer than some of the same horses he's going to face in here because he's been behind armor, he's been behind the horse you mentioned, Go Bears Go, a couple different times, and so I think that's why. He won his last start, but I don't. I don't think that it was against quite as good of a field as he's going to be having to deal with today. Plus the rail, I think the rail is in, more in a sprint, back. in American sprint race, going five with the rail. You, good luck, right? With yeah. it, like <laughs> you're going to need a perfect trip in that. It, it, like, so I, I'm with you. I I couldn't really get there, and then uh, Virginia starting to getting out of the gate. The horse has a couple of off slow ducks. Exactly. Just kind of. You know, not not a great look. Now, obviously, things crazier things have happened. You know, um, where a horse that didn't look great coming from Europe ends up beating the ones that look better on paper. Right. I mean, look at Order of Australia last year. Didn't, Absolutely, didn't that that just didn't look good on paper, but ended up winning. Um, but it's a tough task. There's there's a lot going against that horse from the one spot that I you know I would pass. Um, and the other, I think we've mentioned everyone except for the two and the four. Coffee Maker is the other Wesley Ward runner who was well uh, defeated by Averly Jane last time out. And so I'm, I mean, of the of the Wards, I definitely prefer Twilight Gleaming because I just didn't. The, the handicap, I guess, goes the same. This one didn't fare quite as well when they left the country and went on to face uh, better over at Ascot. Didn't really even get the kind of money that the the Wesley Ward runners generally get when they go over there. And then since coming back here was your beaten favorite at Kentucky and then was behind Averly Jane. So I just I don't get as excited about her as I do, uh, uh, you know, even I probably even Averly Jane, both of the other wards. So I'm she's not going to be probably in a lot of my exotics. Yeah, no, I, 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 yeah, you gotta, you gotta take a stand somewhere, and that, mm-hmm. that, the ones that, that didn't make the cut, yep. along the four. Which... Yeah, Virginia is who she just feels a couple low, honestly. Yep. You know, I, I, she just didn't seem is nearly quite as, um, exciting as some of the others. She's just in tough today, honestly. When you look at just some of her numbers and figures, and some of her time form rating races too, when you watch the race. It's they're not as strong of, of races and she was behind quick Susie and twilight gleaming well beaten when she tried to step up and face group stakes company the couple times she's been in against group stakes she just wasn't quite as competitive so um, yeah I, I think I gravitated back towards the uh, the 11 was the one that um, I'm, I'm probably going to lean towards and make my slight top selection I'll be using the seven armor in a lot of exotics of the ward runners I prefer the six and I'm going to uh, also throw in uh, a little uh, hierarchy um, in some exotics there too, because I think that's a, a horse with some uh, some major upside. How uh, yeah. so? How's the the approach? This is the start of so this is on Breeders' Cup Friday, the start of the Breeders' Cup races. So there are um, a bunch of different wagers that this is going to start. I think you got a Breeders' Cup pick five that begins right here. You could connect this obviously with any other uh, wagers that you think. How do you look at approaching? So what are some of the ways that you play Breeders' Cup weekend? Is it sort of like normal for you? Do you play into the big pick fives or in a race like this? Would you play it individually? Give us a little bit of a, of how you approach. Absolutely play into the multis. Um, you know, uh, in a race like this, I, I kind of um, 
go with what my nickname is, the sniper, and I try to hit it cold. You know, just, a, yep. a, you know, an 11-3-5 cold would be absolutely perfect. And I always I always do that. Um, just in case I'm right, you know, always right. A buck or two, you do it once or twice. That's the most frustrating thing when your opinions, especially like I do it with a pick four or pick five, sometimes two on the big ones. It's like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to do one with, with my top picks all the way through the horses. I really like, cause some days it hits and you're right. And and you want to, at least it's like playing that little quick pick lotto almost, right? Just the day when you're, when your opinion's spot on, you want to at least be rewarded. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go. You know, exactus tries there with the eleven on top. Definitely using the eleven, three, and five in multis. And I may um, actually throw in the the uh, the twelve. Funny enough, um, just as a as a as a crazy kind of horse that that you know may kind of get a good run at it. Um, you know, I, I think like he can press a little. From the yeah, outside, that, right? That's that's my kind of thinking. Kind of fall into a, 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 a nice strip, right? Yep. And from out there, just sitting a little deep, pressing, and maybe get get a little jump on some of the horses that are coming from behind. Yes, exactly. Working well, getting blinkers for the first time. You know, that's one of those things. It's like I want to ignore it, but I can't. So I'm going to just throw that horse in a multi as 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 something crazy. Yeah. You know, rather that than than throwing a a, a favorite or somebody that's going to exactly. Be yeah, when you whenever it's a price horse like that that's intriguing to you, of course you you got to find a way to get them onto your ticket some way, shape, or form, under or in the mix or a pick four or pick three on top or something where where you're using them and it's like anything because if like you said if it's a favorite that beats you and even if it's a favorite if it's a horse that you're you're on the fences about and they're a short price, well, who cares, right? Move on. Like you, we're gonna find the a, first race of the the, the Breeders' Cup. Right, yeah. There's a bunch of other big exotics, a bunch of other better races. Like, you make sure in these races, if you you gotta love a chalk, right, to get on them. You gotta really love them and love the spot they're in. Otherwise, you can get yourself five to one, or if you can get yourself five to two, two to one, eight to five, any track, any day of the week. You know, exactly. these are the times where you want look for those horses that you go, and eh, they probably shouldn't be ten to one. You know. That horse probably shouldn't be in the 10, 15 to 1 range. That's where you can have a lot more fun. Maybe we can get started off with one of them right off the bat here in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint Race 6 on your Friday card over at Del Mar. So Barry, uh, as a part of uh, the Going in Circles podcast and Big Mondays with Chuck Simon, um, tell us a little bit about what kind of stuff you guys will uh, will have coming up for the Breeders' Cup this week. Um, we're going to do a, a special episode on Wednesday, so that should be out Wednesday night. Um, we got uh, Jason Bides that's going to be with us, who's uh, Jose nice. Los agent. So awesome. he, he's he's just a longtime horse player, longtime friend of both mine and Chuck. So we're going to have a, a nice show. Maybe Doug Salvatore is going to be on with us. We don't know yet. Um, but. We're definitely doing uh, something for the Breeders' Cup. I don't think we're going to do every race, but we're going to do a lot, and we're going to discuss a lot about everything in the weekend. So it should be good. Um, we got some videos coming up about uh, some handicapping theory and practice kind of videos, tutorials, whatever you want to call it. Um, those should be coming out soon. And, uh, you know, onward and upward. We're, we're trying to trying to be like, gee. <laughs> You you guys have a uh, a different flow and I love it. It's a different it's a vibe that is 
is great it's, it's a lot like the conversations that we have back and forth We talk a little more gambling but it's just very A couple people who are super passionate Who love horse racing who are going to share their opinion um, As you've mentioned on the streams Chuck has been in the business So he knows things from just a perspective That a lot of people who pretend they do They don't You know <laughs> A yeah. lot of people who think they know what, what they're talking about They just haven't been in the barns or in the meetings or in you know some of the conversations that others have so sometimes it's just like yeah you don't know what you're talking about but chuck's been there before so listen l- listen in they'll help you out and uh man yeah it's it's been a blast uh, I, I like listening to your show you guys do a really great job uh, we've had some fun back and forth over the last couple of weeks talking a little nba too as the nba season started and gone uh and getting underway now too and uh we're gonna make some money for the folks and do me a favor um at when you talk to Lascano's agent there's a horse on the undercard on Saturday that I really like in race number one that he's jumping aboard, Spirit Maker. So uh, ask them a little bit about that one if they know it's a it's a horse for Sadler that was actually favored last time out and Raspoli was on and the horse just got in so much trouble, so yeah. much trouble. I think and, that was Raspoli was kind of in a little mini slump. Yep, yep, that was exactly then. And and you know I always love sometimes these trainers and these. These uh, big barns, they love putting the horses on the on the big undercard days, right? On the on the Derby undercards or on the pre on the like the Breeders' Cup undercards early. They save the, there's bigger purses on some of those first and second. It's sort of like a uh, like a coming out party sometimes for certain horses where they like to show you, hey, this this one is a good one to keep an eye on. So maybe we'll get a uh, we'll get some of that up. Oh, that's car. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. So Barry, my man, uh, give us your follow on social media one more time, and then where everybody can uh, can download the podcast and check you out. It is at Urban Handicapper with uh, no A U R B N Handicapper, and it's uh, goingincircles.com. We also have a, a Twitter page at Going in Circles, and Chuck is at Cannon Shell. So Barry, we're always on there. We're talking. You know, we get involved in conversations. We, you know, we we're we're mixing it up. <laughs> exactly that's what it's all about That's what it's all about sharing uh, Our passion and the one thing What I love about the both of you and Myself too is We're not going to tell you we're not Going to necessarily complain about something Or critique something without A little bit of an idea ourselves of what Would work better or what else we would like Right I think a lot of people will say oh that stinks But but how would you fix it or what would you Do differently that's how you got you come At that a lot that way you know with this approach Hey you know what it's not only that this is wrong, it's that they could very easily be doing this a little bit differently and it might work better or uh, just that way with any opinion. So that's why I, I really dig your show, too. It's not just, hey, we don't like this. It's, hey, let's find ways to, that we can improve this. We think that there might be some. Yeah, I mean, we off, you know, I guess off Twitter or offline or, you know, not on the show. We we have a constant conversations about these kind of things and. It's amazing how much I've picked up and learned um, just by being around Chuck, you know, um, over the past few years. And, and it, it's it's given me a different kind of perspective on on how things work in the industry, how things can get accomplished and, you know, how much red tape and all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. Bureaucracy and this that, and that. And uh, how yeah, how that works. And it's like, wow, I didn't I didn't even know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's definitely a learning thing and, and and it gives you another perspective on, on, you know, when you say, Oh, well maybe they should change it. It's not always that easy or it's, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of things you have to kind of go through, especially with the 
um, the hot topic of medications and, mm-hmm. and positives and things like that. And he was telling me how, how it works and it's, it's not as simple and, and not everything is, is, uh, is Cut a dry. It's not a, a, B, C always, right? Everything isn't right. so linear as we all expect. Yes, exactly. And, and, and that's been very helpful because then I can go out and educate other people from my perspective, how that works. And, maybe- and you've got the right information now, exactly. right? Then you can relay the correct info to other people and then it'll trickle down and help. That's, that's what, that's what it's all about. You know, that's why I love bringing different, you know, like bringing different people on people that I know that I, that I trust that are going to help share that correct information. And that and if I don't know something, I don't pretend to, I don't try to, I don't try to, I talk about a lot of things in here, but I don't ever talk about hockey. I don't ever talk about certain <laughs> things that I just don't know. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't I pretend it. to, you know, well, um, you know, Funny, a, a few years back, I, I was at uh, Churchill Downs with um, a former trainer, Brent Sumja, who's a good friend of mine. And this isn't actually on the same lines, but it does cross lines. You know, we were sitting down handicapping. There was a tournament we were in, and, you know, we were playing the races also. And um, we were at the Downs After Dark that night. And we were just kind of, you know, going back and forth talking about things that we do. And he said, you know, you should never ever dismiss anyone's logic on a certain subject because it may, they're seeing it through a lens that you may not know. Yep. And I was like, you know, that that's really huge, especially from a handicapping point of view. Absolutely. They're seeing something that you might not, that may help you get over the top and you can pick and choose and, and kind of, you know, go through all that and talk with other people. And then you kind of formulate your own, your own style and your own, your own way of doing it. Yeah, they're calling it like the toolbox, right? Like your, your little, like your repertoire, like you have, you have different things that you can, you can kind of pull out and use that you've learned from sort of the different people that you've met along the way. Um, And, you know, you have some people that will just dismiss something that just doesn't sound good to them right off mm -hmm. the bat and they never revisit it. Nope. Um, I don't ever do that. I, I want, I want, to know all this stuff that way you know i can do it myself and say hey you know this doesn't seem like it'll work but i agree i think when the the younger you are it's funny because it's sort of like the younger you are you're very me and i you know you're sort of i think i know it all and then you get to a point where you kind of realize you don't and then it sort of goes back the other way you get older again and you think you know it all again you know, sometimes, but right, it, it sort of goes that way. Yeah, and I think I, I feel like we're we're in the good part right now in the middle. Where like I love learning. I feel like every day I'm learning from from everyone what to do, what not to do. I'm picking things up, and I I, I love it. And like you said, the the only people that are crazy that we roll our eyes at are, are people that with gambling. I won't think you're crazy. Maybe in the real world you say some crazy stuff. Barry and I will. Say get the hell out of here, right? But uh, <laughs> with gambling, we'll give you a chance to sell to sell your angle and to and to make your case, no matter what, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, my man, you and I would sit here and we would BS for hours and hours and hours, and uh, uh, we do that we do that quite often uh, throughout the weeks uh, covering racing and talking sports. And I always appreciate it, man. You helped me out early in the week. We're talking Tuesday morning. The the past performances haven't even been out for twenty four hours, and you already helped me handicap and get a couple uh, races is out of the way so uh really appreciate your uh, your time and your effort always and the work you put in and uh, i'm going to be uh, listening to your show later on this week and i will be wishing you the best of luck i'll be chopping it up back and forth with you and uh seeing who we need for some big money throughout the weekend all right man thank you so much and uh just remember ricky hits home runs ricky hits home <laughs> runs 
No matter what, Ricky never disappoints I'll tell you that, Ricky always comes in And he always shows up and he always hits big That is Barry Spears Make sure to give him a follow, folks Do not go anywhere, we are continuing on On this big Friday, Breeders' Cup Friday Moving along up to race number 7 next Great stuff from the sniper, Barry Spears Make sure to give him a follow, check out all the content That he's got coming up over the next few days uh, To repeat our thoughts on the Juvenile Turf Sprint the number 11, Derry Nane, going to be the top selection for uh, for the both of us. We both feel like this one will get a really, really nice trip. I had him stacked 11, 7. I'm going to use armor in all exotics. And the number 6, I did feel like of the, the speed horses, I think I preferred the most of the, the ward runners in Twilight Gleaming. Um, you know... Those are the three that I'm going to probably use In the uh, the bulk of the exotics In race number six And that's how they get started In the Breeders' Cup races for Friday We're going to move along to race number seven In just a moment And we'll get to talking with Scott Shapiro Before we do, we want to talk a little bit about DRF Sports So you've heard me mention DRF.com You know about Daily Racing Form For the past performances there We actually had on a guest last week From DRF Sports, Jack Fitzpatrick To talk a little bit about the website And now that sports betting Is becoming legal in the US Daily Racing Form Is expanding and becoming A sports A website and a company That covers sports just like they do with horse racing So all of that same great information That you've got forever By following along daily racing form Reading the past per, uh, performances Reading the articles, reading the form Now you're going to get that same information That same great, great content Covering sports Head to drf.com slash sports And take a look at their website Sort of looks like a sports book Gives you all the games and the betting lines For games that are coming up College football, NBA, whatever sports that are happening It's going to have all the lines for you On the left side of the page There are tabs for every sport So you can click on each sport NFL, college football, MLB, NBA, NHL For every matchup There is a particular um, little matchup You can look at and click on And for every game And it will give you in-depth Analysis. You can look at the team offense and defensive statistics. You can look at betting angles that are very unique. And these are sort of things that you would get in DRF Formulator with the past performances, where you can kind of create and mold the stats to fit whatever you're looking for. The line movements will tell you how this game has been bet, key injuries for both sides of. All of these games, you get results and information about a lot of the recent games, which you can take a look at how the the spreads have been recently, the totals, and get see if you can find any patterns there. Head to head matchup statistics information, and then all sorts of the basic team stats that you would find, you know, anywhere else. What's great about DRF Sports is all that information is there, right there, one tab away. You don't have to go to five or six different websites to find that, like you are doing. When you're handicapping That's why I love DRF Formulator Because I don't have to go to a different site To look up pedigree information I don't have to go to a different site to watch replays And then look at the charts All of that is right there That's what you're getting with DRF Sports now DRF.com slash sports Check for more and more of the 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 crossover That we're going to have with DRF Sports We look forward to uh, bringing on Jack again He's going to be on an episode of That's What G Said coming up this weekend So uh DRF.com slash sports. Check it out as uh, we are going to check out 
race number seven. We're going to get into the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. Just a short field, but a couple really, really talented runners. Our good friend Scott Shapiro from Twin Spires joins us again, and he'll help us talk about every runner in the Juvenile Phillies. Kick back and enjoy as we talk about uh, some future star ladies of this sport. Moving along through Breeders' Cup Friday, and we are up to the Juvenile Phillies, race number seven on the Friday card over at Del Mar. Joining us is a good friend of the show, a gentleman who you've heard on this show many, many times, a very, very good ham- handicapper, and a good friend of mine from Twin Spires, Scott Shapiro. Shapper, buddy, how you doing? Doing well, Gino. Love this time of year. We've got the football in the midseason. We've got uh, the Breeders' Cup, obviously, and... Uh, Churchill Downs for their the busy uh, 21 day racing meet uh, is here in town. So lots going on, but uh, very excited, of course. It's a World really fun meet too because you get to look at some of the two year olds, right? You get that Stars of Tomorrow card, and you get a, a lot of those two year olds that maybe aren't running in the Breeders' Cup, but are going to be really, really nice horses to keep an eye on that you'll probably hear making some noise next year on the Triple Crown Trail. No doubt about it. It was fun. We have another one towards the tail end of the meet, but we saw some good-looking runners uh, on Sunday to start the meet, and uh, there'll be other two-year-old races, of course, sprinkled in plenty, and some good stakes races at the end. Uh, Really looking forward to it, and hopefully we can make some money. Scott, tell us a little bit about what your week is like. You and I are recording this on early Tuesday morning, so if anything changes over the next couple days, hopefully, knock on wood, it doesn't. We don't have the biggest field in the world already with this uh, juvenile Phillies race that's already had a couple of defections, but tell us a little bit about um, what your schedule is like coming up this week over at Twin Spires. What kind of stuff can we expect to see from you, and uh, where are you going to be hanging out watching the Breeders' Cup? Well, most of my week will be spent on Churchill Downs and, and the NFL. A little bit odd that, you know, getting used to the Breeders' Cup, especially when it's not in Kentucky, because we run right during it as well and have a five-day week. But uh, you'll find anything I do for the Breeders' Cup on the Twin Spire social channel, and then obviously this. And then I'll be on the simulcast feed Wednesday through Sunday. So uh, we have our races intertwined with the Breeders' Cup, so I'll be watching them all under the Twin Spire. Should be a lot of fun, a lot of action, and uh, hopefully some profitable uh, wagers along the line, buddy. And when we uh, finish up, we'll give you those plugs once again where you can follow along with everything that Scott's going on. He does a great job with his NFL stuff each week. There's some written stuff there from Scott who uh, follows along and uh, has a very good pulse for the NFL each and every year as uh, we're going to set you up and help you make a little money in the seventh race. So you can flip to race number seven for November the 5th. We're looking at Friday, and we're looking at the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. And, Scott, we don't really see Breeders' Cup races like this with, with just six horses. Um, there are a couple races on the card, uh, actually, are throughout the, the weekend, Friday one and Saturday, where we only have six. Now, this race is a little different in that there are – uh, some really quality fillies in this race it, it, Hidden Connection uh, Juju's Map And then Echo Zulu who's your 4-5 to five morning line favorite Those three are Very very nice And then even the horses The the, the other the, the bulk of the field Sequist ran really well finishing third Tarabi was very good when running second Behind Echo Zulu in the spinway And even Desert Dawn you know, as a horse who doesn't seem like distance limited at all. So you've got some nice animals in here. And I think just sort of at first glance, what makes this race intriguing is that the three horses who are going to take the most money in here, the three very, very nice fillies who are all graded stakes winners and uh, who are all multiple winners, they all seem like they at least want to be 
pretty close early on or forwardly placed. Yeah, no doubt about it. And of course, that uh, that trio is Echo Zulu, Juju's map and hidden connection, as you mentioned. And no doubt Echo Zulu is going to take some catching. This horse has been awesome in all three lifetime starts, debuting at Saratoga, winning for fun there, then coming back and dominating in the spinaway. Then getting the uh, furthest test of her career in the frisette. But that's a one-turn mile, important to remember, because that's going to be the key here for Echo Zulu. Sure, the, the others, Juju's map hidden connection and maybe Tarabi are going to press her as much as they can. But Echo Zulu is the fastest early. The question is, can she get two turns? There's pedigree to suggest she can. There's reasons maybe to think that she's maybe a one-turn animal, very similar potentially to a horse like Jackie's Warrior, who we've seen how good he is, but struggled to get the two turns in the Breeders' Cup, albeit with a contentious early pace that day last year uh, at Keeneland. But uh, Echo Zulu, no doubt the uh, deserving four to five favorite in here. Three straight easy wins for the Hall of Famer Steve Asmussen. One thing worth noting is Steve has been on an absolutely frigid stretch here in Kentucky. Haven't followed how things have gone at other racetracks. But uh, that's something to keep in mind. He's going to have a couple of very short-priced horses. And I'm uh, not sure it's the greatest thing to lean on no, uh, with, with the current streak. Yeah, yeah Santana, who was aboard for all three had went oh for the Keeneland meet and in now Joel Rosario is going to jump aboard because Joel was going to be on an easy who ended up scratching out of the race and actually didn't even get entered was in the pre entries but ain't easy they just didn't like the way that that Philly was training in the morning I think on Sunday or Monday morning right before they decided uh, not to actually go ahead in the in the final entry so we're now down to a field of six Joel jumps over on to Echo Zulu and I think. You know, with with her drawing the outside is probably a plus for her too. I don't know if it would have really mattered in this sort of a short field because, well, I do think you know Juju's map and Hidden Connection will probably do their best to try to make make uh, make it really difficult on Zulu. It does feel like she's probably a little bit quicker. I think of the three, she's the quickest, and with the outside draw, that does I think that makes it a little bit easier for her. Yeah, definitely not going to hurt, especially since uh, she, you know, before her last start, she hadn't been a great gate horse. I mean, in the spinaway, she was off last, uh, slightly bobbled at the break before taking control. Um, Another horse, you know, Tarabi, I know people are going to look at the spinaway and see that this horse, you know, got smashed at the gate. But what they're going to really notice is this horse came from off the pace, but she's only gone uh, one turn in both of her starts. She's got some speed. She's drawing inside. I expect her to show a little more speed than maybe people will think. They don't want to be five lengths out of it. No. Right. Right. And their pedigree is, you know, for Tarabi is, is more like a uh, sprinty pedigree. Yeah. So, I don't know. I would assume they, they, she's drawn to the rail in both of her starts. She'll get off the rail, but just something to keep an eye on. But yeah, no doubt. I, I can't imagine Echo Zulu not being on the lead unless maybe Juju's map breaks on top, you know, and, and Florent just sends. And that could lead to a pretty hot pace. But I, you know, I think if everyone breaks equally, Echo Zulu should be in front early, regardless of post. And then it becomes sort of that little cat and mouse game. Maybe someone can can they put a little pressure? Can they make the early move? And uh, we'll sort of start inside and just give a thought or two on the Desert Dawn, who was behind Ain't Easy in the Chandelier. Ain't Easy won't be in this race. Desert Dawn was third that day. Now, you know she's a nice filly and she's heading in the right direction. She improved quite a bit when she stretched out from a sprint to a route, but it, she should be able to save all the ground in here. If 
the pace unfolds She could clunk in and pick up a piece I It's a small field it, Nothing would shock me as far as somebody getting third in here But uh, honestly of the you know of the the top three who feel like they'll probably be you know a cut above in the wagering of the other three, and I could make a case for for one of them, and it's not Desert Dawn that I like as much. I, I prefer Sequest, who we get there if you were looking for maybe one of the the more outside the box horses. Yeah, I mean, with Desert Dawn, I guess the positives are she's proven form over the racetrack. She's got a win in a third mm-hmm. and two starts at Del Mar. And we know this can be somewhat of a horse for course type track, especially kind of a unique air in San Diego. I know all humans yep. love it there, but not oh, all yeah. horses do. <laughs> um, you know, so, yeah, and you mentioned saving ground. So, you know, she looks slower uh, on paper than the top contender. That's why she's 21 on the line. But you could probably do worse in, in uh, on Breeders' Cup Day with a 20-to-1 shot that maybe can clunk up and uh, pass some tiring rivals. Absolutely. And uh, we move along to the deuce, Hidden Connection, who, yeah, she hasn't done anything wrong in her two starts. She broke her maiden over at Colonial. And those Colonial races and the meet at Colonial has been much, much stronger um, in the last couple of years. So, you know, you see horses that come out there, and those have been pretty quality races then over at the Pocahontas, Hidden Connection uh, was floated a little wide going into the turn to the two-path up to press. was about a length off and um, moved to the lead early in between horses, opened up. She's won her two races by seven and a quarter or seven and a half and nine and a quarter. She hasn't really earned the monster speed figures or some of the bigger ones that Echo Zulu has. But she's, I mean, she fits. And if if Juju's map ends up going after Echo Zulu... She could work out that perfect trip in third Um, If she's not in chase mode in here Maybe she's the one that ends up, you know, getting the right trip Yeah, she's been impressive I mean, she hasn't beaten the quality of field that she faces today But she's buried the horses that she's faced so far Including the Pocahontas, a grade three here at Churchill Downs The field has not come back strong behind her by any stretch But she beat him by nine and a quarter in a canter She's been freshened up since then It'll be interesting. She's the co-five, the two morning line, second choice in here, along with Juju's map, who we'll talk about in a second. But my gut tells me, based on connections, Brett Calhoun, Ray Lou Gutierrez versus Brad Cox, Florent Giroux, having won a great one at Keelan, and the hidden connection will be the third choice in here. More and, like seven uh, two-ish or, you know... It, yeah. yeah, and I think I like her as a bet, you know, if you put a gun to my head to make a win bet uh, amongst these horses in terms of value, chances to win. I think I like her chances. You mentioned should get a good trip. She's going to have to probably show a little bit of a new dimension, perhaps relaxing on the inside instead of the outside. She's had two outside posts. But maybe in this field, they'll kind of separate a little with the speed of Echo Zulu and Juju's map, and she can angle out and sit third. But if she's good enough, she should certainly have a chance to do it, and uh, it would be good to see uh, the young Ray Lou Gutierrez, who appears to be an up-and-coming rider, uh, get his first Breeders' Cup win. Absolutely. He had some very good success over at Sam Houston when uh, I saw him win a lot of races over uh, out there. As uh, you move to, we move to the number three, Sequist. To me, this one's the, the, the kind of real wild card in the race because while she was well-defeated by Juju's map in her last start and she was well-defeated by Echo Zulu, she does feel really like a late runner and she she really fits that profile of like Dallas Stewart upsetter, you know, coming coming on late on the scene at a big big price <laughs> with a big big upset. Now I don't know if she's good enough to beat all three of the other really nice fillies in here, but there are versions of this race 
where all three of those Phillies worry about each other. You know, and maybe they're caught up early on, not wanting to let one or two of the others get too far away. They end up playing a little cat and mouse. They end up all softening each other up. If that's the case, if those three Phillies all do that, somebody's going to benefit. And there's only three other horses in the race that that would. Um, maybe Echo Zulu um, and Juju's map go and Hidden Connection sits. But if there there are at least some versions in my head of this race where the three of them get caught up, maybe even Tarabi, who you mentioned, who we've never even seen go long. Now we're looking at possibly four horses all, you know, pretty close up in a small field, and maybe two horses sitting back. And of those two, Sequist, I don't think ran all that poorly, was you know well off of it. Was we're talking 15 lengths off. Now that's my concern. She could get distance early in a race like this because in in back to back races in a sprint and then when she stretched out to a route she was legitimately fifteen off but she ended up just missing second last time out and I mean if I'm looking for someone outside of those horses that are probably going to be in the three to run and lower range I'm going to land here Scott yeah understandable I mean the you know you mentioned Dallas Stewart having that knack uh, to get horses home in big races at big prices and you could get a favorable setup here I think you'll get a need to get a very 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 favorable setup for her to run by everybody but I can certainly see a scenario where either they go at it early or there's a middle move made it's hard to imagine a scenario where they run one two around the racetrack unless the closers are just not up to the task of, mm-hmm. in terms of class because you know, Juju's map and hidden connection. They have aggressive riders in Florent Giroux and, and Ray Lou Gutierrez. They're not going to, you know, you know, as much as they might submit to the lead Echo Zulu knowing she's faster, you have to think unless they just come under chase mode, they're going to take a run at her before they turn for home. Mm-hmm. Any of those scenarios should could potentially lead to a horse like Sequest or Desert Dawn passing a number of rivals in the lane. Yep. As we move along to the number four, Tarabi, who is only run uh, two times so far. Tarabi won the debut over at Ellis, then went over to Saratoga in the grade one spin away, was behind Echo Zulu. And uh, Tarabi was a step slow from the rail. And in both of her starts, she drew the rail. Now she gets off of the rail, which is a positive. And, and because she, you know, sometimes you just get forced a little bit more. You you don't get to get the trip you want when you're down there. You, the race is just kind of forced upon you. You're at the mercy of getting some room, you know, what, what everybody else is doing. And I thought, you know, she was just kind of moving inside just behind the leader. She was stuck behind horses in a tight spot. She moved outside and around. She was the clear-cut second that day. And, you know, there's some upside with her. I just kind of am wondering, like you said, what – what kind of trip do they really want? Where is she going to be in here? I can't imagine she's going to be too far back. And now we could be talking about four horses within a length or two of each other, you know, all sort of in a in a short field of six, kind of keeping each other honest. Yeah, Tarabi is probably the most interesting from a win perspective, in my opinion, going into this race. I mean, this horse could easily finish last, but also I think has some upside. I know went off at almost seven to one on debut, but I had heard some buzz about this horse before the race at Ellis, and boy, did she win easy that day. And then you can't take anything away from her in the spin away. I mean, she was, 
I thought she was hopelessly out of it from the start. And really, to run on second that day showed me a lot of heart and a lot of talent. Obviously, Echo Zulu won that race easily, but with different trips, maybe Tarabi could have made things closer. You mentioned the rail. That's a key for me. Key angle. More so, courses going one turn, but when they finally get off the rail, you mentioned they don't have those comfortable trips. You don't have the options out of the gate like you would like to. So for me, if you put me uh, on the spot to place a win wager, uh, it, you know, or maybe, you know, I'm in a, in a contest of some sort and I've got to play a you know, mm-hmm. mythical contest, you know, and I need to catch up or I'm looking, you know, I don't want to use the top three choices. Tarabi would be the horse that I would use knowing that maybe I could get last, but I definitely think has a little bit of upside here compared to the two late running horses, Desert Dawn and Sequest. We get to the number five Juju's map who has now put a uh, back-to-back victories together. Grade one winner in the Alcibiades. Good start down on the rail was right. On the lead but was in a little bit tight So ended up backing off a bit to sit Second and then moved up to the outside Early on opened up a half Length got challenged but then put that challenge Away and drew off it was impressive Um, No real knocks on her Whatsoever so far she just Is going to have to deal with a couple other very nice Phillies in here uh, one with Hidden connection one right to her outside With echo Zulu and so You know with with Phillies Like this who are good who are Fast you just wonder what what kind of trip does she try to go out and and maybe get in front of Echo Zulu? Does she want to sit just off of Echo Zulu and hope maybe to have the kind of trip that she did last time? That worked. You sat off a little bit. Maybe you can make her work early, take back, and then try to move. You know, early on, and that that maybe that's the exact kind of template you want for Juju's map since it worked and and got her a Grade One win last time out. Yeah, I mean, she, you said it. She's done nothing wrong. That debut effort, there's always been buzz about this horse around here in Kentucky. Juju's map was always considered perhaps, you know, the best Cox Philly or one of them. So no surprise, you know, you see she went off three to five. That loss in, uh, on debut at Ellis, not only was it five and a half, but control was a uh, Mike McCarthy horse that was bet right into this horse and came rolling. And I, I hate to say it, I think the horse was either euthanized or or had to be put down or just isn't in training anymore, but had a real bright future. Then stretched out to the one and one and a half turn mile at Ellis and one easy. And then that effort of the Alcibiades just absolutely cruised that day, dominating that field. I think if you're Juju's map, you know, in an ideal world, you're, you're going to try to sit second off Echo Zulu because the hope would be that Echo Zulu has never gone two turns and you are a proven two turn horse at this point. Maybe you can just sit off, you know, just off the pace turn it into a two-horse race when they turn for home, or maybe a three-horse race or however it might play out with Hidden Connection. But your hope is that you can just lean on this horse all the way around, make a move when they, you know, maybe when they on the far turn, and hope again that Echo Zulu doesn't have that ability to get two turns while you do. Yep, and that uh, leads us to Echo Zulu, who is now a three-for-three three multiple grade one winner. But as you mentioned, this this. Uh, layout of the racetrack is going to be different than one that that she's dealt with over at Belmont Park. So the complexion much different here in Southern California with Del Mar with the two turns, and she's a just she's a nice horse. I mean, she got some pressure to her outside, but she put the pressure away at the top of the lane. She kicked on. Um, I mean, nobody's ever really been close to her in her three races. She's won by four, five and a half, and and seven and a quarter. So something's got to give because the three. Uh, the three fillies that are you know, very, very nice in this race that are going to take the bulk of the betting support and the other fillies in here are also very nice. But the uh, the top kind of trio, 
They've all not only won in their last few starts The the last three for Echo Zulu The last two for Hidden Connection And the last two for Juju's map Every one of them has won all of those races So the seven races that they've won uh, They've all been by four plus lengths Like something's got to give here Yeah, I mean, it's fun I mean, these are, you know, what these what these races are about Some years you get a much more muddy picture You get a bigger field Where more choices have chances to win on paper But uh, you gotta love, you know, three stars Coming into this race with near-perfect resumes and, and doing so convincingly Look, I mean, if Echo Zulu stretches out to two turns without issue Or maybe you get a speed-favoring racetrack or, or whatever She's going to be very tough to beat. That's why she's going to be the odds-on choice. You know, to me, I just wonder if she's definitely a two-turn horse. And, you know, with the barn being so cold, you know, do you really want to lean on a horse for a barn that's just been frigid of late when there's other alternatives that are much better value? Uh, Obviously, the speed figures say Echo Zulu is the fastest horse, but... I think in terms of gambling on the race, you know, horizontal wagers or betting to win, I, you know, it's a horse that I would, I'm going to try to beat, knowing very well this could be a future star uh, if she takes to the two turns. Echo Zulu, the one to beat, no doubt. Um, yeah, for me, I think uh, Hidden Connection is sort of the horse that you and I have kind of keep coming back to, thinking that if, the, if this race was run 100 times, I feel like most of those times she ends up getting the best trip in here. And giving her an opportunity to prove that she's good enough That's that's all I want as a horse player, right? Get the trip for the horse that you hope that you like And then it, turning for home or at some point in the race They just get an opportunity to show that they're good enough If they're not, it's kind of easy to get over and say Oh, okay, we got the trip we wanted It's always when the trouble or oh, I thought they were gonna this was gonna happen The woulda, coulda, shouldas I, I like what I've seen from her And uh, good luck to the connections with Hidden Connection For me, yeah, that if I was looking for the price, uh, it would be Sequist and for Scott it seems like Tarabi's the horse that it intrigues you is kind of like a, a wild card X factor with some upside Yeah, I, that's exactly it hidden connection of the uh, three likelies. I expect to be the best value I don't separate them enough, but uh, I probably would use hidden connection Juju's map and Tarabi in like a pick four if I'm trying to beat Echo Zulu and uh, yeah hidden connection black type thoroughbreds Jake Bayless uh, I think the uh, the main man with those guys I think Rashard Lewis might be involved with them The mm-hmm. ex-NBA player as well yeah. But yeah, I saw Jake at Keeneland uh, A couple weeks ago, good luck to them And uh, yeah, should be a fun race Wish we had a few more runners in here But at least it's uh, a high quality group, Gino Scott, give us uh, your plugs one more time We know you'll be working hard all weekend uh, All week, weekend long With Breeders' Cup stuff, with uh, stuff going at Churchill With NFL stuff, where can we follow that And uh, everything happening over at Twin Spires yeah, the best thing is to follow me on Twitter at ScottShap34. I post all my work on there. You can find my uh, NFL work on the Edge. That's Twin Spires blog. Easy to find, but also easier to find if you follow me on Twitter. And then in terms of uh, yeah, this week, just uh, if you're you know looking for some action in between the long post drags of the Breeders' Cup, Churchill Downs is running. I'll be on the uh, simulcast feed with Joe Christofek at the desk alongside him all week long. Should be some good gambling opportunities there. Should be a fun week. Uh, definitely check us out there. And if not this week, check out the great product we've got going on after the Breeders' Cup for the next several weeks to end the month. Thank you so much, buddy. Uh, I'll have to uh, get you back in uh, a few. We continue along through the Friday Breeders' Cup races. We're up to race number eight now, and we're looking at the Juvenile Phillies turf. And joining me next, it's time to get 
Ice Cold <laughs> with uh, Dave Weaver, one of my good friends who I just don't get the opportunity to talk to nearly as much as I would like to or uh, I should anymore. And Dave is back here joining us again, talk a little bit about this eighth race and uh, maybe a tidbit uh, about the NFL and, uh, and football afterwards. Dave, buddy, how are things going? Everything's good, man. Anytime Breeders' Cup weekend rolls around, you know it's time to start firing. Exactly. We're gonna uh, we're gonna have a lot of action this weekend, and um, we're gonna focus in on this uh, juvenile Phillies turf, which is on Friday, and it is the uh, the middle of the uh, the Breeders' Cup five races uh, on Friday. So this is a really pivotal race as far as all of those big late exotics playing the pick six, pick fives, late pick fours and stuff. This is gonna be in all of them. So this is a race that you you want to you got to be right about if you want to connect those exotics. Like early, sometimes you can miss a race or two that are earlier in the card that are before some of these big ones. But if you want to connect, you got to make sure that you know you got the winner of this race. Yeah, and it's the hardest race, by the way. Thank, it is. Thanks for 14. picking the hardest race. I was gonna for say. Me. Here you go, Dave. I was going to say, all of those years of uh, watching the quarter horse low sal races got you very prepped for 14 two-year-old fillies going a mile on the turf course, right? Same I mean, same thing. I, I was like looking at the morning lines like 6 to 1, 8 to 1, and kept seeing like 15, 20, 20, 20. I'm like, is there a 6 to 1 morning line favorite here? And there's actually a 5 to 1 morning line favorite on the rail Pizza Bianca, who we're going to try to beat, but this is the the highest priced morning line of the entire Breeders' Cup two day program. And it's, that's probably the only time that you're not going to have some Pizza Bianca in your life. Yeah, I mean, food wise, anything involving <laughs> that, I'm all in. But yeah, um, but know, in this particular race, in a short field where there are so many ways to go, Pizza Bianca, who I mean, it's, you can't really knock the form of the the, the races that you know that she comes out of, but. We got a big field like this. She's drawn down inside with 13 horses to her outside. I just, you know, she was in a little bit tight early on last time out. She kind of got the same type of trip that she might get here where she had a little bit of trouble. She had to wait behind horses. She tried to squeeze through, but she had to hesitate. She ended up running second. And now she's got to deal with some pretty nice European horses and just a quality, quality group. Oh, it's an unbelievable field. I'm sure you've heard heard the story about California Angel, $5,500 yearling purchase. Actually, a $5,500 two-year-old in training purchase um, this year that's made now over $200,000 for George Leonard III that nobody's really heard of uh, mm-hmm. prior to this first stakes win that she picked up last time at Keeneland. I like her. Um, I think she might be a little bit overplayed now just because of the whole story. The story, yeah. Like the Brutal post. Story. I don't know if she's fast enough. I mean, I was originally – just because I, I – I saw her first race at Kentucky Downs, and she looked like Zenyatta. She came from last and just mowed him down. And I'm like, this is the horse that we better follow. She was 28 to 1. I put her in my stable mail. I, I bet her back in her next start, and I didn't realize it was a dirt sprint. So I'm like, um, this is really a bet I want to make, and I did it anyways. And yeah. she was giant. She finished third. And then for whatever reason – I did not get the notification, and I didn't even see that she started and won the Jessamine at <laughs> seventeen to one. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, uh, I just wasted a thirty-six dollar winner. That's but nice. Basically, she's been a horse that's been on my radar all along. I'm not going to pick her on top in here, but, but you're not going to let her beat you. A lot of people rooting for her. I'm going to use her. Um, but I went back and I took the time to watch the tape on the thirteen last time out. Miz on scene, who was. In a one mile straightaway, so there were no turns, and you know that that could be a problem for some of these Europeans that come here and, and have to go left for the first time. But she was huge. I mean, oh, she yeah. was boxed in. It was one of those races where 
there were nine horses. Seven of them like went to the right rail and two of them went to left rail and they left that kind of inner part of the track wide open. They'll do that in Europe. But all all the horses that were trying to get to the right rail kept coming over on her and coming over on her. And she actually broke okay. And then she got shuffled, shuffled, shuffled. Buried. She was last all of a sudden. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden she flies. Another note about that is her regular rider, Oisin Murphy, blew a positive breathalyzer that morning and couldn't ride. So maybe she I, I was just two a... different levels. He he said he was under the the driving limit, yes. but over the, the, the horse riding, riding limit. limit. So there, there's a little bit of a further stress <laughs> I was say, threshold. I was gonna for say riding thousand that, pound. That's a animals. problem for a different. Yeah, I was gonna say for a different uh, podcast, but but uh, but regardless, she was I, awesome, Dave. She was awesome. Two for two when he's riding. So so being reunited with the rider that, that that knows her obviously better than the late replacement, she's going to be my top pick. Six to one morning line. I mean, in a field of 14, wouldn't you think that you're going to get that price? As soon as she got a little bit of a seam, she stretched her legs nicely. She finished fourth, but she just missed second in that in that field. And the one who won that race in spiral is four for four and is undefeated. So far that is a really really nice Animal she comes out of an awesome race I agree with you I made Her my top selection I think if she's in Anything over four to one that's a great Price on her in this spot and there's probably going to be A bunch of horses that are in that four To like seven eight Range between four and ten Really there's going to be a bunch right in there And that's you know she's She should be four or five She fits I love her quite a bit and um, yeah, she's going to be both of our top selections. Let's okay. talk a little about a couple of the um, the American horses who are probably going to take a lot of money and who have uh, who have run pretty well so far. Um, like the number two Cairo Memories. It's never easy to just win going long first time out of the box, which we saw California Angel do on the turf and Cairo Memories do on the turf. And then she came right back in the Surfer Girl, and she was very very nice in that one too. I I don't really have any knocks on her. What at all? I just kind of feel like she might be a cut below some of the Europeans, and and maybe even uh, one or two of the other. Like, I, I think I like maybe even California Angel a little bit more than Cairo Mem- Memories. I mean, she's drawn a good post. You know, I, I think inside is good. She's pretty much been inside or inside portion of the gate in her first two, and was able to win going away in both of those. If you were watching TVG the day that she debuted. Uh, Joaquin interviewed Bob Hess before the race and I don't know if he was playing poker or if it was just one of these things where she exceeded his expectations but he's like you know she's a really nice horse or he, I think he even said better than that he's like she's she's you know uh, I don't think he said superstar or something but he but he's he said she's she's very talented but I think she's like three or four works short you know, I, I just feel like she's a little bit short and she just airmailed it. She just crushes 16 to one. But it, but I actually trust that he really believed that maybe she just wasn't quite going to do what he thought she was going to do eventually. And then she came back and proved that it was no fluke in the stake. Mm-hmm. So, you know, bottom line is she's nice. always thought that she had the ability to be a Breeders' Cup Juvenile Philly Turf <laughs> horse. And, uh, and here we are now with her getting that chance. Right next door, you got uh, Cachet, who was sort of close up last time out. I'm just not quite sure if he's quite as good as a couple of the others. And I don't know if she wants to go this long. I think she might be a little bit better going shorter. So I'm maybe under stuff with, but I didn't really love her all that much. 
um, Turner Loose right next door. Um, I don't know if I could make uh, Turner Loose is you know uh, coming off of a, a fine effort, and the Jessamine was behind California Angel was the one that was favored that day, took all the money, and that was off of back to back really impressive wins. She's probably going to be forwardly placed in here. She set the pace, and you know she'll be up in the mix. Like I could see her being a horse to. Yeah, hang on for a slice underneath. I don't know if I really like her as much on the win end because it's going to be pretty tough to try to, I think, wire a group like this. I was looking up some records of trainers in the Breeders' Cup, and you know, like Mark Cassie's five for fifty-eight, which doesn't really seem that good. It's like eight percent, but when you're in fourteen horse fields, yeah, you know, yeah. that's that's not bad when you win <laughs> five Breeders' Cups. Um, Pletcher's like seven percent. And then I look at Brad Cox, 35%. I mean, he's, he's limited. You know, he's only sent out 20 horses in the Breeders' Cup, and it's whatever the last five years, I guess it would be. But he's won seven. So yeah, 35% in the Breeders' Cup is, like, insane. And he has two horses in here, the four Turner Loose and the five Bubble Rock. I don't like mm-hmm. either of them. Me neither. I, I, I put an X through both. But I just thought it's interesting that, that his, he's been numbers so... are just, it's, it's not just, you know, regular season. It's postseason, too. Hello, you is a, another shipper um, who, you know, again beat. Ca- the thing is, I think you can see with the form. So was like a little was a little behind um, some of the others. The horse that we mentioned, Miss and Scene, and then last time out, I think in a, in a little bit of a softer spot, uh, was able to get the job done. I, I'm not really all that high on her. I don't think she would shock Johnny V. Does jump aboard? I do. I do sort of like that when you get one of the American jockeys. So he he kind of has probably a feel for you know what the pace it may be like how it may be a little bit different than some of the races that she's been in. I don't quite love her that much. The seven next door I did think's a little interesting of the U.S. based horses. She you know she went over to Laurel and won, and sometimes that'll throw people off because you just you know Laurel sometimes isn't you know it's not like you went over you went and won uh, a Keeneland race, but that race was pretty good in and she did it. How you would want a horse to to do She's going to be in that 8 to 1 range I like her more than some of the other US horses That we were talking about earlier Like the 4 and the 5 I would prefer consumer spending Um, 6 and 7, either of those horses Do you use them underneath or are they chucks for you Any any thoughts on those Um, I was tossing the 1, 3, 4, 5 and 6 We're we're not going to be on any of my tickets I I did consider the 7 consumer spending Because if you remember the previous Breeders' Cup here at Del Mar back in 2017. Philly Juvenile Turf was won by Chad Brown at Rushing Fall. Mm-hmm. And she beat a lot of the good Europeans that year. So Chad obviously knows how to get these two-year-old fillies ready. Um, I, I thought she absolutely has looked fantastic in her last two. And not only does Chad have that previous win here at Del Mar, but look who's riding. A guy that knows Del Mar's turf course better than anybody. He might not be the best rider, um, in the world over some of these guys and, and, and people will say maybe he is on the turn he's anyway, close. but, he's, he's but at Del Mar, yeah. he, at Del he's Mar, got that. This is his course. This so, is his, his backyard. Pratt, um, uh, that combination. One. Yep. Pratt with the, with the Chad Brown arsenal here, um, sail away. I thought was, you know, a, you know, a little bit up against it. We'll have to improve. Probably going to be forward. Probably forwardly placed koala princess, uh, impressive in both, but it's just, it's, it's hard for me to take a shortish price on a horse who's going to stretch out in this race for the first time when you've got a lot of these other fillies who have some route experience. Yeah, that's the question. You know, is she a router that has just been sprinting? Because 
early on in your two-year-old season, they're not running route races. You pretty much have to progress mm-hmm. um, through the, the maiden ranks in, in shorter races, which she did first time out, daylighted him, and she came back and they raced her from off the pace, which I think was a positive uh, at Kentucky Downs. It's tough to say that she can't win, but I was with you. I, I was sticking to the horses that were I'd, already proven going long. I'd want a little more than her price. Because of the built-in very like the built-in question marks, I probably want like double what she is, more like ten to twelve to one than if she's in like the six to one range. Um, Helen's well ran on pretty well in the last two uh, over at uh, Del Mar and at Santa Anita behind Cairo Memories, but she, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if she picks up some pieces. Uh, Rispoli, who knows the Del Mar turf course very well, very capable rider, but she was really no match for Cairo Memories last time out. Um, Haughty next door. She's got a little bit of speed too We just mentioned Chad Brown She's drawn towards the outside That may hurt her chances a little bit She could get hooked a little bit wide 10 and 11 um, Were they underneath or uses in some of your exotics? Just the 11 um, Yeah, Hottie Because no. she's, she's got that tactical speed And it's, it's really tough She crossed the wire first twice She was DQ'd in the one I, I said she, she got two wins And one of them's not a win Honestly, she was DQ But she was impressive in both of them And she was handled in her second start How you handle a horse that you just think Is the best horse in the race You just put them right there And, and you want to kind of keep them out of trouble She's never beat stakes horses before She's never been in against allowance horses before That's... But there are certain horses Where you cannot hold it against them That she's Destroying the fields that she's in against Right you know both of them were maiden races As it turns out but she's Done exactly what she needed To do and, and you never destroy get the both those That Chad's like throwing horses in That really don't belong he you never know, does he, that. He, he knows where they fit if they Don't fit here he'll put them somewhere else where they're going to be Even money and win you know he, he doesn't Want them to be 30 or the one in, in A spot like this she came back with a pretty nice work Recently over at Keeneland to Malavoth and uh, we mentioned Missing Scene and California Angel. So Malavoth is really the only one that we haven't hit on yet. Group two winner last time out. She was kind of tracking just behind the leader. She was third inside. She moved to the two path and she got up in between. And she's she's really lightly raced and she's she's kind of tough to knock. I mean, she's won back to back races. She moved forward, but it's sort of that same thing again. Everything she's done has been at six furlongs. Now she's going to have to ship. She's going to have to draw a wide post And she's going to have to go a mile for the first time And I don't know how Good of a price you're going to get on her That's kind of a lot to ask For a horse who might be in the 6-7-1 to one range. you know she's 8-1 to one morning line If she gets played at all she's another who I'd Probably want a little more because of All those things she's trying for the first time Yeah she was one that was kind of a borderline Horse for me was I going to put an X Or was I going to put a circle and she was the last horse that I eventually put a circle around. So yeah. I will I will include her. That's sort of uh, how I feel. She's six furlong, six furlong. She's not even like six and a half or seven. No, so it's she's straight go six. Extra quarter mile here and first US start. You know, but she does look like she's very talented. So I I, I wasn't gonna leave her out. So Dave, I know um, for TVG, everybody gets usually assigned a, a race or two that they have to do for the write-up. I think this was yours, and those are usually part of the, is it the toolkit that you can get at TVG.com? I don't know exactly what form they're going to be um, used in here. We, we have a new website, news.tvg.com. Yeah, so we, that might be in I've there been, in the newsletter I'm, and stuff. I'm guessing it might pop up there. 
cool. um, or if it's a if it's a toolkit item, it might go into the emails of the TVG customers. I, I'm honestly not exactly sure what it's used for, but I know that I've been assigned to do it, so I will follow orders and and do it. But it'll be it'll be available in one way, shape, or form. And so, what is what was sort of your final approach to the betting um, in this race? So, I think this is one of those races where you do have to to wait mm-hmm. i mean obviously if you're playing a pick four pick five you're 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 locked mm-hmm. in yeah but you kind of have to see where the money is going because you Agreed. know if the if the 13 is seven to two i'll find other options if she's six or seven to one she's getting win money mm-hmm. um if california angel goes off at 15 or 20 to one i would bet her but i just have a feeling she won't with uh all these with the support on her mm-hmm. uh, I could see the 12 maybe being an overlay just because a lot of people are thinking that the distance yep. is too far. She's eight in the line. And like if she said, is, then six then or seven is too short. If she's yep. 15 or 20, she's a must use. Absolutely. Um, maybe Hottie gets overlooked because of the uh, the maiden win and mm-hmm. and she's 15 or 20 to one. So there are horses that, that might be five to one or might be 15 to one. And I just don't know that answer yet. So and I agree. Like we, we love playing. It, we all want to play the pick fours and pick fives and pick sixes on the big days. And we do, and we will, but just make sure that you always have a little bit for, you know, the wins, the exactas, the tries and stuff, because in all of these races, everybody can't get bet. And, and in, in most of them, there's one or two horses that get forgotten about. And if they're on your radar, you always just got to pick the one that's the best price. Like always just go to the one that you thought if you thought two horses had close to an equal chance of winning and one of them floats way up and the other one's getting bet. You, you got to play the one with the uh, with the way bigger price. That's always one thing that uh, that Dave Weaver has done. Dave, you've been doing pretty damn well, too. We're going to talk a little football before I let you go with um, recently seeing the ball. Well, with your wager, you some stuff on TVG and your in the contest, you, um, you qualified again recently, I think at Los Alamitos. Right. And then you, you want to poke a charity poker tournament last week. I qualified for the NEC actually at a Keeneland tournament. Oh, Keeneland! Hell but yeah! I did have nice. a winning. I I turned a three hundred dollar bankroll into twenty seven hundred in a contest at Los Al. That's what. Okay, which, cool. Which usually would like guarantee you a win, and I got seventh. So I came up short, but it was a it was a good successful contest. And then I won the poker tournament at uh, at at Santa Anita where we raised. Over fifty thousand dollars for Folds of Honor organization that gives scholarships to uh, family members of fallen soldiers. So that was great to be part of that fundraiser event. I didn't. It, it wasn't anything where you're winning, you know, for financial gain. It was the. It was the. You know, the Give fact back. that I can say, Jessica Pfeiffer, I beat you. I beat uh, you. Jonathan Wong, I beat you. I beat you. Uh, Frank Miramati, <laughs> I beat you. Um, who else? Name a name. I beat you. If you were there, you, I, I beat I you. I beat you. <laughs> and you will wear that forever and right. let them know all about it. That was a great cause. Check out Folds of Honor, too, if you want to uh, donate and, and help out. Just uh, really, really great work that they do. And uh, shout out to Santa Anita for helping out over there. So, Dave, uh, over the last couple of years, TVG has started to expand into um, covering a little bit more of the the mainstream sports and just kind of gambling in general. It's a horse racing network that has been focused on gambling. And now with the you know, the last couple of years that gambling is becoming legal in the U.S. state by state, it was a perfect time for TVG to make that expansion and and start having a little bit more content And you were someone over the last couple of years Who's started covering a ton of football You have a really good pulse as to everything Happening in the NFL Can you believe we're already coming up on week 9 Damn yeah. 
It's uh, and this year that that's the midway point because we have an extra week with the seventeenth uh, game now and the different playoff structure as well. But it, and we actually crazy. got our first big favorite that won last week. We there, up until last week there had not been one team that was an underdog of more than seven points on a closing line that had won a game outright so far this year. And we just saw the uh, the Jets upset the Bengals after everybody jumped on the Bengals after their awesome win against the Ravens. That's what's been kind of fun over the last few weeks is that we've seen every team that's had one of their big wins. The next week they come back and get their ass kicked. It's been pretty. <laughs> it, we've seen it I think three times in a row. It was first. It was the, uh, the you know the Chargers did it to the Ravens and then the Ravens come right back. You know or the Ravens do it to the Chargers. Then they come back and get beat up by the Bengals and the Bengals come back and honestly they. They, you look into the box score, like the Jets dominated a lot of that game really early on. They, they really did. Um, so that was a fun one. It's a pretty wide open NFL season, which wide open is great for us as gamblers and as handicappers and as just fans. Uh, it's been like the Chiefs are going into last week were three and four. So that they're now a, a 500 team that looks like garbage, but they're the Chiefs. So, you know, you still got to give them a little bit of a chance. You know, the uh, the NFC West was supposed to be stacked, right? You got the Rams and the Cardinals were supposed to be okay. They've been better than okay. Seahawks, the Niners, well, they both disappointed. But the team that I'm impressed with is the Rams. You know, they, yeah. they're, they're going to be my bet this week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Tennessee just announced the news that Derrick Henry broke his foot. Um, I, I looked it up. He's been... He plays every game. I mean, he's the biggest iron horse out there. So there wasn't really much to go off of, but I tried to find a game where, okay, well, how do they do when they don't have Derrick Henry? And I found only two games where he missed over the last four years, and they lost both of them by 10 points. They're, they're just not the same team no. without him. They can't no. be. They, that, that he is just their you know, bread and butter to rely on for 30 carries. He's going to get you three touchdowns and 150 yards most of the time. And now they don't have that. So Tannehill is going to have to start – over trying and press and it, this is not the team you want to do that against the rams are just crushing teams you know they had that one bad game against the cardinals where and that was like a total flat spot right for them because the week before they beat they up the bucks the super bowl they, champs then exactly. they and, and they were like everything went so right for the ram that was another one that just the way that game flipped like they had their best game and then the next week they get their butts kicked and it's been a lot of that in the nfl this year which is great because i don't think anybody Thought that the Cardinals were by far the best team Well, they were undefeated And they lost a game last week to an Aaron Rodgers team That was missing their their top three wide receivers And like that was just a total old school Aaron Rodgers Like I'm just going to dominate this game And just going to be the uh, the adult in the room here So awesome, really fun season so far And I think you're right in that It feels like this is a bad spot for Tennessee Because when you think about what Tennessee has done recently, they are coming off of a couple just incredible, incredible games where they beat the Bills and then you know they beat the Chiefs where it looked like it was going to be another flat spot for them. And then they come back and they have to, you know, they're down 14 nothing. They have to come back and win in overtime and then they lose their leader, the guy who their whole team is around. And then now you got to go on the road on Monday night football and play a Rams team that is they're they're pretty excited now too because now the Rams with the loss by the Cardinals last week, that puts them right back up in, you know, 
in number one overall seed in the NFC and winning the division and and you know they were able to have somebody else sort of help them take care of some of their work so I think it's a really good spot for the Rams and it feels like a spot for Tennessee to where you know they're six and two now that win against the Colts last week for them was so huge because now they beat the Colts twice the Colts actually have to end up having a better record than Tennessee in order to win the division because the Tennessee's got the tiebreaker against them and nobody else in that division is any good. They could just coast for a long time and not really care all that much about winning games right now. And and they're going to have to figure out how to do it without Derrick Henry. I like this. this is a good spot for uh, for a play. Yeah, with this with the win last week against the Colts. And by the way, I've liked Tennessee the last three weeks. It's 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 not like I don't like, like them, them as a team, it's just a spot. I don't like yeah. them without Derrick Henry. Yeah, but you might have to pick your spots and and just when you know you're not winning, you know why lay it all out there and and go all out when you can save something and try to win an, an easy game next week. I haven't looked far enough ahead to know um, where those easy spots are, but this is not one of them. And the Rams, so they're favored by seven and a half, but they've won six six of their seven games. They've won this year. They've won by nine or more, so they're not squeaking games out. They're winning by big margins. We saw it last week when they opened up that 38 nothing lead. I mean, if you had a minus 17 or minus 16 and a half, you lost because they gave up 22 straight points. Um, if you had a minus 14 and a half, minus 15, you won. But that's kind of weird that they ended up winning 38-32 or 22 rather. But yeah. I think they'll take care of business here Me against too. the Titans. Me too. It's it's a, um, a Sunday night game, so it's not like a spot where you would feel like they're going to be flat for any reason. They're going to be up for the game for a home game, Sunday night football. Rams, let's go for the Ramley this weekend with, uh, with Dave Weaver. I hope you're right. And this could be – you know, it's, it's funny because – Early we heard all the buzz about them with Stafford and stuff And then they had the big win against Tampa And then once they got beat up by Arizona They've kind of been flying under the radar a little bit the last few weeks You know, their schedule has been a little easier You haven't heard as much about them We've we've heard conversations about a lot of other different teams here and there But they're sort of just doing exactly what you want to do You just continue to stack up all the wins against the inferior opponents And that way you put yourself in position where you're going to get in the playoffs And now you've you've got yourself right to where you want You're going to be battling for a number one seed So um, we'll see if the Rams can do it this weekend Dave, where uh, where can we find you talking football and stuff? What's the schedule um, and, uh, for some of the shows and uh, some of the NFL content that you that you're a part of? So this is the only week with Breeders' Cup that I won't be a part of the show, but you can still catch it on TVG Thursday mornings at 8 and 8.30 Pacific time. And then uh, it, it pops up some segments on Twitter and on, on our TVG's YouTube channel. And then we show throughout the day on TVG, usually a segment or two um, from, from the show. But Thursdays is when you would catch the you know, first airing, 8 or 8.30. It's a half-hour show that, that reruns, but it's called More Ways to Win on TVG. You can follow me on Twitter at Ice Cold Exacta or Ice Cold Exacta, however you want to say it. Ice Cold, Dave, it's so cool that you guys get the opportunity to be down there and be a big part of the Breeders' Cup this year in, in years past. It's like any business, right? Some years, the network, some years, it's the Fox that gets the Super Bowl. Other years, it's CBS. You know, it's kind of been that way for, for the Breeders' Cup with horse racing. Some years, it would be one company who gets to help out and kind of make have a major presence. And with the Breeders' Cup being at Del Mar, Del Mar has been... I mean, really forever, like one of the major, major partners with TVG. TVG takes care of like 
a lot of the simulcast stuff down there with Del Mar and partnership with them. And it's just always been a like a real home away from home for TVG. So I'm I'm super excited to see that all of you guys and a lot of my old friends are going to be able to be covering those races because that was one thing that was always that always stunk. You know, it's we understand the way business works, but when you're TVG, when you're the horse racing network, the fact that you can't be you couldn't have live on site presence sometime or we wouldn't be able to really cover the Breeders' Cup races like a network like TVG should. I'm I'm always that happy to see you guys getting the opportunity to do so and it should be a real fun week for you guys coming up. Yeah, they do been doing a good job on that breakfast show early in the morning that'll run mm-hmm. um through through uh Thursday and then obviously the big days are are going to be Friday and Saturday. I'll be there. So there's an opening day on Wednesday. Um, Wednesday and Thursday are non-Breeders' Cup races, but I'll be down there Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'll be in the studio. So I actually will not be at the Breeders' Cup for the Breeders' Cup. And believe me, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. Yeah, I, you've been if before. If I was there, I would not want to be working. I would want to no, be in a fan fun. sitting mm-hmm. there drinking a beer. So I'm better off just waiting till the year that I can can do that and not have to worry about the work because those guys are going to have a long ass day. Well, uh, my man, thank you so much for hanging out. Really appreciate you jumping in. And uh, Dave Weaver, um, we will be heading to TVG.com to get all of our wagers in TVG.com. You can make uh, your bets all weekend long. Check out all the different promotions that they have. All sorts of stuff uh, every day There's you know uh, money back specials There's all sorts of uh, bet backs There's all sorts of bonuses for you know pick Fours or different kind of pools and all you have to do For those things it took me a long time to Realize that like all you have to do is just click opt in That's it you know you just go to those Promotions just click opt in boom and then You're in for a lot of them and and then There's nothing better than getting uh, Like a little email that says oh yeah here you get A credit back of ten dollars because you Your horse ran second or you get a Credit back of an extra twenty two from this Pick four sub that those are things that you Don't even think about but just click that's all it takes I don't know exactly let me see If I got sometimes I get like a little bit of a Sneak peek as to what We're going to have um, During the, the breeders cup you know we're going to Have the money back specials but I'm wondering if there's going to be some sort of a additional promo like the um, Super 5. You know, we do that where we give away money for free. They'll probably kick up. That's usually five grand. I bet they'll kick that up a, we'll, a notch we'll or two. Because we're, we're recording early in the week, too. It's Tuesday. So these things may still have to be finalized in the next day or two before they get out and get promoted. And we'll be following TVG on social media. And we'll be sending our wagers in over at TVG.com. Dave, buddy, thank you so much. It's a busy week. I know you're heading down to uh, to Del Mar, and uh, you're going to be there on Wednesday. Um, I told you that uh, I'll give you the the fee of uh, putting in a little some sort of a pick four ticket for us to uh, put together, and uh, hopefully we can split it and make thousands. Those are so those are some of my favorite days when I used to be working at Del Mar, and I'd I'd come home on Sunday nights. I'd put a ticket or two in, or if I'd had a good day, then I'd come and stop by and see you guys at Los Alamitos, play a ticket out there. That was a lot of fun, and uh, hopefully we can make a little money again this weekend. Well, you know, during Breeders' Cup, Gino. Uh, pick four could easily pay twenty grand. I mean, it's not yep. like we're we're playing for two hundred eighty dollar tickets. We're no. we're going for five figures here. So let's make it happen. Dave Weaver, ice cold. Dave Weaver, give him a follow on social media. Check out all the great football stuff they're doing over there this year too. And make sure to get the TVG.com for all of your wagering needs this weekend. Don't go anywhere, folks. We continue on uh, on this Breeders' Cup Friday. Always a great time catching up with old friends. Uh, good stuff from Dave Weaver. Uh, doubling up, helping us out 
with the Breeders' Cup race and dishing out some football analysis and a play for this weekend. Just a little uh, recap for me and and Dave both, really. We were both on uh, Miz and Scene. Super high on Miz and Scene, who got stuck in a bad spot behind. And once she got out, she was really, really impressive. She stretched her, ne- her legs nicely, and she just missed second. So I'm going to be using uh, Miz and Scene. I'm going to be using the 7, Consumer Spending in a lot of spots. The Deuce, Cairo Memories is very, very live. We mentioned the 14, California Angel. Both the 11, Howdy. And the 5, Bubble Rock would not shock me in here. The 1, Pizza Bianca. And the 10, Helen's Well wouldn't shock me either. But a lot of it's going to come down to the 13 and uh, and how I, I build tickets around her. 13 and 7 will be sort of those top, top tier for me in race number 8 on Friday. The Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies Turf. We move along and we get to the TVG Breeders' Cup Juvenile. That's going to go as race number nine on the Friday card. Joining me to talk about the TVG Breeders' Cup Juvenile. It's another uh, of those very talented broadcasters from TVG. It's Christina Blacker. We're going to go horse by horse. Actually, she helps us out with a couple different, uh, talking about a few different races uh, early. But then we focus in, we go horse by horse in a very, very fun renewal of the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Is it all about Jack Christopher? Is it Corniche? We'll let you know in just a moment with Christina. On the Friday Breeders' Cup, and now we are up to the TVG Breeders' Cup Juvenile. We're up to race number nine, so we're going to get to talk about the uh, the future stars of the sport, one of the uh, the current stars of broadcasting the sport of uh, horse racing. Christina Blacker is going to join me. Good friend, uh, someone I worked with for a long time Christina does uh, such a fantastic job over at TVG And Christina, uh, thank you so much for coming on I've been kind of mentioning it through a, a few different of the uh, interviews that I've had It's sort of like with, with the Super Bowl when every year, you know, it kind of rotates Some years it's on Fox, CBS, and it'll rotate between the big networks That's sort of how the Breeders' Cup has been with the coverage And so some years TVG gets to have an, a huge presence And then other years... Kind of more in the studio covering it This year being at Del Mar It's awesome because Del Mar has always been That like home away from home for TVG Yeah it is It's It's been wonderful We've had a really good uh, last couple of years Being sort of the network that provides The coverage yep. and players show yep. For the Breeders' Cup But going back you know 10 years or so ago I think Breeders' Cup looked at their numbers And the three years that they had the highest Overall uh, turnout from the gambling public was the three years that TVG had done the player show. So we got into a great deal with them moving forward to have this coverage pretty consistently. And I, you know, a couple of days ago, it sounds really silly, but I was here at Del Mar and we rented the same house that we rent during the summer. And I just kind of walked out towards the the front of this complex and was like looking at the ocean and realized all of my favorite people are coming to my favorite place. Right. I love Del Mar. I love so many people across the country and the world that love these horses that bring us all together. So it's, it's just the best weekend. I I don't know what else to say. I sound really cheesy, but no, but that's, that's what, these are the times when, when you do get that feeling, like I was telling you right before I had, I set up for like, I I have some sponsors that I'm loosely affiliated with and stuff, but nobody tells me how to set the shows up or what particularly to do. But I, I have 18 interviews that I set up with everyone because I'm excited. Like I didn't sleep at all very much the last couple nights. I wanted to get everything done and out. These are those days where 
you know, if you're a fan of any sport or any, uh, you know, movies when they when they're released or any kind of like genre or niche nowadays, everyone has their moment or their couple moments throughout the year, their time. And for us, this this and the Triple Crown races, this is our time when you can talk to everybody. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's out early at the track, excited. You can just you can kind of feel that energy in the air so much in these weeks. It's it's just such a fun time to be a fan of racing. Yeah, it really is, and and the buildup kind of really swells each and every day. Mm-hmm. You know, Wednesday morning, looking at the horses on the track, uh, there were more horses on track than I had seen this entire week, and it's going to be even more on Thursday, I'm sure. And so it's just the momentum coming into the weekend. It feels like a snowball. It just sort of rolls into the two best days of racing of the year. And the race that we're going to talk about particularly coming up is the uh, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, sponsored by TVG. And this is Always just one of the most interesting races Come Breeders' Cup weekend Because you're looking at horses who Some of them are going to be in the Kentucky Derby next year Hopefully a lot of these horses will be In the the Triple Crown races And in big prep races moving forward So right off the bat we get to see these horses That we're going to Really if we haven't been yet We're going to start to follow along And start to follow their progress Where they come back out of this race And then it's just such a cool it feels like a, a, the battle of some of the real best that we've seen so far, which is what the Breeders' Cup was always meant to be. We've got a big field. We've got some good horses from the east. We've got from the west. We've got horses from all over. And it's just – this is like when I thought about Breeders' Cup and what it's supposed to be. I've said this about a few different races. I think the Classic and I think the Distaff this year and the Juvenile are very much all in that like this is what a Breeders' Cup race is supposed to be. Yeah, it is. And, and, you know, coming off last year where it was so difficult for everybody to do any kind of traveling and whatnot, mm-hmm. I think looking at this year, we had, I believe, 56 international shippers. It was actually the strongest turnout they've ever had yeah. from international horses. And, you know, credit to the Breeders' Cup for making sure that was possible, especially here in the States. The company that flies horses is Tech Sutton, and they lost their contract with the company that they were contracting the actual airplanes with earlier this year. So flying horses east to west, west to east has been very difficult through 2021. And the Breeders' Cup actually chartered two of their own FedEx planes to get these horses here. One of them came on the 31st with all of the horses from New York. One came on the 1st with all of the horses from Kentucky. So they went to extreme measures to make sure that anybody that wanted to be here to compete was able to do so. Okay, Christina, before we get into the juvenile, I want to ask you this right now so I don't forget. Dan, how how do we feel about Dan coming into the, the Breeders' Cup this year? I honestly think that Hit the Road has got a legitimate shot. I like I thought I like the race he's coming out of. It honestly, if you go back and watch the replays, it looks like I do I think Florence is an awesome rider. To me, what his strength is is usually getting horses on the lead and on the front end. And I think the the switch May really help him He just kind of got beat unfortunately And he had to wait for Mo Forza to go And then move after him Tell us how you feel about Hit the Road's chances Kind of coming in I wanted to make sure I, we we discussed him first real quick So I didn't forget Yeah he's had some tough trips right? Unlucky. But I think that for him A full field is going to be a good thing Because I think he'll get a little bit of pace to run at mm-hmm. And I think for 
all of the horses in there, you know, Space Blues is going to get a lot of attention. I think he's going to be your favorite come post time, but I'm a big thoroughgraph player. I think the mile is one of the more evenly matched groups of horses that we have on the yep. entire weekend. And I think it really is going to come down to trip and that the riders are going to make a big difference. Yep. And it feels like that some of the times when the really good horses from Europe come over in the the turf or the Philly and mare turf or even some of the juvenile turf races, they feel like they're a little bit more experienced and sometimes just a little more seasoned against top top competition. The mile is kind of that equalizer because in and in the sprint the sprints too because we the American contingent and the North American horses can use their speed a lot more as a weapon. Then then and that's a little different than a lot of the European horses are used to. And so sometimes you can get like I'm fascinated in what the pace in that race is going to be like. And I literally it, most of the time in some of the divisions right now, the the California turf horses, I think in, in some of those distance divisions may not be quite as strong as some of the divisions elsewhere or the shippers. But with the milers, all of those California horses are honest. Mo Forza's very good. Smooth light straight is excellent. Hit the road is super legit. I really think all three of them have a good opportunity and they get that kind of home court advantage too. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think that when you start looking at any of the turf races, you have to remember that Del Mar is one of the shortest turf stretches that we have in North America. It's 919 feet. It's a lot shorter than many, many other turf courses. And for the Euros, shorter than anything they're used to. And I personally have a hard time betting horses coming from Woodbine, even though that racing is so good and it's always grade one competition. The Woodbine stretch is the longest that so, we have in North America. So, different. so I'm, I'm looking at horses that, you know, certainly are this is their home or horses that are coming from Monmouth or from Gulfstream, horses that are handy and agile enough mm -hmm. to compete over this type of course, there's a filly in the, and I know we're talking the juvenile, but I was going to say, yeah. help no, go ahead, there's go a ahead, filly please. in the juvenile fillies turf by the name of Malavath that is so fast. She's tiny, she's light, she's handy. She's going to be a price, and I think she is going to love California. There's a few horses like that that I think you can find sort of based on their physical makeup to thrive in this situation. And uh, we are getting some bonus coverage here from Christina, which is absolutely great. I had to pick her brain a little on Hit the Road. And if you follow Christina on Twitter at Christina Blacker, B-L-A-C-K-R, you can get tons of up-to-date information. You'll get stuff from Christina heading up to the next few days. She's also doing me a favor by helping me record super early. We're talking Wednesday, so lots of things can change in, in just the next few days as uh, we jump into the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. And we won't have to go very far to see one of the most impressive juveniles that we've seen so far. He is installed as the morning line favorite in here. Definitely uh, the best of the East so far. He's very quick. He can track just off the pace. Drawing the inside, you know, that could always be an issue in a big field, especially with youngsters, but less less as much the farther that you go. Jack Christopher, pretty, pretty tough to knock what he's done so far. Yeah, I really like this horse, Gino. I, I would have preferred him in a better post position. I think we all would have, but... Uh, he's one of the fastest two-year-olds of the last four or five years, if you follow the buyer speed figures. Mm -hmm. He has not gone two turns yet, so that's the question. He does have the win in the champagne around the one-turn mile. But the way he runs and the way he finishes his races, I don't think it's going to be any kind of problem for him. I also think he is, is going to be sitting on a new career best in here. You know, Chad Brown brought good magic to Del Mar in 2017. He ran a new career top that day. I think the same is going to be true for Jack Christopher. I actually spoke to Chad a couple of days ago, and he said this is the one of the most talented two-year-olds I've ever had.
and he he doesn't really talk like that that much. You know, there are some people who are a little bit more boastful about, and, and we kind of hear sometimes there's always one of the best ever, but he's not usually he keeps he, he's not usually like that. So th- I have zero knocks on this horse whatsoever, uh, honestly. And and of uh, if if him and Corniche are remotely close in price, I don't really have knocks on Corniche, but I would just much prefer. Um, Jack Christopher he he took a nice step forward and Corniche just if you're playing on speed figures and stuff did regress a little bit from start one to start two I mean he was so good in start one that it was going to be kind of hard to step forward but he did you know he looked fine getting the job done there's no knocks on him we're kind of going inside to outside here but those are the two that kind of you got to start the race with as far as a wagering perspective because they're going to be two of the short price horses and Jack, I, I think I've just been a little more impressed with him. Yeah, I'm with you. I definitely agree. I think Corniche, what I like about him is the fact that, you know, they've thrown a lot at him to debut mm-hmm. at five and a half furlongs and then to stretch all the way out to the mile on the 16th. That's a lot yep. to debut from the outside post, 10 of 10, and then to come back from the inside post from the rail in that first route race. That's a lot. You know, he's he's definitely shown some talent, but if you look at those early fractions in the American Pharaoh, I mean, 23 and two, 47 and one, that's not that fast for a horse like this. That's not no. that fast for a Bob Baffert horse. So no. yeah, he went on any one, but he should have. So yeah. I, I think he's a good horse. Don't get me wrong. And he definitely could win and he's much better drawn, but I don't think that he has quite shown any brilliance just yeah. yet. No. And he was very buzzy. And then the first race, it looked like it, but he, Jack, like you said, he the other favorite, Jack Christopher, has been one of the better horses that we've seen coming into this juvenile in a while. And I don't think if they're just remotely close in price, like the way I would like to play this race is probably either you know exotically. If you this would be one of the favorites because I think there are some vulnerable short price favorites this weekend that some people might just say I'm going to single and move on. This one would be one that uh, and that I actually wouldn't mind singling because I do think Corniche. Is going to take enough of the money that it's not going to be like Jack Christopher is such an overwhelming favorite here in in some of the pools and stuff like that. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think you're definitely right. He's not going to get hammered like Gamine will. He's not or going to get Latruska maybe like even that. or, or Jackie Warrior. You know, he'll yeah. probably be a favorite, but not not severely overbet. And the uh, yeah, they will go through this this uh, field a little bit. The, the the horse right next door, Jasper Great. Is a horse who last raced in Japan But actually has some American breeding It is great to see so much Of the uh, the Japanese influence In here too and I, I'm not sure Jasper Great's particular chances In this race it's, it's always so hard for me To get a feel for where these horses stack up On the dirt on the grass I think I give them a lot better opportunity And we see a very very Live runner coming from Japan In the Philly and Amer turf race that I think has a big Shot in there it's I just to me, when I think of like dirt racing in the U.S., it's so fast early, and the fractions—it's just so much different. I, the international dirt races sometimes they even have a tough time keeping up with the U.S. I just I can't get a feel for where he stacks up. Yeah, I'm with you. It's hard. It, it, it you know that debut race was at a mile and an eighth too. I mean, we're cutting back in distance at the mile and a sixteenth, and you don't really know who he faced that day. He basically overwhelmed inferior competition, is what it looks like. Um, but it's a sporting gesture to bring him yeah. here and I'm intrigued to see what he does, but I'm with you. I think loves only you in the Philly mayor turf is Japan's best chance of the weekend. Yep. yep. Jasper great is uh 
son of Arrogate, and he's actually a half to a horse named Power Broker, who was fifth in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile in 2013 and was second in the Haskell, won the Indiana Derby. The dam of his actually won at Belmont and at Prairie Meadows. So all the American breeding and stuff there, it's just it's so hard when they haven't had that race of experience. And if he's 15 to one, I'd probably want double or triple triple that to be to be honest. So I I think he will float up a little bit um, off of that. And a horse like Ovia Class always got to give credit to the the Desormo contingent and what they've done and showed through the years that they can do with these young horses and horses that are uh, kind of similar to Ovia Class. He he kind of has an exaggerator feel to him and kind of a look to him. I don't think that necessarily he he can go on to be as good. That was a really nice horse, but he just he's a horse who took a few starts. Then when he stretched out on the on the dirt, he was. Much improved and he ran pretty well Last time out in a race where Like you said it it was a race where Corniche is supposed to win that race it wasn't exactly Like there was a ton of pace for this guy To, to run into Yeah I think Ovi at class you know What really is in his favor is That day of the American Pharaoh Nobody was closing at all Not just in that race but I mean on the Entire program he's one of the Only horses that actually Finished that day and if you're a gallop out Person he did pass Corniche and Papa Cap on the gallop out. So I think he's a little better than 20 to one, what they're giving him credit for. Yep. And I think he is going to come with his run and, and could very well get a piece of it. If, and if you're playing this race, you know, where you like uh, Jack Christopher, and then you're looking for some price horses to use underneath, this is definitely one of them, especially with his running style, because he he's going to come and pass some horses. He needs the race shape to get a good chunk of it, but there are going to be some horses that, don't want to go this far or maybe they get caught up in the pace and they back up he will be passing them just how many will he pass i think he's a fun bottom of exotics horse for connections that we know are super capable of winning really really big races um the the Dormos with the uh, oviate class we get to pop a cap who's another local uh, southern california horse he won the grade 2 best pal at del mar came back in the futurity was behind pinehurst then was behind corniche last time out uh all of these barns and, and connections are top notch. Though this one is for Mark Cassie, very very nice two year old son of Gunrunner. I don't, I, I'm not sure. I just I don't. There's this is something that I've probably said throughout my uh, interviews five thousand times. But it's it, and this is what you're gonna say to and think about a lot of horses in the Breeders' Cup. I don't have any knocks on him. His second last time out was fine. But if I'm not quite as high on the Corniche. Race and I think he's going to be Probably sitting the trip like of that Corniche race I actually like you said I kind of upgraded Oviat class as one Who almost closed into second For Papa against Papa Cap and Papa Cap was just kind of sitting and, and Just kind of kind of sat the trip all the way Around and kind of fell into second Yeah the one thing I'll say about Papa Cap is I think he's Had a little more trouble in his last two races than It first appears the Dumb mm-hmm. 30 Was just a mess for yep. him that Was two starts back he ducked in coming away from the starting gate. He had the rail post that absolutely killed him. And then he ended up boxed in behind horses and just had nowhere to go. And he kind of got in a little bit of a fight with Joe Bravo. He just got really aggressive and hated that yeah. spot. So he ends up fourth across the wire. But I think, you know, he, it was a lot for a young horse. It was a really tough trip. He needs to be to the outside. And I think because of that, Bravo kept him outside in the American Pharaoh and he gave up a little bit of ground just trying to keep the horse comfortable. He was sort of stuck uh, in between a rock and a hard place. The good thing is he did take a pretty good step forward on his thoroughgraph figures at the route. And because of that wide trip, it's kind of one of those concealed figures that you might mm-hmm. not notice as much. Yep. So I, I think he's, I, he wouldn't shock me if he won, I guess is the yeah. 
point of it because he's had so much trouble. Papa Cap is uh, the number four at 15 to one on the morning line. We move along to the five double thunder who is 21 on the morning line. He's coming off a runner up effort in the breeders futurity. He was behind rattle and roll who would have been in this race, but had to be uh, removed from the entries uh, right before. So the blinkers on for double thunder and he has uh, he's won a graded stakes race, the Bashford Manor back at Churchill in June. And he's, you know, his two races going long. He won uh, a stakes over at Monmouth Park, and then he was second in the Breeders' Futurity over at Keeneland. I just didn't get the feel that the – I mean, Jack Christopher and just on numbers and figures, and I think maybe even the horse who came behind him felt pretty, pretty good as sort of the top tier. And we kind of see this. You know, when it comes to derby derby season, a lot of the times where there might be one of the circuits or two of the circuits that seem like they're a little tougher than some of the others when it comes to the prep races. I'm not sure how strong that particular race was for uh, this year's Breeders' Futurity. Yeah, with Double Thunder, he looks to me like a horse that was pretty forward at two. He has those two wins, the maiden breaking score, the Bashford Manor victory. But then he hasn't really... Improved enough mm-hmm. to keep up with this class. Yep. Well, it's kind of like the precocious, like yeah, re- ready early to beat up on bit. everyone. But then when they kind of grow up a little bit more, you're just kind of in the same spot. I feel that yeah, very similar. We see that with a lot of these horses who are good really early on and too. And what's good is that um, th- that's what sort of the Kentucky Derby points system was brought into kind of eliminate some of those horses for maybe qualifying horses that were really really good early on in their careers and may not have may not be. The right horses that you want in a derby field Heading into that race He kind of gets that feel in here Not that he can't run well Or you know pick up a slice or hit the board And actually with the, a running style As his last couple where he's actually came come from off of it I could absolutely see him in the bottom of some exotics But I don't He would need things to go so right for him to win And I, and I feel like he would need Maybe three or four others To really not take to the track Maybe get in some traffic It would It would be a lot for me to see him in the winner's circle yeah, I agree. I, I think you're right. I think he's, you know, honest, but not quite uh, keeping up. And it would have to take a couple of them just really not firing for him to upset. American Sanctuary was actually behind him in the uh, Breeders Futurity last time out, and actually behind him in the Sapling at Monmouth two starts back. He ended up last, and he was actually. In a little bit tight he was sort of checked out of a spot He did have some legitimate trouble He was kind of buried down on the inside And he moved up nicely Four lengths off he was looking for room It was it was actually a pretty decent Fourth th- despite all of that Trouble there and While he's a, a little bit of a cut Below on figures and stuff I think with just His running style I'm not going to have him In, in pl- spots to win He might be the longest shot in the field in here I can, I'm definitely going to throw him in the third And four spots of tries especially if you're Playing those tries with someone like Jack Christopher On top Yeah I would agree with that and I think he looked like a horse that was The most comfortable when he was kind of Out in the clear mm-hmm. so I would be looking for Florent Giroux just to drop Back kind of see what happens as far as the pace With some of the other ones and then Swing out and see if if he has The kick to catch a piece of it And pick up a check I believe we saw Dale Romans interviewing Mike Joyce over the last couple of days. Was that? Oh, right? I missed yeah. that one. <laughs> I think I think I saw that out there somewhere. Uh, he's got the Giant Game coming up as one of the uh, the long shots in here, and Giant Game is coming off of a maiden breaking score over at Keelan, so he's going to be tested quite a bit for you know class in here. And he showed some speed. He'll probably he was kind of handled like a horse that they thought was pretty good. They just sort of handled him aggressively, and I do think he's got 
plenty of talent. They they paid five hundred thousand for him. He's bred very very well. This is just a lot to ask facing a couple really nice horses in here, and then a lot of other pretty good horses that are just much more experienced than him. Yeah, he pressed kind of a slow pace, and then when he switched leads, he finished really strong with that three length victory. But he should have, you know, yeah. there wasn't really any excuse not to finish that way. So he hasn't done anything wrong, but these are much deeper waters. So I think that we haven't seen his best, which is a good thing. He's going to be a huge price, but it is going to be a pretty significant step up in class for him here. So in the eight and the nine, we have a couple of Baffert runners right next door to each other. And what makes a race like this sort of difficult where you have you know, three Baffert horses who are all really, really talented. Two of them are grade one winners that have shown good speed. And the other one broke his maiden last time out and sat really close to the pace in doing so. It's always just kind of trying to project where they're going to be sitting. You know, it, these two horses are both quick. Their best chances to win would probably be, you know, right on the front end or close to it. Pinehurst is a grade one winner. He won the Del Mar Futurity and then they decided to, uh, skip the next prep, which would have been the American Pharaoh for him, and he wanted to train up to this race fresh. So, uh, a nice strong hand for Baffert in here with uh, Barossa, with Pinehurst to the outside with Corniche, all of whom are are live. It's just so difficult, I guess, trying to project the the pace between the three of them. Yeah, I of the three Bafferts, I actually like Barossa the best. The eight, I think and I do too. Yeah, really battled in that. Maiden win. I mean, it was a stable mate actually that he was dueling with, Durante. But those two were nine and a quarter lengths clear of the rest of the field. So whereas he hasn't faced, you know, the graded stakes level yet, I think he has a little bit more experience than mm-hmm. some of them because he's really kind of been out there in a fight. Um, he earned a strong thoroughgraph figure for that, actually a better figure than you'll see from Pinehurst or from Cornish in his last race. Mm-hmm. And he has the route experience. I think Pinehurst is going to be just fine going two turns. He has two sprints under his belt, five furlongs, then a seven furlong elongated sprint in that grade one Del Mar Futurity. He's a son, son of twirling candy and they love the added ground. He's out of a giant's causeway mare. And he's also very big, which I think is a mark of sort of the really good twirling candy offspring. Some of them just have a lot of size to them and he's one of them. So I, I think he's going to stretch out just fine, but I, I, of the three Bafferts, I just keep finding myself coming back to Barossa. I, I agree. And you know what? He doesn't fit. I, I think the reason why I like one of the reasons why I, I like him a little bit too is that he doesn't fit that template of a normal Baffert type horse. He didn't take a lot of money first time out of the box. He 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 wasn't all that incredible first time out of the box at all. He didn't show a ton of speed. Even in his second start, he he was better. He improved, but he didn't get didn't take a ton of money in that race either. But he took a step forward and he Everything isn't so linear where I think we get so used to Baffert horses and some of these really good trainers just immediately sending everything out and they're going to be great right away. But every horse is a little bit different and some of them just take a little while to get going. They need that experience that a sprint race and then one race going long will give you more than what they're gaining in the mornings, even even with someone like Baffert who can train a horse in the mornings off of long layoffs can get them ready for for anything. Um, he, he, I think that's, he just doesn't look like a normal Baffert horse, you know? Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. And, and maybe not a late bloomer. I don't know if that's fair to say, because we're here in the juvenile, but you know, just a little bit later Mm -hmm. than some of the others that we saw kind of earlier in the season. 
Yep, it's not. It's just well, I, I try to repeat. It's not always so linear. It's not always A plus B equals C. Sometimes it's one step forward, two steps back, and you keep progressing. I like the way this one has progressed. And Pinehurst, Grade One winner, very talented, right next door. Just a couple more horses to get through with Christina Blacker here as we get to Command Performance, who. It's tough to knock what he's done in his career debut. He had a really bad start, and it was a race that was in the slop, and he still ran very, very well. The race came back alive already, producing a next out winner. And then Command Performance comes back and runs in the champagne, and he was taken back. He was fifth, about three deep. He was four off, and he just got, he was outrun a little bit. Early in that race he was about seven lengths off And then once he started to get Going late he closed very well He earned an extremely nice Figure and so that was a big step forward For him this is going to be his Real first two turn race also Because he comes out of that same champagne Behind Jack Christopher but He's he's really nice and if If the speeds do hook up If Jack Christopher and maybe Corniche And one of the other Bafferts go And we get some speed from a couple of the others who wouldn't be a shock, you know, for them wanting to be forwardly placed. He may benefit the most. Yeah, I think that he he looked like he was grinding a little bit and then just kind of hit his best stride late mm-hmm. in the champagne, which is a really good thing for the additional distance that he faces and the added two turns. I think he's going to be even better around two turns. And for a maiden, as you point out, with the sloppy track and, and kind of the tough trip last out, he's pretty battle-tested for him. Yeah. When you look at the 5-1 to one morning line price, uh, they're giving him a lot of respect already, and you can understand why Todd Pletcher put him in the race. So he definitely has a, a bit of a look, and he might want to pull a good magic and mm-hmm. his maiden in style. Exactly. Not a bad way to get into the winner's circle for the first time. Right next door is one of the longer shots in the field, Tough to Tame, who comes out of a runner-up effort in the Iroquois last time out, one of the uh, the prep races over at Churchill Down. So, you know, Tough to Tame was in tight right away and had to back out of a spot and just didn't seem to be a fan of being down on the inside. So drawn outside today, probably won't have to deal with the being down inside. They'll probably keep her or keep him towards the outside. He was in the second flight. He angled out. He was dead aim, but he just kind of, he did have a little, little trouble early on, but at the top of the lane, he had dead aim striking range and he kind of drifted and he just missed. I think that was a race. He probably should have won. Um, could he, you know, hit the board in here, pick up a piece, I think, but I have him graded sort of a top a tier below some of the top contenders. Yeah. I think he has a lot of class and I think he showed that in the Iroquois, but I think as a son of Spitester, I think he's, I think he might be better around one turn. Mm-hmm. He one of those horses that we just, you know, look at later on down next year. And he could be, he could be a one turn type. I mean, go back to his debut. He was second behind one timer. Yep. who's three for three. And you will see in the juvenile turf sprint earlier on the day. So I think his one turn form has me a little more excited than his chances at two turns in the race this weekend. And we finish up with Courtney issue. We've talked about a little bit, but he was a, a easy winner in his debut earned a big, if you're just looking at buyer speed figures here at a 98 buyer speed figure. And then when he stretched out from five and a half to a mile and a 16th, which Christina did notice or uh, did a reference earlier. It's not easy to do that. There was the, usually you'll get a, a race of progression somewhere in between a six, six and a half, a seven, but going from five and a half to a mile and a 16th. So maybe we can give him a little bit of, uh, you know, okay, he didn't get as big of a figure. Maybe it was a little more difficult for him to to get that distance impressively. But I I don't know. I just the way the race is going to shape up. I you you kind of hit it. I don't think he's one of those 
speed demons who's just so fast he's going to clear everybody from the outside and and if he doesn't get that kind of a trip i, I prefer you know maybe he's not going to get stuck inside like like jack christopher but he he may be hooked pretty pretty wide and if he's not been all that he wasn't all that impressive going long if he's going to be giving up a bunch of ground in here for one of the shorter prices in here i i think i'd prefer the two east coast horses who i think will probably end up being the first and the third choice in here Instead of Corniche. Yeah, I think so. I, I think one thing that oh, about the Bob Baffert horses, as fast as they are and as often as they win on the lead, they're generally not runoff types. They don't grab no. the bit and they don't want to get into a speed duel. They rate if you ask them to. And I think that's because he works them in mm-hmm. companies so much. They're used to being in that position in the morning and they're just really well schooled. So I think Mike Smith has a lot of flexibility from the post position to the outside. I think Jack Christopher is committed from the inside, but I just ultimately think Jack Christopher is a better horse. Yeah, I do too. And it's going to be a, a really fun edition of the TVG Breeders' Cup Juvenile. So from a uh, wagering standpoint, is this a horse who, you know, if you're playing Maltese, you probably single on, you put Jack on top of others, or how would, how would you look to play this race? Yeah, I think so, actually. I think I feel that strongly about him. I, I, I don't think yeah. there's many horses this weekend that I'm going to say that about. Um, Jackie's Warrior is another one, but I think those are the two for me, Jackie's Warrior and Jack Christopher, that I would feel strongly enough to single them in their respective races. You kind of just look at if after him, the next kind of tier of horses, and I'm not as high on Corniche. I do, I will have some command performance in some spots because there are versions of this race where they go really quick and he's the one that gets the trip, but I just got a feeling Jack Christopher ends up. Getting a really nice trip from the inside and maybe just kind of stalking, sitting second or third, and just showing that he he is best right now. And um, and then we can you know try to make some money with using some horses underneath. Um, th- plenty of horses throughout that we uh, we gave a little love to. One like Barossa, who could absolutely be forgotten about a little bit, even with the the Baffert connections, just because he doesn't look quite as sexy or fit that Baffert running profile. I wouldn't be shocked if he is the you no know, the longest price of the Bafferts in here, which he he is on the morning line. So. Yeah, a good race, full field. Some horses that we're going to get an opportunity to watch now, hopefully for uh, the next few months moving forward as they make their way to the Kentucky Derby. Christina, let us know again uh, some of the things that you have uh, coming up this week. This is Wednesday when we're recording, so a lot of people will probably hear this Wednesday night into Thursday. Um, what will you be doing specifically uh, for your Breeders' Cup coverage? And we're all going to get the TVG.com for uh, for all of our wagering needs and everything. Uh, any other Breeders' Cup preview show, stuff like that you want to plug? Yeah, we'll be finishing out the breakfast show. So the last uh, breakfast of the Breeders' Cup show is on Thursday morning. And then the Players' Show is Thursday afternoon racing, straight through Friday and Saturday as well. And then we have one really exciting thing this year that TVG has uh, gained access to Twitter's overall platform. That's for the undercard races on Friday and Saturday. So that's probably the biggest audience that we will have throughout the weekend. So we really focus on... Uh, taking that opportunity to try and teach some new fans and hopefully gain some new fans. Everybody that's young that's out there is holding their cell phones these days. So if uh, horse racing is popped right up there and, and sent to them over championship weekend, hopefully we can gain some new gamblers out there. I've got to say, I've, uh, I've, I've known you and I've worked with you and uh, and you're definitely someone who's fun, but I don't know if a lot of people had seen the side of you recently that they've seen on the TikToks and stuff. And I'm so glad that, that, that you're having so, so much fun with those. Cause you do, you are, you are one taking those 
like having fun but two those are some some nice little routines some good dances you're doing really well like i i'm laughing i've been showing some of my friends and sending them around those are great and that's the kind of thing you were just mentioning with the the younger people that we always want to make sure we're we're getting the younger people involved we're thinking about things that are interesting to them tiktok is massive right now um, literally, my son milo somehow gets on the tiktok and I, he'll be just laughing I'm like, how did you pull something like that up? And he's watching some random TikTok videos. But I got to give you praise. You you have done a great job with them. They're funny. I've seen Mike doing some of those videos with you. Gabby dancing around with you. Michelle, you. So shout out to to everyone who's been having fun with those. Thank you. I appreciate it. We're we're trying to uh, stay creative and keep it relevant, so we can get as many people just excited about this weekend as possible. Christina, thank you, and uh, tell uh, the folks over at TVG really appreciate uh, that they uh, they were able to have you come on. I know you guys are so busy and you have so much stuff going on. We wanted to definitely get somebody great from TVG to cover the TVG Breeders' Cup Juvenile, one of the biggest races of the weekend. So we'll be following along with you on social media, and uh, we'll be watching on Twitter. We'll be wagering over at TVG.com, and um, we uh, we look forward to let's get hit let's get hit the road in the uh, the winter circle too. That'd be nice, right? Yeah, it's going to be a great weekend. Really looking forward to it. Thanks, Gina. So nice to uh, catch up with Christina and with Dave, a couple of friends that I worked with uh, for many years at TVG. Can you believe it's already been like six? I left in the middle of 2015, almost six and a half years. That is a long time. I'm getting old. Uh, but thank you so much to Christina and today for helping us out. All weekend long, you're going to see a major presence from TVG at the Breeders' Cup. They're going to be a big part of the broadcast, and they are going to be the uh, the home for the wagering. As Christina mentioned, they are going to have uh, control of uh, getting the live stream on Twitter, which is going to be great too. So lots of people will be uh, having their eyes and ears on TVG. Make sure to get to TVG.com for all of your wagering needs this weekend. Big shout-out again, and a thank you to Christina and to Dave for helping us out as we move along to the main event for Friday. They actually change it around. Usually it would be the the juvenile that would end up going off as the Friday feature, but this year on Friday it's going to be the juvenile turf, and Ren Carruthers is going to join us. Ren does such a fantastic job covering young horses, juveniles, and in particular, she's so good with the pedigree information that I, I thought this was a great race and talking about some of the younger turf horses with Ren, we get to really expand on pedigree stuff. We go for a long time here. Same thing that we've we've been doing horse by horse all the way through as uh, we really deep dive the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. Ren Carruthers joins for a horse by horse look at race number 10 on the Friday Breeders' Cup card. Time for the Friday main event. We are up to the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf, and they sort of flip things around. Normally, it's the Breeders' Cup Juvenile that would be the sort of the feature race on Breeders' Cup Friday, but people were sort of wondering why they did this, and I'm not exactly sure why, but I will tell you, from a betting perspective, this is a fantastic race, and uh, I'm I'm very excited about our next guest, who you've heard on this show many, many times. You've heard her um, in different places covering the races. She does an excellent job anywhere you see her doing stuff for Breeders' Cup, doing stuff over at Tampa, and I'm talking about Ren Carruthers, who is, is really keyed into when it comes to juvenile and really comes to pedigree, so what better than a bunch of juvenile turf runners where we get the chance, Ren, to talk about all of some of those things that uh, that you really uh, enjoy. Thank you so much for <laughs> hanging out with us. How are you doing? Oh, gosh, thank you so much, uh, Gino. I want to just call you G all the time, you know, Go gangster ahead. and all. Absolutely. But... <laughs> 
<laughs> but, but I got to tell you, like, first of all, it's like, well, thank you because you're right. It's a, it's an incredible betting race. But at the same time, dear goodness, it is it is immensely difficult. I could make a case for every single horse in here. Obviously, we're not going to go over every one, but it it's it's that it's that tough, I think. And I you really, I think, if you're playing any of the you know uh, the your your uh, sequences throughout the card, I, I think you're really going to have to pick your spots elsewhere and spread here. Yeah, because this is a race where. If you were lucky enough to get through whatever legs in your pick four, pick five, pick six, and you and you're closing out here, you're you're gonna hope that you've got as many opportunities to, to get this thing closed because, like you said, you are not gonna feel all that confident in a race that has, is it a lukewarm four to one favorite that Dubai right. legend is installed at, and I mean. That's a tough post from post 14 For a horse who's going to be a short price And who only has three career starts Very very lightly raced But like you said There's no knocks on his form overall That's just That's that's a tough It's going to be a different ball game Being hung out wide in, in the sort of American style racing Oh yeah for sure I, And you're going to be going a, a no bit further You're going to be going around two turns This is a two turn mile And I mean <laughs> The the thing is with Dubai We Legend, obviously you're coming out of that group, you know, having Group One class getting second place, just two lengths uh, beaten ultimately by an undefeated, really, really uh, well meant racehorse named Native Trail, who's actually trained by Charlie Charlie Appleby as well. Um, and so no shame in losing to him. And then prior to that, you were defeated, you know. The, Pretty well, four and a quarter lengths uh, back in third behind Royal Patronage in the Group Three Acom Stakes. But yeah, lightly raced. I mean, I'm actually very curious, to be honest with you, in, in terms of the. It's hard to say short priced horses, right? Because like right, said, no, yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> um, shorter, shortish yeah, of the prices. <laughs> but like you know, speaking of Charlie Appleby, you know, he's got Albar in here who got his ticket punched in the Group One Summer Stakes. And that was after hopping at the start. It wasn't, I don't think, quite as dramatic as the the Philly and the Natalma Wild Beauty mm-hmm, I agree. first start. Yeah, but I mean, it was still something to overcome. And that horse was coming in, obviously, in great form. That was his fourth consecutive victory. And I actually thought Grafton Street, in just making the second start of his career for Mark Cassie, actually ran really well in the summer stakes, considering that... Um, it, it it was not an easy trip for him. He had to go wide a bit. And I thought he was closing very well. The ground was listed as good that day. Then he comes back and yeah, I know they kind of had to work at him to, to well, not really, I guess that's not fair either, but he only did win, you know, even being, <laughs> I like him. No, I, yeah. you know, the, the race to me that you were starting to hit on and, and was the summer, even that was the one that jumped out even more to me than he when he came back that day. Actually. Yeah. And he was good. he, Early on too he was in a little tight Down inside he was like 7th about 6 lengths off and then he moved to the 2 path he got Bounced around he was sort of searching For room and then that's when he had to Kind of angle out uh, wider And he closed really well to finish second In in a race where he just he didn't Get the kind of trip that he needed that was His first start in a few months that was his first Start going long that was his First start green in the lane on the Turf there were a lot of reasons to think He has much upside Off of that Mark Cassie's been very successful in races like this too. He's get, he has as good of a feel for you know someone with a big barn with horses stabled all over the place at yeah. many different tracks. He knows where they stack up really well, and 
I, I would not be shocked. Grafton Street is going to be on a lot of my exotics. Oh, definitely. And you've also got that Breeders' Cup head cred in there because, uh, you know, well, he's by Warfront, but then going to that female family. And obviously, we know how well Warfront's done, you know, as a sire, period. But um, that being said, Grafton Street's dam, Lahinch Classics, daughter of Galileo. And then she's a three-quarter sister to a horse named Lascana. And you might be like, well, who the heck is that? But Lascana is the dam of 2015's Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf champion. Hit it a bomb. Nice. So, and that's kind of fun, too, because then that brings you into talking about Tis, Tis the Bomb. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Who, what is, yeah. I know. What has this one done wrong? Uh, not a whole heck of a lot in the, the four career races. This one has uh, won three of them. That's the number four, Tis the Bomb. And he's a perfect, over, yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. perfect two for two on the turf. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, and, and he's done it overcoming adversity, too. And I like that he, he seems to be versatile in, in his running style. Right, the um, last three. If you just look at the running lines of his his three wins, they're all different. Yeah. It, yeah. All going long, and they're all different. He goes wire to wire in one. <laughs> another where he comes from a lot farther back, and then another where he is sitting like a much more tactical trip. And then on top of it, look at his work tab. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean this this is a horse who's got cons- considerable turn of foot obviously in that i mean if he could he put in a half back on september 18th in 46 and 4 which i mean yeah yeah so i mean this horse and not only that but you've got so much stamina in the pedigree and a lot of ped cred regarding the breeders cup because again your son hit it a bomb who to reiterate won the 2015 breeders cup juvenile turf um son of the aforementioned warfront damn here Tis the key by Tis now, who won the Breeders' Cup Classic twice, and then the second dam's a daughter of AP Indy, who classic champion and Hall of Famer also. And in fact, not to make it sound incestuous, but this dam Tis the key, her family is actually responsible for producing AP Indy on top of it. So it's a very, very classy pedigree, and I mean this the uh, dynamic style in which this horse. Uh, has I mean he's he's able to adapt I think it makes him very dangerous and I think he could certainly jump up buyer wise the horse right next door slipstream was oh, one yeah. who um was uh, yeah um was one who she um uh, he uh, slipstream was actually entered in in cross entered he could have run in the the turf sprint but they decided to opt for the the longer race even though we have never seen him go long before from does that something that concerns you that he doesn't have the experience going long against a bunch of other horses who have have some races going longer. The thing that struck me, I'm going to say no with him, even though obviously when we look at the fact that he's out of a stormy Atlantic mirror, we may think, oh, well, maybe the, the sprint would have been more preferable, the, the juvenile turf sprint. But this horse has a, it looks to me, I've never seen him in person, so I don't want to act like I know. But from what I can tell watching his replay, it looks like he's got some nice long legs. It looks like he's built to go a bit longer. And it looks like he's got um, plenty of stamina in terms of just breath control and whatnot. He's very professional. He's very Mm -hmm. struck by the fact that he was willing to go inside and weave his way out. And it didn't look like he was being gotten into at all. It looked like it was kind of natural. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like he wanted to do it. He wanted to move forward. And we know also just the sire power of more than ready, especially when you think about in terms of the Breeders Cup World Championships, no sire's progeny have amassed more wins than more than ready. He's got his uh, babies racking up seven wins. And that includes 
uh, juvenile turf champions, like uh, you had Pluck win in 2010. You had more than real win the juvenile turf, juvenile, juvenile, juvenile Phillies turf. There we go. <laughs> that same year for Bobby Flay. And you also had um, rushing fall win the juvenile Phillies turf in 2017. And uh, I mean, he's got other winners as well. I mean, Uni, obviously, we know she won the mile over the boys. Um, but yeah, I, I think that this is a horse to me. I don't think this, he's not going to lose because of distance. No. It looks, no. Okay. Yeah. So I, that's why it's getting so hard because you want it. Yeah. You want to try to trim people off being like, well, maybe you're vulnerable here or maybe you're vulnerable there, but he did, he looked like he did it so easily. And you do see Rosario sticking aboard. He's um, not going to be a short price either. He's going to be no. 10 to one ish. You know, it's no. not like we're, it's it's one thing with with horses where you want to sort of like uh, critique them a little bit if they're going to be shortish prices, but that's what makes this race difficult too. Like we said, everybody's going to be such an appealing price that if they are in that five six to one or above range, then it's like, well, yeah, there there are a few things to knock, but damn, they're going to still pay us twelve or thirteen bucks for our two. Like you know, you can kind of like. That when when it's built into price, it doesn't matter. That's what is is so cool about oh, this know. race from a betting standpoint. Uh, absolutely, and I mean the other things to consider, you know, I, again going back to just real quick Grafton Street, when we're talking about the fact that he didn't just demolish the field when he won next out over the synthetic. Remember, I mean, Tapita's a different animal too. I know a lot of people go, oh, well, synthetic surfaces are kind to grass horses, but it's still ultimately at the end of, a, of the day, it's still a different surface. And he was going two turns for the first time because remember the mile there at Woodbine in the summer is a one turn mile. Good point. So now you've got that extra stamina worked in and we've already gone over the pedigree, which is, ex- you know, exceptional. I think modern games on the rail, that's a horse. I think he's going to shoot out and I think he's going to try to take it to them and say, come catch me if you can. Um, and I think, I think, I mean, he's obviously getting a nice weight break in here from what he's been used to carrying. I mean, the, the lightest load he's carried is 126 and that was last out in the group three Tattersall Somersville stakes. So, you know, here, like everybody else, 122, but he's carried as much as 134. And he only got three quarters, and he was only beaten three quarters of a length that day. Um, this is a horse, he's not big. He's very small, but that's okay. <laughs> Northern yeah. Dancer is quite small too. And I was reading some commentary from uh, William Buick, and he thinks he's going to, like, really dig those tight turns at Del Mar. And he didn't, watching his race visually, he didn't seem like one that it would the that the distance would bother him or no. the style of racing here. His time in, form rating one oh two in the US. He he kind of he broke on top, but then he wasn't really asked early on. Uh-uh. And and then he was just kind of shaken up to to stay up top. And and he went for home early on. It was, was super impressive. And oh, he yeah. is put together four straight excellent efforts. Three of them wins in a group three last time out. So yeah, he's he's trending in the right direction. He's gonna be one. That to use in um in, in like all of my exotics, he's definitely for me in my top tier. I've got him right up in in most exotics, Dang. I guess. So we we've talked about most of the inside horses except for Dakota Gold. Let's hit him uh, for a second. He was born Just on my to... birthday. Yeah. Okay. Nice. And you want nice. That, another fun fact about this horse, by the way? And I think this is legitimate. I know in the if you read the commentary in the form, it says something about the the time. And if if the times are off, I'm not quite sure why they're not adjusted there in the form because all the charts yeah. and everything I'm seeing, it's it's all. I mean, have you have you did you see this where somebody? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the 21 and one with the stakes, and now 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 last yeah. time out. Yeah, yeah. So which 
Sometimes horse racing, we we wonder what some of the information we'll get. You know, it's just like, come on, we got the, the technology in in the world to I do know. everything, and sometimes we can't get this like figure fixed or something. You know, something. Oh, I yell at buddy, the chicklets all the time. Yeah, yeah. buddy Craig uh, Milkowski on Timeform US. He'll <laughs> he's always one to follow on Twitter. That'll roll his eyes sometimes with the timing and this and that. But uh, um, nonetheless, regardless of that, this is a another nice animal that's just really hard to knock with what he's done. He comes over from Monmouth Park. Where they were racing, where the things were a little different this year, and, and yeah. the way the riding was, and 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 no, no, not a lot of whip. And Dakota Gold was fine with that. He was a, a Saratoga winner. He's two for two. Um, you know, he's going to be drawn down towards the inside in this big field, but he's tough to really knock. I just kind of, I think I just like some others a little bit more than him. I like him a lot actually because okay. I think he's legitimate, and I'll and I think a lot of people, I think he's going to offer you ultimately a really good price because I think a lot of people are going to be drawn I think to he might yeah. float up to 10 ish. Oh yeah. Yep. I, I would not be surprised by that at all. I think a lot of people are going to be trying to poke holes and saying, okay, well, he's only raced two times. He raced on turf. We don't know exactly, you know, what was going on at the timer that day. Uh, you know, just all sorts of different things, but here's, here's the key things to remember. And this is the other thing I also want I, to mention regarding the horse there on the rail again, modern games. April Foles, okay? So they should be getting even better. And, and I mean, my goodness, Modern Games already has that great underbelly, Tim, with all that experience and seasoning. But here's a horse very lightly raced, two starts. The first one comes off the turf. It's five and a half for a long sprint. He wins it by four and a half lengths. Um, then we get on the turf for real. And and he he comes through. There was a lot of, I mean, Coinage, who's in here, one of three from Mark Cassie. Um he did have a, a problem at the start. There was a, some crowding going on. Um, we don't know. We won't know, obviously, how the race may have played out ultimately if everything had gone smoothly. But that's racing for you, right? Um, but the thing to remember with this horse pedigree-wise and I, that I really love is the fact that a lot of people don't realize or may have forgotten that Freud, his sire, is a full brother to Giants Causeway. Uh, and then the dam there, Dakota Kid by Lemon Drop Kid. I mean, Giants Causeway was Cartier Horse of the Year in 2000. Lemon Drop Kid was our, our Horse of the Year here in the year mm-hmm. 2000. And then on top of it, the dam, Dakota Kid, she's actually a half-sister to a Breeders' Cup champion already. And uh, that is Dakota Phone. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we're talking about a horse who has the right to like get to the top level, top, top levels of racing. From, yeah, from, I mean, from those I mean, bloodlines, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, Dakota Phone won the dirt mile, but maybe this is why we're seeing such, you know, the horse was able to win when the race came off the turf at Saratoga and he yeah. did it well. It's not like he just won because, oh, here's an off, <laughs> you know, this group is coming off the turf and these are just turf horses and we'll see them struggle through to see who wins here today. Uh, yeah, it was a short field. He still put up an 83 buyer figure doing it. You got first Louis Sias, yeah. Mm-hmm. You got Louis Sias, yeah, first time out. And you got Louis Sias back in the irons. I think this horse is legitimate. And furthermore, the female family actually trails. I have sort of a soft spot because this is a female family that trails to a horse that we used to own. My family back in the day was very near and dear to us. It was a stallion that we we took over to our farm. Um, and but you know, people may not know him, but they will know some other horses who hail from this line, like Kamari <laughs> and like. Yeah. Uh, Zenyatta. <laughs> oh yeah, I think I know them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so, right? So Dakota Gold's got a tremendous pedigree, despite what I mean. Eighty-three thousand dollars to anybody else outside of horse racing would be like a ton of money, right? But we know in horse racing, you're like, oh, eighty-three thousand. No, Not at all. This horse has got pedigree. He's got great pedigree. I think he's going to be a player. I think he's going to offer you a, ton, you know, just 
great price on him. Um, going to the, some of the other homers here, McKinnon, I think he's legitimate too. I know the yeah. buyer, you know, he, how do you knock a horse who's won his last three, two of which were at the track where he's going to be contesting the Breeders' Cup juvenile turf? And everything improved for him as soon as he went long going on the grass. He wasn't like he was bad when he was second behind Ben on Mookie going five on the turf. But then as soon as you go from five to a mile, he's like a completely different horse. He sat so impressively. And he it's it's like you said, it's really tough to knock. He doesn't have quite as some of the the figures as, as a few others. And you know, maybe he hasn't kept as good of company as some of the Europeans, but he, he can only beat who's in front of him. You know? Exactly, and there's and no I, reason why he has a, maybe he's got a little bit more upside there because he's his wins have been so easy. And he, I love the way that once he does get in stretch and once he gets on that correctly, like he opens up his stride length. It's so impressive. He looks again. This I haven't seen him up close in person, but he he just looks like a kind of a, a big horse, and he's got this again big stride. He really throws those front legs out there. Uh, and, and he starts to pull the ground right from under him and dig in. And so again, the fact that he's got not one, but two wins over this track and he's overcome stuff too. I mean, when it's his clipped heels in the Zuma beach, I don't care who he was in against at that point, you're in against yourself. And that was legitimate. Like yep. watch that again. Anybody, I know I'm using that word legitimate. <laughs> no, watch that back and you'll see what I'm talking about. Uh, because and I don't think, I, I don't know that everybody, I know you do, and I know other trip handicappers do as well, but there are a lot of people I, I don't think necessarily know just all the nuance of what happens when a horse loses their momentum like that, especially when they're a bigger type horse. Oh my gosh. That is and, so impressive that he's that big and was able to overcome something like that. And he's that athletic and that yeah. big, this young. It's like normally if you're that big and you're young like this, you're goofy. You're like, yeah. you're figuring out your body. You have to kind of grow into it, you know? <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. And here we're going to have a big field because it's going to be a full field. We've got 14 with, with a, you know, two on the also eligible list. So we're going to have a full field. Um, and you need a horse who is not going to just lose their mind and, you know, basically be, fall victim to, to uh, being in traffic and mm-hmm. losing their focus or losing their nerve. That's again, what was so impressive about slipstream <laughs> slipping through mm-hmm. and, and coming through and doing it to my eye without a ton of direction necessarily. I mean, you could see the rain being moved, but it, it was really, he, he, it was like, he was he almost he sensed it. Yeah. Star. Yeah. He knew yeah. He was he like, Hmm, I, that's where I'm going to go. Boom. It's like, he knew where he was supposed to go. It got a little hole and then shot through. Yeah. And right. You get that feeling from McKinnon too, that he's just, he's just a racehorse. Yes. Like absolutely. a very good athletic racehorse. And I don't really have many knocks for him. He's just been, Visually extremely extremely impressive In here and like you said he's got that For if you're looking for a local horse That may not be quite as Good overall And maybe down the line in six months Some of these European horses end up being better horses More distance horses more classic Type horses but if you're looking to try To beat some of them or if you're looking for a horse To to have an advantage he's got that home Court and that's Mm -hmm. sort of exactly what you want He didn't have to go anywhere he didn't have to ship When a lot of these others did 
Right, right. And I mean, gosh, it, again, the the field's just, I mean, it, it, it's just so deep. Like, stolen base for the same connections of that uh, Fire at Will, who won last year's Breeders' mm-hmm. Cup Juvenile Turf. You've got Three Diamonds Farm, Mike Maker. You've got, of course, Chad Brown, Portfolio Company. This is a horse uh, is going to be cutting back to a mile for the very first time. He has shown some versatility. I am a little concerned. Obviously, he's got very impressive buyer figures. This is a horse with a lot of talent. You're by Kittens Joy. He was um, champion grass horse of 2004, all Although he got, he he did not win the 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 uh, turf rather. Uh, better talk now got him. So, <laughs> but, and then the dams by Wild again, and Wild again won the inaugural Breeders' Cup Classic. So, you know, obviously you've got pedigree there, as you will with any Clarevich horse chained by Chad Brown. I think I'm um, kind of cold on him though, too. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, feel like it too because I feel I feel like yeah, he's sixty one on the morning line there. I feel like he's going to go off shorter than that just because of the Chad Brown factor. The connections too. You get Pratt jumping aboard. You get some of the local Mike Pratt's one of the people who will take money with with Irad and some of the, the other big names, and so. Yeah, yeah. There's if if he is in that five four to one range, they're just they're going to be three or four other horses in this race that are going to either be that price or double that price that I'm just more interested in. No, like and for one of those horses being, <laughs> hello, you're getting AOB at twelve to one on the morning line with Glonthon <laughs> or however yeah. it's pronounced, <laughs> a horse in here. This horse intrigues me a lot, a lot. Um. So he wins his debut, then he's off from April, does not come back until October 9th in the Darley Dewhurst Group 1, ambitious, right? Mm-hmm. You're in against the aforementioned Native Trail, undefeated, <laughs> okay? And you have an awful start out of the gate. No shot. So, yeah, so no shot, right? But then you do come back to win a Group 3 in the Kulavulan Stakes. And you do it stylishly, you know, by a length and a half, getting the job done professionally. You're by Kodiak, who's by Dane Hill. Kodiak, by the way, three quarter brother to Invincible uh, to Invincible Spirit. Um, and then you're. <laughs> this is one of the things. Like I got real petty geeky in there, and I was like, oh, okay, let me look up, you know, the bottom side. So uh, right there, you can see the dams by Nayef. What you don't see is that you're you're. This is the direct female family responsible for um <laughs> well let me let me actually tell you specifically where it fits here let me just pull it up real quick for you and then you'll you'll get a better understanding because i can tell you where in the pedigree this this mirror is and then you'll be like oh dang <laughs> okay so we're uh, we're talking about the uh, the number eight glau thane and uh ren is so awesome to talk about races like awesome. this with i'm glad we because i wanted you to have specifically one of these two races and i'm and i'm we we're gonna either do juvenile phillies turf or turf because <laughs> this is where i honestly i feel like we get to use like I get to to take advantage of your strengths the most, you know, Aww. like stuff like this, where we can really get into some of these pedigree things with some of these young juveniles who you've seen well, you've been paying attention, you do a lot of that Breeders' Cup stuff, and then we put that together. So um, tell us a little bit more about the pedigree with uh, Glauthane. Well, Glauthane, okay, so it's the it's the fifth dam. This still matters. I know a lot of people go, oh, it's the fifth dam. It matters, it trust does. me, okay? Uh, the fifth dam is Allegretta, and you might be like, oh, well, who's Allegretta? Well, Allegretta is just the dam of urban sea. <laughs> okay. Uh, so that makes her the grand dam of uh, Galileo. See, this Not one. bad. Some of the all-time bloodlines. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and she's also the fourth dam of this year's ARC winner, Torquator Tasso. So, yeah, it, it, it's, 
it's a very nice pedigree. Obviously not surprising when you consider that you're trained uh, by one of the, the greatest, you know, you know, uh, in AOB. I always call him because I AOB. I, yeah, AOB. <laughs> we let his friends like you call him AOB. As, you know, uh... I, I'm looking for, I've never spoken with him in person. I've seen him in person. He always looks so very kind and nice, but like, you know, obviously uh, he, the, the, the decorum, you know, gentlemanly decorum, you know, like the aura, the, the aura. aura, right. Yep. And I just want to be, I just want to go up to him and be like, yo, what's up AOB? <laughs> I know. Like the way, the way you see when, when there's horses in the mornings, right. They come with that Calvary when they're warming up and it's like, it's like imposing. It'd be like, if you were setting up to, I, I'm like scared when I see them come train in the right? mornings for like the other horses that they have to race against. I would, if I was coaching a team and I saw, and I was like warming up my team and the other team on the opposite side looked like a well-run machine like that. I would already in my head. Just, so like, oh no, I would just be like, we got to play this team today. Uh Oh, like I would hope that my team's looked like that and other people thought the same thing because yeah they just run a great great ship and this oh. horse is another who he could be right in the 10 to 1 range oh i i know and i well like i said i just think that and, and this is something you, you you might look at and be like oh yeah it you've got o'brien you've got ryan moore uh this horse is coming off a group three win sure Okay, I could see maybe something here. But then when you put it together again with that pedigree, you go, well, yeah, I mean, this horse, you've got, you've got, you know, some influence of, of, of fleet footedness there up top. But this horse is coming from a line of arc winners and up some derby winners. Stamina, stamina. <laughs> like, yeah, so, you're going to go this two-turn mile now. And, and I, so you're, what yeah. You, what you hit on is a perfect, because I think with pedigree, um, sometimes, you know, people like they'll go through real basic type stuff or they, right. they definitely aren't going to be getting into it nearly as much as someone like you. But the, what, what you were just talking about was so great because it's like it's like a formula. The times when I'm looking at pedigrees, the ones that I get like warm and fuzzy in my stomach about <laughs> with the horse are the ones where they seem like they complement each other so very well, just like you said, whether it's. You know whether it's a, a one that has some stamina, and then you see that that horse actually has a little bit of speed or mm. quickness or versatility to them, and you know that there's some of that stamina or distance also in there. So it just feels like you can you're creating this super well balanced animal, and that's kind of what we what we think may be the case moving forward with the horse like the eight glound thane. Whereas she. She may need to step forward off of what we've seen, but because she's now going to be making the third start of her form cycle, she absolutely improved second start off. And we have reason to think that because she's got that pedigree, she can step forward. That's like it all comes together like that, you know? Well, 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 you mean he, but that's okay. I know I you've been she, talking yeah. about, no, I know you've I been said, talking about the I juvenile Phillies turf earlier. Exactly. Don't Thank you. About Thank that. you. I, look, I do that all the time. But no. Thank you. He, he's a, he's a, He's not just a boy. He's in. A, he's intact too. Um, yes, <laughs> he's a very important he with a lot of abilities still. Oh yes. yeah. Well you, well, you know, this is the thing though. What you're talking about also because that's another reason why I'm a little lukewarm. For example, on on the Chad Brown horse because do I think he's got a classy pedigree? Yeah, but I think he's got a super classy pedigree in that he wants to go longer. I don't know that he wants to cut back because again, not only are you by kittens joy, and not only you know who again was second in the in the Breeders' Cup turf. Not only are you by, uh, you know, out of a mirror who is by Wild Again, who won the Breeders' Cup Classic, but then your family also includes, like, um, 
1987's Breeders' Cup Turf Victor Theatrical. So I think you want it. I think I think the mile 16th was, you know, for a two-year-old was right for him. And now you're cutting back, and I think it's, it may take something out, um, especially when you're against horses who are more purposely bred to get, be milers here. Um, but going back to Glossane, it's not just the pedigree that kind of intrigues me. It's also the fact that in that first race where he was sprinting those six furlongs, uh, you see that horse who was second that day, uh, the horse's name is, um, where is it? Uh, Castle, Castle Star. Star. Yeah. So Castle Star, out of that race, next one, uh, two in a row, including the group three Marble Hill Stakes. And then after that, he ran second. And he was only beaten a length and a quarter to Go Bears Go, who's running in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint, mm-hmm. uh, in the group two Railway Stakes. And then most recently, that horse, Castle Star, was second to perfect power in the group one Judmont Middle Park stakes. So that wasn't just some slouch he beat on debut. And and so that's what's nice is when you see sometimes like, so some of his time form ratings are a little bit low, but when you know that the horses or quality that have come out of those races I never, I'm never bothered By lower speed figures when I know That those horses have all Come back out of those races to perform well Right, my only concern Is okay, that last race he came He's coming out of was on October 16th And now you're trekking globally mm-hmm. <laughs> across, You know, to hear right. I mean, yeah, exactly I mean, there, there are a couple of horses in here Who are coming off, you know, a bit of a quick Turnaround, uh, so to speak, when they also have international travel in the mix as well. And then there's some horses who haven't raced in a while, like modern games. You might be like, oh gosh, he's already raced five times in a short career. He's an April Fool. Is he making maybe going to come into here a little sour? But he's had some time off. I mean, well, mm-hmm. he last raced on September 23rd. I think that's another reason why a horse like, for example, um, McKinnon is is pretty interesting because he's right in that sweet spot where he's had some time. To come out of the Zuma Beach, but he still has recency in which he's still sharp. It, everything's spaced very well. And too, he hasn't with his, had a travel. pattern. Mm-hmm. And he has real, I mean, other than interstate. But you, you know, um, so so that's another reason. It's like never root against the home team, right? Like yeah, when they can <laughs> just count them or count them out. No, no, especially because those are the kind of advantages that you're looking for. We've we've almost hit on everyone. Uh, let's uh, let's hit uh, a thought or two great on Max. great great Max. Yeah, blinkers on. He he won his debut, and then he hasn't. Just been able to put it all together But the horse that you mentioned, Native Trail Is one that showed up in his running lines multiple times So yeah. it's not like he's been being defeated by a slouch No, not at all And I'll tell you, his trainer, Michael Bell Is one of the most charismatic people uh, I've spoken with in racing <laughs> Seriously And you're married to Matt Carruthers So I that's know, saying a lot right? That's saying a lot, right? It is saying a lot he, <laughs> He's like, he, he's, he's, he's Funny, I mean, such you know, such wit, and I, I really enjoyed speaking with him when he brought out the Lear Jet last year for um, the uh, Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf, and I know it didn't go well for him uh, in that go, but I, I don't think he's coming out here without there being reason, right? It's expensive, so expensive to ship a horse internationally, um, and here you've got a. You know, son of Wooten Bassett, and by the way, I'll, I'll just give some insight into Wooten Bassett. I mean, Wooten Bassett himself was a you know tremendous, you know, very talented racehorse. But when he went to stud, he was standing for a modest price. I can't recall exactly the figure right now. I think it was something like six thousand euro. But then he's like 
out, you know, out of just modest mirrors producing the likes of freaking Almon Zor. And then last year, Adaria wins the, you know, uh, Philly Amir uh, yeah. turf. Yeah, and she's back to defend her title now. Uh, so Coolmore acquired him because they're smart. <laughs> and gave him like a book of 244 mares or something like that this year. And it includes like, I mean, it's just a who's who of group one winners and group one producers that he's gotten to, to cover this year. So going forward, I suggest anybody, whenever you see Wooten Bassett, consider the fact that if he was improving mares in modest, modest books before, just look out what he's going to produce going forward. It's going to be scary. But um, so anyway, yeah, I mean, he, he, he's got sire power right there with Wooten Bassett. Um, you know, as far as the form goes, like you've already gone over, he was running against the likes of freaking Native Trail on multiple occasions. The blinkers are going on here. So we're going to try something new. And you're getting John Velasquez. And I don't think that's for naught, right? I no, mean, a that's a great job. point. And we <laughs> see that a few times. I like when you've, when you've got an, a, a very experienced American pilot who knows the maybe the style of the American pace a little bit better or when you may maybe need to press the button or make a move. So it, it, honestly, there is very few that would be on the list that would be as seasoned of a, of a pilot to put on a horse like this to feel like they'll they'll give them their best opportunity than Johnny V. Right. No, for sure. And, you know, gosh, I was trying to see what he was standing for before. I can't find it right now. But in any case, one Bassett himself, he won the group one, Prix-Jean-Luc Lagardère. So uh, at two nice. years old. So, Very well I mean, said there. You well, rattled no, right I, through that perfectly. I, <laughs> you know, I try to do it, you know, I because I, I, I with the international player, I can't do it. Like, have you spoken with Michael Adolfson? No, I haven't, but I, I, I know of him. Yeah. I haven't personally, but it, yeah, sharp. He's very like, sharp. Oh my gosh. I mean, he's just on top of it and he knows all the pronunciations and I'm just like, dang, you know, he's pretty good. Who I also had on a few minutes ago, which, um, um, and, and he's helping me out with, uh, we recorded the Philly and mayor turf was our, our old friend from TVG, John Moosis. He helped oh, me. Moose. Yeah, Moose did a great, we had a great recording on the Philly and mayor turf and, you know, Moose is so, um, as a, Researcher he and he loves International racing so he he has A great sense of every every One of these horses and what their campaigns were Like and what their plans were and everything so Dang. He was just an awesome um, Resource to have as so uh, who did he like um, <laughs> I'm writing it down he, he didn't, Yeah he didn't love the uh, Americans as much he likes The the Japanese runner he likes Loves only you he thinks it's going to be a good spot He thinks that the 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 campaign was planned all along for this one And it's sort of like love and loves only you He prefers of uh, Things kind of like they have the, the best opportunity in there He thought wow. the three was a horse That it was a uh, like some upside As maybe a price horse to use underneath Because that's a horse that actually is going to be planned After the race to stay in the US um, And then campaign Here afterwards so maybe a horse To at least keep an eye on or use under And then um, play back so Great, yeah, great information um, from John that you can check out on the uh, sure. on the the Philly and Mare um, turf that we have on uh, a little later on um, for my uh, Saturday show. As we finish up with this juvenile uh, turf, we are getting to the uh, the outside three. I don't think we've talked a whole ton about no, credibility. We haven't. So credibility. Yeah, credibility. Go ahead. Nyquist, obviously Nyquist won the 2015 Breeders' Cup Juvenile. He's a son of a juvenile winner and Uncle Mo. Uh, obviously that's dirt, but it's a flexible, flexible pedigree. You're at a class edge indigo shiner. Like you said, one of three in here for Mark Cassie. You got Mike Smith aboard, uh, last out third in the 
uh, grade two bourbon over good going at a mile and the 16th. Um, I mean, credibility, have some credibility. Why not? Uh, really, you know, big fan of DJ Sable who bred this horse, but they're also in here as owners. You got coinage. This horse is interesting to me because you got the lead because I don't know what nobody wanted. I mean, it's a short field, six horse field and the with anticipation of a half is 25 and yeah, <laughs> or I'm sorry, the wrong. opening. And then the half is at 50. <laughs> <laughs> crawling there right somebody yeah, accidentally I mean, goes faster dog. than that i know yeah I mean, you're just walking that dog and so i mean it's hard to know what to make of something like that right and then we don't get to find out what the form is like because i think he lost all shot at the beginning mm-hmm. of i agree now, it was now, legitimate now. trouble it was legitimate trouble for sure i mean obviously he sped up at the end of the with anticipation because the final time wasn't like where it was he- where you would have thought it was heading when you go one see how slow they were going early <laughs> yeah <two>? you picked <laughs> up the tempo a good amount but it's just it's hard because that one race where things were so easy for him is the one that does seem right now like the outlier like you said we didn't we didn't get to see him take the step forward and it, we can't really hold it against him and at, at least he will be a pretty good price in here, right? We're not talking about a horse who's going to be one of the shorter prices. So there is, it's built into the price that we still maybe don't know how really how good he is. Right. And I mean, I would be remiss if I don't mention this. Okay. So you're by Tabit and then you're out of bar of gold, who's a Breeders' Cup winner. So yeah. uh, she's fast, bar of gold. Um, and she um, won the uh, the Billy Mare sprint back in 2017. The Number 14 who rounds it out In a really tough draw That's one of the things too that I saw some people Talking about is that they make the morning line Sometimes before the post positions For some of these races and it's like I'd imagine this horse might have just Maybe been a a click or two higher Based on that because she, uh, I, I said her. I think again too. He. It's he okay. Jub- you're on a. You're, you're talking to a girl, so it's like. Oh yeah. That's, Thank you. Like screwing you up Thank too. you. I appreciate <laughs> it, and I really appreciate that you corrected me because we're comfortable enough with her to where I would never. I would never. Ever like think anything weird if somebody corrected me So thank you for doing that so oh, uh, I, I always appreciate that and, uh, I have something in my teeth you tell me also Yeah always always um, <laughs> he, he is I mean we can't knock his form It's 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 very nice It's just going to be this is going to be tough For a lightly raced horse who's drawn Way out there He wouldn't be a shock to see him show up and run well There's Native Trail who we've mentioned multiple times He was right behind Native Trail Uh, Two starts back he was in a race behind Royal Patronage who also came back out of that race To perform very well so he's kept Awesome company and he Hasn't been defeated all that much But this is going to be A tough group and a tough tough post For him with the ship Oh for sure and Royal Patronage By the way son of Wooten Bassett uh, but yeah, I all mean, back together, right? The you know, full circle. You know what I, yeah, I try. Well, I mean, here you've got also another Dubawi or son of Dubawi and out of lovely pass by Ravens pass and Ravens pass won the Breeders' Cup classic back when it was on synthetic. I believe it was on. Yeah, it was on synthetic <laughs> yeah, then. Yeah. Yeah. But it's still a classic wins a classic win, right? Absolutely. But so obviously, I mean, you've got some stamina in there. My, my concern for him is like you said, it's the draw. Because it looks to me like this is a horse who likes to be close early. And so if you're already drawn that far out, I think I'm guessing you're going to try to go, right? And, and that's 
you you're sort of you sort of have to. He he had a quick start, but then he kind of got wrangled back a little bit to second, and he was sort of playing a little cat and mouse on the front end. Um, and he you know he opened up two, and he ended up tiring a little bit late. That's probably the type of trip he may have to have in here, where he's maybe sitting close or wide, and has to either. Just go or wait and then make an early move to try to open up if the pace isn't quite as quick as as you know they had thought. But I just playing the race out in my head, which is how I I have to do it. Some people don't do it that way. For me, almost every is it's harder with a race like this with younger horses where there are so many variables. We don't exactly know every so, one yeah. of these horses' running styles yet. They're not quite established in it as once these horses get older and have more races, but. Right. I still got to try to play it out in my head. How is he going to win? How is it going to unfold? It, he's either going to take back in close and have to do something that he hasn't really done that, coming from way, way out of it, mm-hmm. or he's just going to have to go really, really quick. And I don't he know if he's that fast to go like that fast with some of the American type speed either. So I'm, I'm a little like lukewarm on him. Total respect for everything that he's done. But with that post, if he is, Close to four to one in one of the shorter prices in here. I like some others more. Oh, I I agree with you because here's the thing, right? Like last year in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint, Golden Pal drew the fourteen, but he's Golden Pal, and he's got a turn of foot like 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 two steps out of the gate, the race was over. Yeah, <laughs> right? I mean, right? It's like I mean, so right? You're, you hear. I mean, you, you poor, poor James. I mean, you, you, here's your options. Like you just said, you either go and try to at least get up around some of the field to close in a few paths. So you're not fanned completely, you know, wide going into the first turn. And even if that, that like three wide kind of trip, that doesn't work very often on the grass. No. And that's like a dirt trip that you need, you know? And you're, yeah. And you're going to expend so much energy doing that as it is. That how are you going to have a lot left when now this is the first time also that you're going two turns? Mm-hmm. Never been beyond seven. No. And if you take him out of the race like you're talking about and take him back, does he get frustrated with that? Especially in, in such a, a big trouble. deal. Something he hasn't experienced quite yet. Does he want to be more forwardly placed? Does he get a little rank and he wants to go? Because they haven't done that. They've kind of let him run a little bit more. Yeah, uh, I mean, you're not. I mean, this horse is not. This horse will not be for. I'd be shocked. No, I'm not gonna. I, I I'm not gonna say double. anything definitive, but he, I, I would me, be me shocked. Neither. <laughs> I, I think he's gonna be more like eight. Yeah. I, I think, and and like if he got into the ten to one range, then I could start thinking about about. Okay, well now that's built into the post again, and that and now okay maybe at around ten, but we still have some concerns on him from way out there, and I do like a a few others more, and like we said, I don't really have in this race, Ren, like a like a top. Selection all that much because it just I think I don't think I don't I don't think it would be smart for anyone playing this race individually to marry yourself to any horse right now in this race because there are going to be so many horses that end up probably floating up a little bit more that you think are still a player those are the ones that you want to bet individually if you're playing a pick four or pick five and you're locked in that's a different story right you pick the Three or four or however many horses you like in this race 10, 12, however many you can afford to use in here you know. Uh, But from just a win or a tries or a supers perspective I think this is absolutely one of those races that It's the final race on Friday Save a little bit, 10% of your bankroll 5%, whatever it is So that way you can at least play this race individually From a, 
I want to bet 10 or 20 bucks to win on that horse because they're way bigger a price than they should be. Or, hey, I want to play a trifecta and use these two horses that are big prices underneath, like on top or underneath. Like, make sure you play this race from an individual perspective because I think we all get caught up in the pick fours, pick five, pick sixes, big weekend. We want to make a million, all the guaranteed pools. This is one of the best races to just bet individually all weekend long. Get on that 10 cent super Right (laughs) (laughs) Action in this race As many ways as you can go So some of the horses that you like That you will be That you know you'll be using in some of your exotics Give us a couple of them Oh gosh, I me, I I, you, I think you have to use modern games. Mm-hmm. I think this is going to be your speed, and I think they're going to try to you know again catch me if you can. And with that rail draw, if the rail is good, that you know I I could see that the you know, ground being saved when you've got a horse like this who can handle these tight turns, who's got an ace jockey in the saddle like William Buick. I I think this horse could potentially just go and be gone. Adios, amigo. Um, I think you have to use your home team. McKinnon, mm-hmm. yeah. how do you how do you leave a horse off? That's that's the type of horse you leave off your ticket just because you're like, oh, you know, who did he beat? Mm-hmm. And then you're kicking yourself later, going, oh, he'd won over this track. Well, and and th- well, that's how you're supposed to when when you have a question of who do you beat, you're supposed to do it the way that McKinnon did. Yeah, Impre- yeah. impressively by a couple lengths on the turf, geared down in races. He won by a couple lengths after clipping heels in a race where most horses just back up. And don't even, yeah. they're, they're just like, nope, I almost fell down. I'm not even going to try today. This horse said, eh, well, that is a little <laughs> trouble. I'm going to still, I'm still going to win. He's like, no, no problem, which is just incredible for a two-year-old. And, you know, you talk about a, a barn like O'Neill, who it, it's one of those things where they, they know how to get horses ready for big races. They know how to get them yeah. fit, very fit for big races. And um, yeah, McKinnon's going to be in, a, in most I, of my exotics too. I just want to use like half the field. Like Me I want to use, I want, I want to use modern games. I want to use Dakota Gold, Tis the Bomb, Slipstream, McKinnon, Glaufane, and I want to use Grafton. Grafton Street. Street. And you know what? <laughs> I think almost all the, I, the thing that we are in agreement with is that it's not the kind of race to want to take a short price. And no. if if you feel like some of these horses are compromised by post or by Distance or by maybe whatever The race shape is or they're drawn down inside Or yeah. whatever it is Throw coinage it, in there why not <laughs> Right like we want a bunch of these 8 to 10 to 1 shots oh. That's that's who we're looking for in this juvenile Turf we had the main event With Ren Ren thank you so So yeah. much for helping out I always uh, enjoy our conversations And uh, oh, I learn so like, much you from you, you Every single you time off, But I'm cutting you off to like tell you how awesome you are You, you always do the work Thank you. I pre and that's that's the one thing I hope that people that listen to my show or ever tune in to any of the content streams, uh, anything I do. I hope that that's the one thing that comes forward is that there's never a get rich quick scheme. There's never a this or that. It's just hey, the more work you put in, the better you're gonna do. It's like you know you you study for the test. You go in and you know you feel good. Like after you yeah. studied, you know you like you walk <laughs> in and you're ready and you're like. I don't know that I'm going to get an A today, but I feel like I'm going to get at least a B plus, right? Like you're just like, maybe there's a trick question or two on, and that's sort of how you feel when you're prepped for these big weekends. Some weekends, it's just not your day. It's not your race and you're just off, but trust your process, trust the work that you put in. And, uh, I, I always trust the work that you put in. I always uh, trust the work that Matt puts in. I was definitely one of the people I've looked up to the most in racing and, um, 
I uh, I spoke to Maddie a little bit earlier. He's going to be um, doing some Breeders' Cup stuff this weekend. I told him, you know, I, I don't get the chance to talk to you that much, so I'm going to have Matt come on in a few weeks because he was so busy, and I'll have him be one of a, a featured guests where him and I can talk a little Vikings and a little T Wolves too, and nice. uh, and then some other racing. So yeah, we'll we'll get into a little bit of everything. Make sure to send him my love, please, and I will. Uh, and your little one. I know being a mom over there, uh, <laughs> schedules can be crazy sometimes, and uh, it, it's so nice that you were able to carve out so much time for me. Thank oh, you so gosh, much. You're a rock star. Thank so you. So what what do we uh, what do you have coming up over the next few days? You and I are recording this late Tuesday. People probably hear it late Wednesday into early Thursday. Do you have any other content or anything else coming up this week? Breeders' Cup stuff on the social media and anything at all to plug. Did. Uh, and it'll be good till Friday. Nice. <laughs> so Breeders' Cup is basically my focus right now. So uh, I just, uh, I've got pre- uh, Breeders' Cup previews that were up, and this was when the pre-entries were out. But I think there's still good information there. A lot of the pedigree information I gave you regarding this race, for example, you can find by going and looking at that. Now you know the post positions. Now you know who you know, where people are and what their odds are and who the jockeys are. So you can just, you can still read those and just apply that new knowledge when you're reading it. Um also, I did do a final field follow-up pedigree-focused uh, article that just went up today on the juvenile fillies. There's a horse in there that I think at a price you may want to use in your exotics. Because um, obviously Echo Zulu looks to be the one to beat the other horses who are short. It's only a six-horse field. you got three horses in there, by the way, three fillies who are by freshman sires. So that's pretty exciting. Um, but that being said, um, there's a horse by uh, Nyquist who I think could get in there. And that's Sequest, and you can find out why by checking out the pedigree. And then, um, gosh, I mean, and by the way, let's give Nyquist some love because in his first crop, he did sire the juvenile Phillies winner in Bequest. Um, but yeah, going back to what's coming up, so we've got uh, really fun. We do these little social friendly features on the on some of the Breeders' Cup Future Stars Friday or Future Stars Friday connected runners. So, for example, one on Hot Rod Charlie, who was second in the juvenile last year. We just posted one of those tonight. You're going to have more coming up. We've got one with Jake Ballas. We have one uh, with Wesley Ward. And we also have one with Leo O'Meara, who is one of the breeders, uh, her family bred, rather, uh, Corniche, who's in the TVG Juvenile. And as far as other stuff, we're going to have follow-ups, obviously, with the winners of those races with other fun packages. And we also have a fun full Friday series that's coming up for Breeders' Cup. You thought full season was over? Well, we're still following them. So <laughs> you can stay warm, get those warm fuzzies during the winter holidays by checking those out. And, yeah, so it's just that. And then we got Tampa coming up again. Yeah, and, and I'm definitely going to have to uh, get you back a few times, Tampa. So <laughs> it's, it's so much fun because really competitive racing out at Tampa. And and then you know that it's sort of like the the start of getting the onto the, the Triple Crown Trail. You're going to get a couple of preps over there, and you get some horses that are already going to start pointing for that. It's it just you start feeling like, oh, my gosh, we're, we're already moving into next year and, like, heading onto the, the, the Derby Trail. It's a, it's quite, it never stops. It just keeps moving. Make sure to follow Ren at Ren Carruthers, and that way you'll get all of that great stuff, um, a lot of her Breathers Cup information, some of her write-ups there, a lot of the videos that she's doing. And if you follow at Breeders Cup on Twitter, a lot of the times she's doing stuff straight from that uh, from that Twitter feed there so you'll see a lot of the videos a lot of the interviews a lot of uh, of the work that she's done make sure to give both of those a follow over the next few days they will really help keep you uh, updated and give you some uh, some great information leading into the breeders cup please give your uh, your your hubby a big hug for me and uh, i hope the little one is doing great and i look forward to talking to you again soon and uh, 
Let's make some money over the weekend. Let's do it. That is uh, Ren Carruthers, one of the best when it comes to talking horse racing. Make sure to give her a follow, and we look forward to having her back again really, really soon. Don't go anywhere, folks. We're going to do a nice little wrap-up of the Friday Breeders' Cup card. Such a wealth of information there from Ren Carruthers. Make sure to give her a follow. She is a great Great person to help you out If you're ever playing the races And uh, Tampa coming up soon I don't think I, I popped in to say who I liked In the uh, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile afterwards The the ninth race that we talked about with Christina Just in case you, you were looking for that I did really like uh, Jack Christopher And one of the few spots where I'll probably Be, you know Keying in on one of the short price horses But I will be using command performance in a lot of Exotics too, I think those two are where I'll Play because maybe Jack Christopher does get softened up a little uh, On the pace, I think command performance Would take advantage, so I would use one In ten in all exotics The, you know, the nine Is, is Pinehurst, don't really know as much what to do with him Of the the Bafferts, I preferred Barossa uh, Others that you may want to throw in um, The three Oviat class at a big price At least in some underneath spots there In that uh, that juvenile And um, the the number 11 is, is a horse who wouldn't shock me again in an underneath spot Just don't know if she's quite good enough uh, If he's quite good enough to win the race Talking about uh, tough to tame there So we... We'll give you a couple thoughts uh, one more time to wrap up the juvenile turf. And uh, as we were speaking with Ren, yeah, the one is really, really nice. That one will be in all of my exotics modern games. The four and six will be in almost all of the exotics for me too. Modern games, Tis the Bomb, and McKinnon. There are so many different talented ways to go in here. We discussed the six uh, McKinnon quite a bit. The eleven Grafton Street, who I will be using in some exotics. We mentioned Glount Dane, who Ren thinks has a little upside. There's the nine and the fourteen, who just just draws a tough post to uh, the fourteen, but super talented. The nine stolen base, just a fun. Really great way to end the Breeders' Cup Friday card. Uh, But don't worry, folks. We're not quite done yet. You've heard from me. You've heard from all of the folks individually from each race. Now you're going to hear from a couple of the regulars from That's What G Said podcast. You always hear... Aaron, uh, Andrew Champagne and Darren Zocali hanging out. I was, you see what I was doing? I was combining them. I was about to say Aaron. A- Andrew Champagne and Darren Zocali, a couple of my best buds who will always help us out. And they're going to share some of their best bets for the Friday Breeders' Cup card. So I think we get two best plays from Darren. We get two best plays from Andrew. Let's see where they head on the Friday card. Okay, it's time to wrap up Friday You have heard individual recaps of all the Breeders' Cup races You have heard some thoughts on the undercard And now it's time to wrap it all up for Friday We've got Darren Zocali and Andrew Champagne Who have joined me for, yeah, we're getting close to 250 episodes now Of That's What G Said They've been here for the bulk of them To helping out in, in many different ways With horse racing analysis With the old wrestling rewatch stuff Helping fantasy here and there NFL stuff here and there And now this is uh, 
consensus I'd imagine one of our favorite weekends Coming up where you've got the Breeders' Cup races yeah. On Friday and Saturday And uh, DZ and Andrew Champagne Join me this is this is what it's all about And unfortunately this year there are A couple races that are a little shorter than Normal but we still are going to have a Lot of opportunities between Friday and Saturday even with some Really good undercard races before the Breeders' Cup races get started so um, I'm pretty pumped I got all my handicapping Finished up and I'm excited to pick your Brains a little bit and some the last couple of years, I think we've done specific races where I would have both of you help out, and we'd go horse by horse through a field. I thought this year it would be kind of fun just to see whatever, wherever you both had strong opinions. You could just kind of lead us to some of the races or some of your best bets for Friday and for Saturday. That way, we didn't. Some sometimes it's like ah, oh, this race is cool. We can talk all about the race, but I don't really have that strong an opinion, or I don't really know how I'm going to play it this way. You can share some of the uh, stronger opinions that you have. So DZ, kind of overall looking at uh, at Friday and just kind of looking at the Breeders' Cup weekend heading in. Um, uh, what do you think about the uh, the way the cards have uh, have come out? Yeah, I, I think the Friday card, um, you know, with the exception of of the Juvenile Phillies, which I I still think is it's a highly competitive race. It's just a select field. Uh, the Friday card is very interesting. The 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 Maddie is a fascinating race on the undercard. Um, the, the two-year-old turf races in the Breeders' Cup are, are really, uh, complex puzzles. Um, the horses, I, I mentioned something on Twitter earlier, uh, Andrew, I, I love the, the idea of this being a truly international event just for the purposes of horse racing. However, this is probably the most difficult time I'm having handicapping these races in some time. And, you know, as we're recording this on Tuesday night, I'm glad we're going over the races that I do have strong opinions in because I'll be the first one to say I'm, I am not done handicapping yet. I still have to go back and watch more replays of some of these horses and some of these races in Europe, because Andrew, the European influence is, is crazy. And six or seven runners from Japan and a horse from South, South America that hasn't run in six months I mean, it has made this one of the more unique Breeders' Cups uh, of my lifetime, I would say. Yeah, there's a lot going on around Breeders' Cup time, and that's always the case, right? But there's a number of unique storylines here to consider. You mentioned the Japanese influence. There's a far greater number of horses coming from Japan than in prior years. There are some that are just waiting for the Japanese program to start sending horses to America and beating our horses going longer because their breeding uh, program is far more focused on stamina than speed. Just to kind of piggyback on yours, um, I spoke earlier with uh, John Moose as he was doing the Philly and Mirror Turf. He said that 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 Japanese horse that they sent is by far the best horse they have ever sent and is like a legitimate, legitimate contender too. We don't see that very often. We don't see like the really good horses and now they, they are sending at least a couple of them. Yeah, now we've seen a couple of horses from Hong Kong come over and do well. There was a sprinter at Santa Anita about six or seven years ago. Oh my goodness, what was this horse's name? Won the Santa Anita Sprint Championship. Uh, Olivier Pellier came in to ride him a couple of times. Uh, well, well, I know exactly. What yeah, you're but you, you get yeah. the point. There are horses that have come over and done well. As far as the Breeders' Cup goes, I am taking a wait-and-see approach on a lot of the Japanese horses simply because... It's been a case where nobody has done it before. They're going to do it at some point. Is it going to be now? I don't know, but I'll let them prove it. That's the mindset that I'm going with. 
And Darren, you mentioned the European influence. Lots of European runners coming over, which is great to see. But my goodness, you try to track down replays for some of these races. And I won't say it's impossible, but it takes way too much time. And my goodness, trying to watch race replays, it makes you appreciate the cultures of some countries that do it right. Sky Racing World in Australia does a fantastic job, and the European racing authorities should really be taking notes as far as educating people on the product and putting all of this stuff in as many convenient places as you can put it. I mean, some of them you can't even find. They're, no, like the, no. The European ones, for the most part, you can find on one of the you unlike one of the ADWs, probably TBG or Twin Spires or one of them. You know, you can you can usually search in the horse in the search engine. Some of the bigger races, you can find a couple of them on YouTube. There are a few. Um, but and then what's funny is like you know, not only is it finding the race, then and I and I watched. I think there might have been two horses in the the whole thing that I couldn't find a race for. So I I got to most of I was able to get to most of them. But like Andrew said, it's like it shouldn't take us that long. We shouldn't be yeah. the one. We are people in the the industry who know what we're looking for and who know uh, where to look. And there should be take, there I, should be there should be like a central whether they use YouTube or or whatever streaming provider that they want. There should be some kind of a central hub where. It's just every horse that runs in the Breeders' Cup, every the at least their last like race, every last race replay is going to be here. And that's think it. about YouTube for all sports and stuff. How many clips of every highlight of every game of colleges and and everything that's up there? And it's so opposite for horse racing. Again, that's and, a, and some of the races yeah. in Europe, like I click on them. And it, the race starts, and it's and it's like already twenty seconds in. Yep. And one of the, and because one what of the things I need to I can, see, I can unfortunately, I need, yeah, I can tell you exactly why that happens. As a as someone who has worked for some of the places that put them together, it's because the people who just melt those tapes just start it late. It's just like yeah. a PA who's doing. And the, I need, the, but I work. need, I need to see the start of the race the start, because European happens? runners are chronic slow starters, and and in a turf sprint or a juvenile turf sprint. If a European runner is going to spot the field three lanes, I need to know that. It says yep. at the it says in the comment line too, like steadied at the start. So you, but you don't ever know when you see things no. like that how much it is. So you exactly. really want to see, and yep. so you're you're even more bothered that it's like, oh, that was that was ideal, you know. If I may jump in here really Please. quick, Please. just because I had to look this up and figure it out, Rich Tapestry was Thank the name you. of the horse. Oh, wow, yeah. yeah, yeah, that was a nice one. So yeah, it's happened, and maybe we see another one. Uh, coming up in the uh, the uh, the Philly and Mare turf, but we're going to talk about Friday, and we're going to get a, a couple best bets from Darren and a couple best bets from Andrew for Friday throughout the card, and then they'll also share some of their best bets for Saturday. But that'll be on a separate show. It'll be at the end of the uh, the Saturday podcast where we go through all of those races. So starting with uh, with Friday, DZ, who uh, was one of the horses, or what was one of the races that jumped out at you as a strong play for you? So I'm going to start in the Juvenile Phillies turf, which is going to be the uh, the third Breeders' Cup race in the sequence. And, and there's a horse that I think is it might have a little buzz to her, but she can't be that huge of a uh, that short of a price. And it's Howdy. Howdy is a filly that originally should have broken her maiden in New York back on September the 17th, where she won from well off the pace, going away by three and a quarter lengths, where she was clearly the best horse on the day. She was subsequently disqualified, and she was disqualified 
because a horse that she came over and brushed with near the top of the lane narrowly missed out on finishing second. Had that horse finished second, they probably would have decided that she didn't cost the placing and probably would have left her up. And Howdy would have probably subsequently been entered in the Jessamine Stakes rather than another maiden race at Keeneland the following month. And I think she is an extremely talented filly who would have had a very legitimate chance of winning the Jessamine Stakes when you consider that the speed figure came back relatively on par with her maiden win. Her maiden win where she stayed up was sensational. She stalked lone speed. She was never really fully extended. She never went to the whip with Gaffleone aboard. She, you watch her ears. She was just listening for, for Tyler, waiting for him to call for her to, to do her best running. There's a lot left in the tank here. I think that this is an incredibly talented filly that we're going to hear monster things from. And I think she has a, a huge chance in a wide open Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies turf. Post 11 doesn't bother me. She's versatile. She can go out. She can come from off the pace. You're going to get a nice number on Chad Brown and Tyler Gaffleone on what I think is a is a fairly brilliant daughter of Empire Maker. We are in race number eight on the Friday card in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies turf. Looking at the number 11, Howdy, who she's a major player in here. And this is a good this is a good race to just take a stand or to have a strong opinion because there are going to be, I mean, who's, who's pizza Bianca, which delicious might I add, I had a <laughs> place wise guys out here in orange County. I had, they got this five cheese pizza that I roll out to every now and then this is delicious. Give me some garlic knots too. But again, that's a, a podcast for a different, uh, a different time. And she's five to one on the morning line. Uh, it, they're going to be the, just a, she's the morning line favorite yeah, at five she's the morning line, line favorite at five <laughs> one on the morning line yeah. that's the morning line favorite and there are going to be a bunch of horses in that range um missing scene is very nice she's going to be in the five to six to one range and darren i know you're a fan doesn't the six i keep seeing and reading the six in Penn badgley's voice hello you. <laughs> you know, for like like the tv show Hello, you. hello, it's you. you. Look at you. It's you. you over there. What are you doing? You. I don't know if you've seen recently too. He did a he did a TikTok for someone who asked them to voice asked him to voice something just kind of in, in a playful way, and he did yeah. it. He answered back, and he did it in his whole voice as someone who's kind of like walking around this library, and it was it was fantastic. I reminded me immediately of that when I uh, I saw the name of this horse. But um, Howdy is a very very good. Horse to use in your late exotics If you are someone who is handicapping this race And you weren't thinking about throwing Howdy in before Now recommend to do so Because this is These are the kind of horses that like I love hearing people give out And I like hearing on shows Because this is a wide open race This is a good pick four pick five race This is a key race on the day Because this is in all of the Big late exotics for Friday you have yep. to be right about this race if you want to cash those late exotic. If you want to hit the pick four, pick five, pick six, you have to hit this race. So this is going to be a horse who, even if she is getting a little bit of buzz, there are so many others in here that are also horses that you can make cases for that sure. they're going to get some support too. So you're going to get very well rewarded in any way, shape, or form that you play this and, horse. And it's it's entirely possible that you know, one of the Euros or, or two of the Euros are just more seasoned right now. And maybe they jump up and and, and one of them wins. But I, I truly believe that that Howdy is is a potential star in the making. And and I'm trying to strike before everybody else realizes it. That's that's my hope here. We kind of mm-hmm. talked about this with that Philly at Keeneland that won off the maiden win. 
I have a similar feeling about this Philly. I really see something special in her. And that's what and that's what's great is that you know what? Some of those feelings that we have, sometimes they're wrong, but you want to jump on them before. If you get that sense that, you know what, she might be pretty good. Well, yeah, if she shows up and runs really well here, even mm-hmm. if it's not a win, if she's got a good second or a good third or she gets into some trouble, you're not gonna be able to play her as much moving forward. And if it's she gonna- wasn't disqualified in that first start, she would have run in the Jessamine. And what's her price if she wins the Jessamine in this race? Or even if she just runs well in the Jessamine right. and you notice that, okay, she stacks up with that group. So now on the flip side, there's that that sneaky sort of upside that, yep. yeah, you know what? She might might be even classier than than we've seen, but because she didn't go tackle that group, she might be a little bigger of a price than she should be here in a, a great Friday betting race, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies Turf race number eight here. So you're going to play her to win. How's the, what's the uh, probably kind of play some tickets where you single her and and, and yes. how's the approach going to be? Yeah, she's going to be a heavy lean for me in the late pick four, the pick fives. Uh, beyond that, I, I do like some. I, I probably will be using Cache, Hello You, um, and and Miss Ensign. I think I like them a little bit more than Malathot. The, the, those fillies have kind of faced each other in terms of which ones I like more than the other and who I'm using heavier. I have to go back and watch these replays more. I've watched them all once. I need to watch them again. But uh, yeah, I'm going to lean on the Euros underneath, and I'm probably going to have to include Pizza Bianca because. She finished second to Wild Beauty. Wild Beauty came over here for the Natalma, then went back overseas and ran in the Phillies Mile, where she ran fifth. Cache was in that race. You see that that last start, she ran third. So all of these Phillies for me are kind of interchangeable underneath, mm-hmm. and I don't really have a good feel as to which one to kind of elevate to the key use yet, which is why my my sentiments are so strong on Howdy. You can put Howdy on on top and in the mix, maybe with all these Howdy on top of some, and then a couple yep. maybe on top of Howdy, and then like yep. you said, single Howdy and some of those late exotics, and uh, get an opportunity for some separation in a race where a lot of people are going six, eight, ten deep in here. You know, you can get oh, a little sure. separation on one or two of your tickets, and and that's where you want to single because if you're right, it you know you get huge value in, in the ticket. So this is uh, Darren's first Friday play in race number eight. Andrew Champagne, where are we headed for your first look on Friday? So I'm actually going to go a little bit off script, and I'm going to go with my second one, technically, because Darren just talked about half the field in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies turf, and he did not mention a two-year-old filly that I really like in here, and that should be a bit of a price. So you're going to get a couple of varying perspectives on this particular race. Now, full disclosure, I like Howdy a little bit in there. It's probably my third selection if we were going to standard top three. But Can I guess the horse? horse? Um, Of course you can guess the horse. Is it Koala Princess? No, it is not Koala Princess. I thought that had you all over it. I am going to take a trip back in time about two months. On Friday, September 3rd, 2021, Andrew Champagne had the greatest handicapping day of his career at Saratoga, going 8 for 10 at the spa. One of those winners was a Brad Cox-trained two-year-old filly by the name of Bubble Rock. Horse number five in the program in the juvenile fillies won that day like a very very good horse. You look at the fractions for that particular race. You see an opening half mile in 46 flat. They go five and a half furlongs in 102 and four. She was flying coming home that day. And I remember watching that race going, okay, that's a freakishly good racehorse. 
Well, they run her back in the matron at Belmont Park, and this horse did nothing to disprove that notion. Wound up rating a couple lengths off the pace, pouncing late, winds up winning a grade three with an 83 buyer speed figure, one of the top last out numbers in the field. Now, this horse tries two turns for the first time, and I did a little digging on the pedigree side of things. There is a lot of stamina on the bottom side of this pedigree. The second dam of Bubble Rock was a multiple stakes winner going along, and the dam reef point is a half to a horse by the name of Blue Chipper. Blue Chipper is a phenomenal horse in Korea that won a group one over there, came over here, and wound up running third in the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile. Yeah. Two turns is not going to be a problem for Bubble Rock, and I am looking at the likely pace scenario. I don't think there's a lot of early speed in this race, and I think Bubble Rock stands to sit a fantastic trip beneath a Rod Ortiz Jr., who, by the way, probably had some options in this race, and I think it's intriguing that he lands on Bubble Rock. I don't think Howdy is without a shot. Darren, again, probably mm -hmm. would be my third choice in here. But I'm looking at Bubble Rock stretching out for Brad Cox with this kind of work tab, this kind of early speed, this kind of pedigree. There's a lot of similarity in the points you made about trying to get a horse at a fairly big price before everyone else finds it. It's just we're doing it with two different horses. So when when I, I went back and I watched the Matron and, and it it brought back the feelings that I had watching the race on the far turn. I thought this this filly was going to absolutely explode and win this race by five lengths. And I know it's hard to say that you're disappointed with a finish in a time of 107.67. With, with a decent I, figure. And yeah, yeah. I, I, I granted, you know, the, the, the Belmont turf course has been known for the last few years to be basically a paved highway. But I thought she could have finished better. I thought I thought from the top of the stretch to the wire, she got the job done. She was professional. But it looked to me like she was absolutely sitting on a loaded gun at the at the three eights pole and she won. But it, it just didn't wow me like the race before. And maybe I'm being too critical and I'm probably still going to use her. Uh, but that's probably the reason why I bypassed her in terms of a top selection. Sure. And that's fair. I mean, I'm looking at this from the perspective of, OK. I don't think there's going to be a lot of early speed. And by the way, there is every chance that every jockey falls asleep at the switch and number four Turner loose winds up being alone on the front end through a half in like 49, 50 and that, change. That, that never happens in championship turf races. Andrew, never, come on. ever, ever, <laughs> not in a million what? years, right? No. But what I do think is going to happen is I think it's going to be a pretty moderate early tempo. And I think bubble rock is going to have every chance to work out her own trip. And at that likely price, she's going to be a lean for me. It's not like it's a single in that particular race. Howdy's got some talent. Mies and scene. I would like a lot more, if not for the far outside post position draw. Mm -hmm. I think that's another one that's got some early speed to her. And I think ocean Murphy may well be sitting on a pretty big breeders cup, but at that likely price, eight to one on the morning line, and I'm pretty sure we're going to get something close to that. Bubble Rock is going to be a pretty big play for me on Friday. So a couple strong opinions in the eighth race, the juvenile Phillies turf on your Friday Breeders' Cup. As we get back over to DZ for another one of his Friday plays, where else are we headed on Friday, Darren? Uh, right behind it in the Breeders' Cup juvenile, which a lot of people are talking as a showdown between the bookends of the field. Jack Christopher on the rail. Corniche on the outside. Uh, I am a fan of command performance in here. 
command performance is a maiden, much like good magic came to the Breeders' Cup as a maiden. It's a very similar profile. It's a maiden that's got a second place finish in a grade one with a 97 buyer speed figure and a 12 and a half Ragazin sheet number. And I really like the way this horse finished in the last 16th of a mile behind Jack Christopher, who ran an absolutely monstrous race. Now, this race in particular, you have to figure, goes through Jack Christopher, who's going to show all the speed from the rail and go to the front. I don't think Corniche is as quick as Jack Christopher early. Yeah, I don't either. I, I think Jack Christopher gets the lead. I think Corniche is going to have to make sure to not get hung up wide. Command command performance is going to be somewhere in probably that that middle to late pack of stalkers. I think he's going to work out a trip. He's already shown he can move wide and he can close. He's working very well. We all know Todd Pletcher can bring a horse to a race like this and have them ready. And, you know, maybe he's going to be get some wise guy money. I still think he's going to be somewhere around six to one at post time. Uh, and that's good enough for me. I think he has a monstrous shot to pull off the upset over the top two favorites here. He he's he just looks like the right horse in this spot. Does that mean he's going to win? This doesn't always mean he's going to win. He can run really well and 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 not win, or he maybe just doesn't show up. But he's going to get better as the races get longer too. Yeah, and just the way the race is going to shape up, it if Corniche or Jack Christopher lets the other one go, I'd be pretty surprised. And then you're going to have a couple other variables like a few of the other Bafferts who. You can't imagine they want to be too far out. Maybe we'll see them playing blocking for, for, for one. Like they fullback, like fullback. So I like to do every now and then. Can you, but, imagine, can you imagine if Baffert does that with a grade one winning two-year-old with Pinehurst? If he, if he like, <laughs> sets a screen to the inside horses to let Corniche cross which, over. I know, because Pinehurst is a nice horse, too. It's just, you know, he doesn't seem like he's quite as good as some of the others. He hasn't been quite as fast as, as some of the top in here, but... We don't know. This course could have plenty more upside too. He did it pretty easily. Um, I, it just feels like command performance is the horse that's going to get the kind of trip, and he'll be the kind of price that you want to play in here. He's a horse, a very nice horse to get excited about, even for a horse that hasn't crossed the wire first. Doesn't bother me whatsoever. I'll be, I, I, listen, I'm not guaranteeing a win. If I, I, no. I will be very, very surprised if he does not run well. Very I completely surprised. agree. If he doesn't hit, if he's not either. In hitting the board or like a good race where he looms up and he runs his type of race that we're assuming, I I think it, this is one of those races where I do I did a lot of eliminating. I started like I went through each horse and it's like, man, okay, I don't really like them that much. Okay, I don't, and yeah, not that much of a fan here. Okay, I can, and you just start getting back to like, who do you like? Okay, well, yeah, obviously Jack Christopher's shown some ability. Corniche is good. He didn't. Step forward off of his debut when it was a big, big figure. He regressed a little bit, but he's obviously got some ability. Then you just start looking at who who are you excited to play? Yeah, maybe there's one or two other longer shots who might be able to kind of grind into it, but he just feels like that horse who's not gonna be you know, probably one of your top two betting choices. He'll probably be the third choice, and he'll probably be five to one-ish. And if that's the case, then that's plenty fine for me. He he's a major, major player in here. So that's for DZ. Breeders' Cup Juvenile for Friday, race number nine. Andrew Champagne, where are we headed for your other play? 
Sure. So we're going to go back in time a little bit because we had some fun with the juvenile Phillies. Mm-hmm. But and that was my, a great call on your part. It's, it's almost like you've done this once or twice before calling that <laughs> all audible, audible on your own, right? <laughs> Omaha, Omaha, Omaha. Exactly. Um, yes, as, as the great David Crosby said often at his concerts, we have a set list, but it's really just a cruel joke. Um, <laughs> so we're going to go back in time a little bit. And we're going to go to the first Breeders' Cup race of the program. That's the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint. Gotta say, I am not crazy about the existence of this race. I am, however, crazy about So Wesley about Ward Invitational. Not necessarily. <laughs> or as Lee Corso would say, not so fast, my friend. Who makes the lead in here? Oh, uh... I mean, Averly Jane, one-timer. Averly Jane's one, probably... One Curtis Run is going to go. From the outside. Yeah, probably a couple. Yep, keep keep reeling them off because by my yeah. count, eight or nine of these horses Time to party who threw in is really lead. quick. Twilight Gleaming, we've seen show legitimate sprint speed. Um, even a horse like Twilight Jet had a good start and was pressing and was only about a length back. This is a horse who, if you've seen through the running lines, has actually been... Pretty close up in a lot of races too Sprinting so yeah there's There's a good amount of pace signed on And with that in mind I am going to direct your attention To number 7 Armor Who is 6-1 to one. Now one of the more accessible European replays out there Is the Judmont Middle Park Stakes Which is the race that Armor comes out of Armor had a Very unlucky trip I will not say it was a bad ride It was an unlucky trip did not break well, winds up running in a crowd of horses, which is never what you want a two-year-old with not a lot of experience to be doing. Finally has some run with about two furlongs left, has nowhere to go. The jockey that day has to wait, 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 wait. Finally gets a seam just outside the eighth pole, and the horse comes flying, is third, beaten three-quarters of a length, by a horse named Perfect Power, who also won the Prix Mornay earlier that year. So a dual grade one winner overseas that if that horse had shipped over for this spot would probably be two to one, nine to five on the morning line. That's a very, very good racehorse that Armour just narrowly missed to despite a very unlucky trip. The faster they go early, the better Armour's chances figure to be. I think it's going to be a case where there are a lot of horses that have alarm bells going off with about a furlong to go. And I think armor will be one of the ones that they'll need to hold off late six to one on the morning line. I think he'll probably drift down a little bit, probably to the nine to two range or so. But even then you're getting a decent price on a horse that has shown a lot of talent overseas, a horse that the race shape should fit like a glove And I also like the fact that he's cutting back from six furlongs to five. He hung a little bit at a six Mm -hmm. furlong start earlier in the year. I think five furlongs fits him much better. Ryan Moore has the mount. He was aboard for the first two wins of this horse's career. Guys, the more I look at armor, the more I really like him. He was a step slow. Um, He was inside, kind of towards the rear and he was in, in a little bit tight and he ended up sort of seventh, five off. He tried to angle off the rail he got a little bit of a seam and then he had to move three wide in between. It was it was a really solid effort. He responded well when he was asked. I had him uh, I have him stacked second in here Andrew. He's going to be in all, a lot of my exotics so at least I know I can have you to blame. 
Yep, thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> Go ahead, I, DZ. You were gonna. I, I, you know, I, I like them a bit too. Um, I do agree that I do think that the running style will help him given the amount of speed in the race. Uh, there's another horse from Europe in here uh, by the name of uh, Twilight Jet that's got a ton of early speed. Now it is European speed, but it's speed, um, and that's going to probably help you know help this one out. And Twilight Gleaming is also going to show a lot of foot, so I think that helps. He is not the best out of the gate. Which does concern me going five turn, excuse me, going five furlongs mm -hmm. and going around a tight left-handed turn for the first time, which is something that all of these or most of these two-year-olds from Europe are going to have to do for the first time. A little bit, I prefer one of the other Euros just because they're a little more tactical and, and the price is going to be two to three times as big. And that's Go Bears Go, who finished right alongside Armor in the middle park. You talk about the cutback, Andrew. This guy's cutting back from seven to five. And he's got a little bit more tactical speed than armor. He breaks out of the gate much faster. They're putting the blinkers on. He, maybe he gets a little bit too aggressive. I do like the move of putting John Velasquez on board. And out of the Euros at the price, I kind of prefer him. But this is one of those races where the Europeans, a lot of them, are really, really close. And it's going to come down to how the pace develops in the trip. But armor is one of the ones that I would want to have come running late. Absolutely. Armor is... Uh... Um, and most of my exotics, as I mentioned, I have, I think I haven't picked second and I have, uh, all, all of our handicap in this race is that we're looking for horses that we want coming from off the pace. Um, one other to mention, and maybe to throw in at least underneath, if, if you're playing with Andrew's uh, selection here, the 11 dairy name. Who I have my second selection. Absolutely yep. no that idea. Woodbine race is tremendous to watch. Yeah, and yeah. and you know she was super super impressive there visually and. Um, you know, I think she's worth a shot too with the kind of trip that she may work out. So look, we're looking Completely for some. I uh, agree. And I do yeah. need to jump in. Please if do. If you're concerned about the race two back that this horse ran in the Bolton landing at Saratoga, don't be. It says it was yielding turf. If it was not a stakes race, they would not have run on the grass that day. It was an absolute bog. And for me, it is a total throwout. The only thing that really concerns me about this horse is that outside post position. You're really gambling on this horse coming out, being able to get over a little bit, save some ground, and then angle back out again to be able to pass a whole bunch of horses. However, I do think she's very talented. I was a big fan of this horse's Dan Port McGee, who was a stakes-winning turf sprinter on the New York circuit. I think Darren Ain has a lot of talent. And look, you're getting Rosario and Christophe Plamont on a quality turf sprinter and you're getting 12 to one on the morning line, a lot to like there too, with a better post position. That one may well have been my pick. So for Friday, got a couple plays for you from uh, DZ and from Andrew champagne, some horses to throw into your exotic, some horses to maybe uh, make you feel good because maybe you already like them a little bit. And now you hear some other endorsements from, or maybe you don't like us. You're and, hearing us like these horses and, and you not, didn't like uh, those horses anyway. So you're thinking we're good. Exactly. Perfect. <laughs> fade them, fade them, fade them. And don't you worry because we're going to get you a couple more horses that you can either play or fade for Saturday in just a moment. But uh, we're going to get to the Saturday show uh, as we finish up here with Friday. Uh, make sure to give Andrew a follow at Andrew Champagne and AndrewChampagne.com. Get over to at the track seven to give DZ a follow. You can check out all the great stuff they have coming up. And at the end of the uh, the Saturday show, I'll give them a, a little bit more of an opportunity to uh, mention some of the things that they have coming up this week. 
weekend with some content But that's sort of home base for both of them on social media Give them a follow there and you'll be updated as to everything going on As uh, we will finish up with Friday And then don't forget we've got a big Saturday show for you Andrew and Darren going to share a couple of their plays for Saturday So stay tuned And that is going to do it for this episode of That's What G Said Podcast. That is Friday for you, Breeders' Cup Friday. Hopefully we uh, helped lead you to a few winners and a major, major thank you to all of the guests on the Friday episode. So we started out with Ryan Dickey, races one through three. That was Chase Sessoms helping us out with races four and five. Barry the Sniper Spears helping us out with race six, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint. Scott Shapiro talking race seven, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. It was Dave Ice Cold Weaver helping us out with the uh, the eighth race, the Juvenile Phillies Turf. We talked Breeders' Cup Juvenile, the TVG Breeders' Cup Juvenile with TVG's Christina Blacker. And we hit the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf with Ren Carruthers. Friday best plays from Andrew and from Darren. You heard from me after each of those races. A major thank you to the sponsors of That's What G Said Podcast. Better than Vegas. Go check them out. Give them a follow at BTV. That's drf.com. All those great packages, the VIP package for your Breeders' Cup Pass performances. And then you've got Stable Duel, StableDuel.com. Download the app, free to download. Enter those contests, and you can be making tons of money. Get those entries in and play, race, win. SarahCandles.com, C E R A, Candles.com. And that promo code GINO, going to get you 10% off your purchase. DRF Sports, that great. Great daily racing form analysis Now going to be transferring over into the sports world How about CindyCarava.com Full service realtor Cindy Carava, all of those sponsors Thank you so much for helping us out Thank you so much for giving us the opportunity To provide free content out there Each and every day to everyone Make sure to give me a follow on Twitter At it's me Gino B And we look forward to helping you out With Saturday, here's what the menu is going to be like For the Saturday Breeders' Cup show We've got Chappy Jeff Chapman helping us out with Saturday races 1 through 3 for Del Mar Race 4 is the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Sprint Dave Handelin is going to take uh, care of that one with us Race 5, the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint Angela Herman helps us out with that one I'm going to discuss the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile Horse by horse uh, by myself in uh, For race number 6 on Saturday The 7th race, we will have John Moosis Help us with the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Turf John did a fantastic job with uh, giving us information with all the European runners The 8th race is the Breeders' Cup Sprint That's going to be Craig Milkowski The ninth race is the Breeders' Cup Mile Nick Hines, the Sarge Ura Sarge helps us out with the Breeders' Cup Mile And uh, again, we talked really in-depth About each and every runner In each and every one of these Breeders' Cup races The 10th was the Distaff Emily Gullickson helped us out Horse by horse with that one The 11th race, the Breeders' Cup Turf on Saturday Ed DeRosa uh, spent about 45 minutes with us going horse by horse in the Breeders' Cup turf. And then we give you two different guests for the Breeders' Cup Classic. Chris Larmy helps us out. And then Emily Gullickson also helps us out horse by horse with each one of them. Two different opinions, two completely different conversations. And we'll also close out the Saturday with best bets from Andrew and from Darren. That's all for Saturday, folks. Hope you enjoyed Friday. And those Saturday Breeders' Cup shows, they're going to be out for you right now. If you're, if you're looking for some help, go check them out for Saturday. Get all prepared. Let's have an awesome weekend. Best of luck. 
multiverse.